warning. Pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned pop thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 317. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a walk rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, clean it, race it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over, counterculture, push over. Pop culture. You're listening to the only podcast with the balls to bite a radioactive spider. It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm a leftover. No fucking Jake this week. We teased that last week, but I am not alone this week. We are joined by Rebecca Daling, the queen of the leftover army, and the upcoming Picard cast. Welcome, Rebecca. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, uh, so Picard, it's uh, next week. I thought it was this week, and I was wrong, and then I looked it up, and it's next week. Yep, it's so. Thursday the 23rd. When are you going to have your episode out? So we that first episode will drop on Saturday, um, the 25th. We're going to get it out as quickly as possible, because I'm sure there'll be a... I know at least of two other Picard review shows that are out there. But, um, yeah, we'll probably get that first episode out Saturday. So we, um, we will be uh, joined by a special guest every week. Uh, I'm very excited because we have some returning people who joined us for the pre-show and then um, some new people as well. So, yeah, very excited. Very excited for Picard. Can't wait. So subscribe now. I'll, I'll try to put the uh, – give me the RSS feed. I'll try to put the link in the show notes for everybody so they I can sure subscribe. I sure will. Thank you. Yeah, and uh still, yeah, the guests keep rolling in. It's just a fucking revolving door of fun this week. Um, Neil, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me back. <laughs> Absolutely. I fucking love having you on, man. I can't get enough of Neil. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a great time as all, like, usually, I guess. Uh, <laughs> what's, fun, what's funny is wow. this is the third time in a row I've been on without Jake. Oh, I know. I know. It's crazy. I know, yeah. It's weird, but but he yeah yeah you're on the the Jakeless episodes, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Uh, we got one more guest. We've got uh, Aaron Aaron Miller from the Nerds Podcast. Welcome, Aaron. Hello, thanks for having me back. It's been uh, it's been a bit. Yeah, it's been a little while, hasn't it? Yeah, how's how's things going over on over there at Nerds? 
Uh, it's going good. I mean, we've had trouble recording like all the time, but <laughs> we're trying. <laughs> we're trying. I know. Like two weeks later, I finally get to hear your thoughts on uh, the rise of Skywalker. <laughs> it was like, man. <laughs> yeah, it was late. I, that one was a tough one. I was, yeah. you know, I had surgery, so it was like uh, a lot of laying around. But I could have, I could have technically laid on the couch and done it, but no one came over, so I just laid here alone and cried. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no Jake this week, so I'm not reading any iTunes reviews. We'll read those next week. But I do have an email here. Last week I posed the question of how the fuck do you make a banana? I mean, seriously, it was driving me nuts. I don't know if you guys heard that or not, but it's like one of those things where we I had like this, you're shipwrecked on an island, and there's coconut trees there, and you have in your possession a banana. Make a banana tree. Make a banana tree. <laughs> right? It turns out you can't. How the fuck do you make a banana? Do you, I was like, do you plant the whole goddamn banana? Do you plant the, do you eat the banana? Plant the peel? What are you doing? What are you, how are you, how are you making a banana? How are you making a banana? And so I got an email here from Sean Tolley and he says, Hey, Brian, I'm a horticulturist. And I, I asked people to send me information on this that didn't google this shit i I hate it when people act like they're fucking geniuses because they can go to wikipedia and fucking send me an article get the fuck out of here with that shit i want fucking i want knowledge that comes straight from your goddamn brains i don't want this fucking like oh i did a google search get the fuck out of here with that crap anybody (laughs) could do i could could look up how to make a banana i just wanted to know from you um but he goes sean tully i'm a horticulturist living in Australia, in my understanding of bananas, is this. Commercially grown bananas have little to no seeds. And as Jake said in the podcast, you kind of need to know someone with the plant to take what's called a pup. Tiny offshoot of the mature plant that is found growing from the base of the tree. You then have to follow the necessary steps to successfully propagate said pup. In the wild, bananas have seeds and will spread the more traditional way that these bananas aren't as nice to eat, but the flavor is a lot stronger. In the wild, the conditions are usually perfect for seeds to grow, humidity levels, rainfall, heat, etc., which is why this process of growing bananas isn't so common when considering seeds. The fruit is also less desirable for our once taste and more so for local wildlife. Great to give advice to my favorite podcast. That comes from, uh, yeah, hope this helps your frustration. That comes from Sean Tully. So, yeah, yeah, you just, there you go, bananas. <laughs> that's, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. That is right. But J- Jake said something, too, about how uh he said that he felt like he's always heard that, like, we're, like, five years away from no bananas or ten years away from no bananas. But there there is an article I had read that said that the bananas we eat today are not the bananas that were around, like, 50 years ago. Like, those bananas are extinct. Like they're yeah. gone because we ate them all. Literally, we just ate them all. And now the ones that we have now are completely like designed for mass consumption by the by the general public. Wow. The, uh, banana. I- what are the candies? The fruit ones uh, that are you know they have like a banana, an orange, runts, or runts, runts, or runts. Yeah, yeah, runts. The banana runt is flavored after what traditional original bananas from fifty years ago tasted like. Hmm. That's why they don't taste like bananas. Oh, I, I want to see a movie 
where they find one of these bananas and these old bananas that have gone extinct and they find it in some tree sap and some old man takes all these people <laughs> to this island and he's like, welcome to Banana Park. And then it's just like Stand literally <laughs> we just watch some people go, oh, yeah, they're pretty good. <laughs> One of the scientists maybe has a banana allergy, you know. That might be might be interesting. <laughs> Fucking bananas, ridiculous. Jake says something about a rhizome too. You got to the rhizome. You got to find a rhizome. That's over my head. I don't know about rhizomes. Yeah, I know. Ridiculous. It's easier to make fucking sea monkeys than it is bananas. <laughs> I'd have an easier time fucking growing a chia pet than a fucking. I've always wanted an AC Slater chia pet. <laughs> if I were to get a chia pet, I get a Bob Ross chia pet. Really? It's perfect for that. Yeah, they do make those. I know they do. That's why yeah. I want one. <laughs> I want to. I want to. I want to either a Bob Ross one. That'd be nice. The AC Slater or the um, or from Family Matters, Little Richie, that little kid. <laughs> <laughs> I want yeah. one that's just like a crotch and then it's just <laughs> giant pubes that <laughs> You want a chia crotch. Yes. Oh yeah, I can see I can see you going full Miyagi with the bonsai and snipping that thing, <laughs> giving it a Brazilian. I'll do like uh I'll make like a little rabbit out of it or whatever. What a topiaries? Is that what that's called? I think so. Yeah, yeah. topiaries. It's like what I do to my actual giant seventies. What, what is it? What is chia? What is that? What is that plant? Like what is it? What the fuck? It's like a. It's weird because it's like a paste, and you like. Do you think that that's what fucking Swamp Thing does for his receding hairline? Just like throw some of that shit up there. Chia by Rogaine. Yeah, it's like it's like that Bosley thing. I mean, I liked it so much about the company. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking talking about bananas two weeks in a row. I feel I feel weird about that. Mm. I hate bananas, by the way. Oh, I love bananas. Oh, I, I can't got, even smell them. I got two bunches of bananas right now in the house. I love bananas. I love you them. Know, you know that after after I finished listening to the episode, you guys talked about bananas. I had such a craving for bananas. I went out and bought a bag of bananas. Sure, I bet. I guarantee you. I'm telling you. Like fucking Dole should fucking sponsor us. You know what I mean? For real. No shit. Oh, listen to this shit. Netflix might be getting into podcast advertising. Really? Yep. I got an email from fucking the the company that does their uh, advertising, and uh, Netflix is looking to do. I don't, I, I'm gonna talk to the guy, see what he has to fucking say. I mean, it's, but I, I don't know. Yeah, we already talk about Netflix shit half the time on the show anyway. So it's like, it, like if, yeah, sure. I'll talk to you. It's not, you know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm very picky about like any sponsors and shit like that. So like we did the one comic book, we did the one up box. We shit on the one up box, but we did it. <laughs> but like, the it, headphones? Yeah, the headphones. Oh, I did it one week. <laughs> did the headphones one week and my fucking headphones stopped working and I told them I'm done. And they were like, oh, we'll replace them for you. I'm like, it's all right. Don't even worry about it. But I can't, I cannot in good faith, like fucking, you know, pimp these fucking headphones. They were nice headphones too. They worked one time. And the second time I went to use them, 
fucking studio Sweden headphones. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I get a bunch of emails from fake podcast app advertising people. And then a lot of people on uh, SoundCloud that are like, yo, I love your track. I have a producer who makes dope beats. And I'm like, I don't think you know who you're emailing. I totally, I totally was like, Oh, is this like a, is this a, is this like a bullshit email from somebody? And I checked the email address. I checked the company and the company does advertise for Netflix. So it seems legit. So I'm going to talk to the guy and see what he has to say. I think it's interesting. But, nothing wrong with listen to him. Yeah, I'll listen to him. We'll see. It's fucking Netflix. We talk about Netflix shit half the time on this show anyway, so might as and well. And they got money, dude. They yeah. Yeah. I oh god, I hate it when I get the ones from fucking other like like big podcast networks that want me to pimp their fucking shows. And I told them, I said, Yeah, I'll do it if you talk about mine on yours, and then I never hear back from them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna, I don't, I, dude, I'm not gonna fucking pimp some other fucking podcast that I have no relationship to. Get the fuck out of here. Anyway. Yeah, uh, we've got a, uh, we got the Morbius trailer that came out this week, so we're gonna do a Morbius trailer breakdown. We're actually gonna start that right now. And, uh, what, what day did this come out on? Monday. We heard the rumor that we were gonna get this Morbius trailer. And, uh, comes out Monday. And we got our first look at Jared Leto as biochemist Michael Morbius in the Spider-Man spinoff Morbius from Sony Pictures. Film Stars Academy Award winner Jared Leto. Uh, Emmy nominee Matt Smith uh, as Loxius Crown. Adria Arshona as Martine Bancroft. Emmy nominee Jared Harris uh, from The Crown, also from uh, Chernobyl and The Expanse as Morbius' mentor, and Tyrese Gibson uh, as an FBI agent. Uh, let's see here. Morbius is Sony's adaptation of the Marvel anti-hero Morbius the Living Vampire. The film will be directed by Daniel Espinoza. He directed Life, Safe House. Uh, this is from a script by Burke Sharpless and Matt Sazama. Uh, from Net- Netflix's Lost in Space. Uh, it's based on the Marvel Comics character created by writer Roy Thomas and artist Gil Kane. And Morbius first appeared in 1971's Amazing Spider-Man 101. It's part of the, uh, Morbius was part of the, uh, like the comics code. This is as far as I understand it, is the comics code wouldn't let you have, like, like anything dead. So, like, all the zombie comics went away, you know, all those horror comics and vampire comics went away. So, like, their way around it was they called him Morbius the Living Vampire. So, he never really died. He did, you know, he had a beating heart. And so, that's their workaround to uh, to get around the comics code. Um, originally, Dr. Michael Morbius, the scientist character, tried to cure his rare blood disease only to become afflicted with a form of vampirism. That gave him superior strength, fangs, and a taste for blood. The character fought Spider-Man several times, though eventually earned several of his own books where he had a more heroic art. I've read some Morbius comics, but never like a Morbius-centric like comic. But I've read them in comics before, and it's been in Spider-Man stuff. But I've never read, like, if a Morbius number one comes out, I'm not reading Morbius. <laughs> so, um, And from the look of the trailer... It doesn't show us whether he's going to be a hero, a villain, or an anti-hero. It's it's kind of up in the air at this point. Um, I think they're trying to be really ambiguous with that. But uh, I guess we're gonna we're gonna do a trailer breakdown, and then after that, we're gonna rate it. How's that sound? Sounds great. 
Okay. Sounds good. Even if it doesn't, we're gonna, that's the way we're going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds fucking horrible, dude. <laughs> well, fuck it. We're just, you're just going to have to roll with it. Um, the trailer starts. We get Michael Morbius as a boy. He's on crutches. He's going to class and being bullied by some classmates here. And uh, in the comic book, he has Greek origins. So I don't know if this is taking place in Greece. He doesn't sound like he's Greek. I, I have no idea. So this might – it looked like a – didn't it look like a town from like the 1940s? Didn't it look like a fucking like World War II town? And it like, totally did. It did I, yeah. I questioned at first when this took place yeah. because the town looked so like – is this World War Two? What yeah. is this? Why is yeah, that, it's, it's a little odd. Why is that guy riding a bicycle with a basket and baguettes in it? Like, what's going yeah. on? You know, <laughs> it's so weird. It looks, yeah, it looked like it looked like a World War Two town or something. It did not look like this. I don't know. It's weird. But anyway, he's saved by Jared Harris's character. Uh, they have not. What's interesting about Jared Harris's character? He plays his mentor, his lifelong mentor and father figure. And they have not named that character. So it's leading a lot of people to believe that uh, that character is of some importance. And, like, once they reveal who that character is, it might be a big deal. Um, Kirk Connors. What's that? Probably, like, Kirk Connors or somebody like that. There's theories out there. I'm going to get to those a little bit later. Um but uh, the whole mentor thing, it was first reported by The Hollywood Reporter. This trailer confirms it. We saw it in the trailer. And, um, uh, yeah, we'll talk about those theories on who he could be later. Uh, we hear Jared Harris's voiceover in the trailer say, Michael, I've known you since you were a child. You have a gift. You always have. If there's an answer to your disease, you'll find it. So we find out that he's affected by this unusual blood sickness, uh, but he's uh, he's brilliant, and, and if anybody can cure this disease, it's going to be Morbius himself. In the trailer, then, we see that he's using crutches uh, to accept the Nobel Prize for Medicine and Physiology, and um, this is all pulled directly from the comic. He did He won a Nobel Prize. He's just a brilliant guy, so this is all pulled from the comic. Um, we can also tell from the looks of him that this blood sickness, this disease or whatever it is, has taken its toll on him. Uh, we see he looks very emaciated. He's got these dark bags under his eyes. He already pretty much looks like a fucking vampire that needs to feed. You know what I mean? He's not, he, he's not infected with the vampirism yet, but he looks like, he looks like he's, uh, getting close. Uh, in the trailer we hear Michael Morbius say, I should have died years ago. Why am I still here if not to fix this? And we see him treating other patients. I believe these other patients are people that have the same rare blood disease. We see him with this little girl in the hospital bed. And then we hear a voiceover say, I have a rare blood disease and I'm running out of time. This could be my last chance. And he's humming opera or some shit the entire time. Like, yeah, did you hear that? I thought that was dumb. Pure release uh, by Beethoven. Yeah, he says, I don't want to hear Jared Leto, like, bop into it. it was, <laughs> that was the weirdest part of this. It's the yeah. only uh, piano song I know how to play still. Really? Yeah. Look at you. Music, <laughs> music man you know, over there. Do you know any 30 Seconds to Mars, or what, what are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know 30 Seconds to Mars when they came out. We then see him hunched over and uh, he doesn't have a shirt on and 
He's uh, being examined by Martine Bancroft, and she's Michael Morbius's lover in the comics. I don't know if they're engaged here or if they're I, I, romantically involved, but uh, he looks super emaciated in this, and his, his spine's popping out of his back. And um, then we see him in the laboratory, and he's got this uh, bat kind of like pinned down, and he's doing some testing on, so... He knows he's going to die soon, and we hear a conversation in the trailer between him and Martine, and she knows he's got something planned, and he tells her it's not exactly legal. So he's already doing testing on bats, so it's leading up to what we see here next. And I thought this was kind of interesting. Uh, We see a helicopter flying to like what I believe is an exotic location, and... He's going to use a mix of what looks like science and technology to harness whatever cure he believes these bats possess. So he's on to something. He thinks the bats can cure him. Um, so we see him back in the lab earlier, and he's experimenting with some kind of like golden liquid. So then we see this. So remember the golden liquid, we see that, and then we see him get off this helicopter, land on this mountain cliff. There's this cave. He cuts his hand with a knife. They've set up some sort of like a device. It kind of look, looks like a, a harp. Um, it's not a musical harp, but it's got like strings on it. And it's, it, it sends off some sort of like a, a signal that then makes all these bats fly out of the cave and then attack him. So maybe it's this mix of this serum coupled with the bat bite that activates this vampirism is what I kind of got out of that. Did you guys notice that or? Yeah. That's what it seems like. Thank you, Neil. So I'm glad, <laughs> glad, glad somebody's here to back me up a little bit. It's like mm. when the teacher is like, who wants to answer this question? And literally no one. <laughs> Seriously, I feel, I feel, I felt like I was saying Bueller a hundred times. Christ. I, I crawled under my desk. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it, it, it definitely is. I think, I think that's definitely meant to be the connection here in that trailer. In this trailer is that he's working on his serum, whatever it is. And between that and then these bat fights, which if we're going to guess that these are, I guess, bats that do actually drink blood from other animals and stuff that it, this is what affects him and turns him into the, the living vampire. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a mix of that. It's like, what, like, where did he come up with this serum, this golden liquid that we see him in? I, I don't know. Is he like, I, I think like we do see, like, he's got like this library. There's a scene where we kind of see like, there's this like library that he's, hmm. In I, all these, maybe these books he's collected. So I think like, I think it went from like, it went from science, like, oh, I'm going to do it all science like, right? I'm going to, I'm going to look into this. And like, now he's, now he's, he's probably gotten to the point where he's so desperate that he's looking through like vampire mythology and all this shit, mm-hmm. right? Is, is that, and I am, I'm asking because I don't have a lot of knowledge, uh, comic wise of this character. Um, is that something that's like comically that that that's um, comic book accurate that he turns to vampire lore at some point or he becomes obsessed with vampire lore? I, I uh, Morbius is I I don't think so. Like as far as I okay. know from like his his backstory, it's it's not 
his comic book backstory is not what we see here. It's not this fucking mm. harp and these sound waves and this golden serum and all that stuff. It's just kind of, you know, like, you know how these things happen in the comic books. There's like a lab accident or, you know what I mean? Oh, sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you know, he is affected by this disease and this does keep him alive. So that, that is comic book accurate. But I don't think like, like, you know, how he becomes, you know, Morbius in this movie is comic book accurate. I'd have to look up his exact origin. It's like one of those things where I'd have to, <laughs> and, and with comic book origins too, and they change all the time. Like you'll have like a comic book origin sure. back in the day. Like if you look at Batman's comic book origin, like he was like wanting to fight crime and he's fucking like, like his original origin was like he was sitting in a room and a bat flew into the window and he's like, yeah, <laughs> that's cool. I'll fucking be Batman. And like, of course, like Fuck they, it. they totally redid his origin because that origin fucking sucks. Right. <laughs> so I don't know if they, if his origins changed over time, but this looks like it's a little something new here. Um, the next scene we see is Michael Morbius. He's quarantined behind glass. Uh, we see him punching it and he's cracking it. So like, I, first thing I noticed in this scene was like, he's not using crutches here. So we, we literally saw him like struggling with these crutches going on that mountain cliff. He's not using crutches here. He was just using them, you know, in that mountain cliff scene and here he's without them. We're already getting our first hint that something's happening. Something, there's been some sort of a change that's happening to him. Um, he starts to punch the glass. It's cracking. And we, we get a scene of uh, a look of Martine. She's looking at him from behind the glass. And then her expression changes. And it, I don't know. She might be seeing the transformation or the start of the transformation for the first time in that scene. Uh, we then next see him in that library that I talked about. There's all these books on the wall behind him. And then these bats are swirling around him. It's almost kind of like he's controlling them. And... um I'm, I'm thinking like he's either used these books in the past to like get himself to where he is now to where he can fucking, you know, be to, to be Morbius or be whatever, you know, he thinks this cure is. Or now that this has happened to him, now he's st- trying to study the origins of his new powers. Um, moments later, we see him in the trailer and he's actually conducting tests on himself. Cause like this guy's a, he's a brilliant guy. He's a scientist. And of course he's going to like fucking do tests on himself. He says, increase strength and speed. And then we see him bouncing off of walls with like this black mist trailing behind him. And then he talks about, he says, I have the ability to use echolocation. And we see in the trailer, his eyes go white and he sends off a, a sound wave that basically is mapping the room that he's in. So basically he can fight in the dark and he can sense when an enemy is close. Um, <laughs> I'm just looking at this trailer and I paused on his face when those eyes, when his eyes go white. Yeah. And like when his pupils get all small, they look like the pupils from Rick and Morty, like the oh, squiggly no. outline. <laughs> totally. Oh, <yeah>. <laughs> they do. <laughs> Um, we got, okay. So they give us, they do, they really do <laughs> look like that now that you say it. Um, we get like a, a couple of his powers here. Like we see that we see like the increased strength and speed. Um, and we, we find out about the echolocation, but like in the comics, he can also hypnotize people and he can also fly short distances. We did not get to see that here. I don't know if they're going to do that in the movie, 
but we didn't get to see that stuff here. It might be powers that uh, they show that he has in the movie while we're watching it. Um, this next scene super fucking confused me because <laughs> we see Morbius on a tanker in the ocean. And I'm like, oh, fuck, another superhero on a tanker in the ocean. <laughs> we saw this in Aquaman. It just doesn't – it didn't make sense to me why he is there. Um we hear his voiceover talking about how he has the overpowering urge to consume blood. And I guess the only thing I can think of is like why he's on this tanker is if you, if you pause this one frame in this one scene, if you look closely, you can see Martine Bancroft on the floor and she looks like she's knocked out. And it's so like, this might be a rescue mission. Um, I don't know. I have no idea, but mm. He's going around. He's killing these guy, these guys on, on this tanker. They're armed, and he's taking them out. And it looks very much like a horror movie in those scenes. And this is where we get to see he uses his Morbius claws to slash an enemy at the neck. Uh, I wonder if he's going to be feeding in the interim. Like, is he going to kill and then feed instantly? Like, and like is this. Is this going to be R-rated? That's, dude, that's what I'm saying. That's what I don't know. They haven't rated it yet. Like, there's the rumor that it could be R-rated. There's the rumor that it could be R-rated. And I, and this is one of those things where I've thought to myself, like, you know, the movie Blade was R-rated. That's vampires. There's a lot of blood. I, it's hard for me to think that, like, a movie with a vampire, we're not going to see a lot of blood and it, and it won't be rated R. I'm not saying, like, it's going to be rated R for, like, the fucking, you know, cursing and shit. It could be rated R just for the the violence and maybe the mm-hmm. the amount of blood we see in this film. I mean, it should have a bunch of blood if he's out there ripping people's throats out, but we'll see. Yeah, uh, we see. Well, they. I mean, Sony's kind of teased this. Sony's kind of teased us with an R rating. We heard like the rumors of the Venom stuff, which was, I think, if I went back and I went back in my notes like a, a year ago. And I was like, where did this fucking venom rated R rumors start? Did that come from Sony? Did Sony, was it like, but it was like a, a colli- I think it was a collider article mm. and they kind of like put the word out there that it could be rated R and it never sounded like it was anything concrete. Like it ever was intended to be rated R. It was, it seems like it was like this rumor that like the internet just run ran, ran, uh, like went rampant with. Mm. Wishful thinking, basically. Yeah, well, it, it makes sense. I mean, think about Tom Hardy. Think about that yeah. guy. You know, I mean, he's gonna want to do like, like serious shit. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like Venom was not like the most serious movie. <laughs> no. But like, that's the kind of guy he is. He's like, you know, you think about Tom Hardy, you think like, you know, fucking look at Taboo. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That right. FX yeah. series. Like, so anyway, we see Morbius. He's walking on the streets, and behind him is. um a picture of Spider-Man in the suit with uh, the graffitied word murderer. So this is the first moment we realize that this is tying in with Tom Holland's Spider-Man in the MCU. Um, this is, I, I feel like it is. I feel like this is directly tied to Far From Home where Peter Parker's framed for the terrorist attack. Mm-hmm. Um, the suit, I agree with that. Yeah. I, yeah. I saw some stuff about this the image suit, itself. The suit, yeah, from the PS4. Yeah, yeah. This, said, it's the Spider-Man Two suit. It's well, it's it's this. Yeah, Spider-Man Two. Yeah. It's Tobey Maguire's suit from Spider-Man yeah. Two, but it's the version that appears in the Spider-Man PS4 video game by Insomniac. Mm. 
So yeah, it's the loading screen when you're wearing that uh, that skin. So hmm. that's the thing. People have been wondering, like, you know, if there's like some sort of like an issue with Sony being able to use, you know, um, the suits from the Marvel movies in this movie, if they can't use them for like legal reasons or something, or if they're waiting for like, they were waiting for approval from Marvel to use like a certain suit that Tom Holland wore. And by the time we get this movie, it's going to be a different suit. It'll be a different suit. We might see a different suit there. That might just Unless be a place do something super cool and make like a multiverse. Are, yeah. Do you think that like, do you think that they might do that? I mean, would they bring Toby I don't back? think so. I don't think yeah. they're good enough, but yeah, I would love that. I mean, that would be a lot better than them just using this image as a placeholder. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I and it's weird that they would have like legal, some kind of like legal thing mm-hmm. that maybe they were just worried about. They didn't get approval yet, but it's like, it's still like Sp- Spider-Man is yeah. Sony, you know? So it's like, why wouldn't they be able to use like, just like an, like the suit that he had on and like one of the, like one of the far from like far from home or homecoming, you know, why not? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just, it seems weird to me. It's all, it's, it is definitely weird because you don't know exactly how well versed they are in their own movies. Cause we've had some hit or miss stuff from Sony. Yeah. Uh, or if it is like a legal issue or if they are actually doing this on purpose and, and trying to put some seeds into the minds of the public that they're, going to expand the the universe and uh, for the sinister sticks movie or something well it's it's weird because you'd think that during all these fucking negotiations for spider-man to even stay in the mcu and be there in the first place they would have said like we're gonna make our movies and there will be at least light connections like Mm -hmm. to that spider-man it is going to be the same spider-man yeah they've always said like that these movies like Venom and like Morbius and like the upcoming, you know, Craven movie, if that ever gets made, they're, they're MCU adjacent. Mm-hmm. So they're not like, we're not going to see like, you know, Morbius interact with, you know, anybody in like the proper MCU. It's not like we're going to see Morbius in a, you know, Black Doctor Panther movie. movie, Doctor Strange movie. Exactly. Like that's not going to happen. I tend to think like that could change depending on like if one of these movies just 100% blows up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know Venom did really well. I just don't know if in this, in the overall scheme of things, Feige just is thinking to himself like, oh, does it really make sense for us to fucking, you know, include Venom in anything upcoming Spider-Man? Because they, they, we barely got like this last deal done. Right. You know? Yeah. And Mm -hmm. so if they are going to wrap up Spider-Man eventually, it doesn't make sense to throw more into the mix as far as like Venom's concerned. It just makes more sense to me for them to like move the character of Venom along a little bit more. And then if Tom Holland's out of the MCU eventually, then just like have him (laughs) interacting with like, you know, Venom and what's going on here with like our sinister six, you know? that they're possibly building towards. I just, for Morbius, Morbius only, I think like Morbius would only make sense to see Morbius like show up in like a, like that blade movie or a blade sequel, you know, mm-hmm. in the MCU. Yeah. If, if, if Kevin yeah. Feige really wanted to like bring in one of these characters into an MCU movie, it would make sense to me that Morbius might have like a cameo or something 
in like a Blade movie. You know, you're already dealing with a character that's the daywalker, that's a fucking vampire hunter. And here we've got fucking Morbius. Like, it kind of makes sense that Blade would go after Morbius. So hmm. in in the comics, there are actual vampires. And then there's this crippled dude that made bat blood into his blood and turned into like a different kind of vampire. Does he create other vampires? Dude, there are vampires in the Marvel comics. Fucking Jubilee of the X-Men turned into a vampire at one time, and it was the dumbest shit ever. (laughs) And so they basically kind of like, I think they found a cure for her, and she's not a vampire anymore because it was so fucking dumb. (laughs) It was dumb. (laughs) It was dumb. It was some of the dumbest shit they've ever done. It'd be awesome if Blade just killed every vampire. Like, even if you are a good guy who turns into a vampire because you got bit, he's like, I don't care. Y'all killed my mom, so it's time. <laughs> oh, man. I don't, I, I think that's the only way it makes sense is if, like, but I don't, I don't even think that'll happen. I, I, I think, and I can't even believe the, believe that the fucking Blade movie's happening. And if Kevin Feige does give it an R rating, I will fucking lose my shit. That would be incredible. Yeah, I'm I'm stoked because uh, Mahershala Ali is awesome, yeah. and uh, he was kind of underutilized in Luke Cage. Like he was the best part, I think, of season one. So totally. he was. He was. I, I I always had said this while we were reviewing it and everything, but if they reversed the order of those villains in season one, I oh think it would God. have been a lot better for the so much show. better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't understand. Like, was he, was, was Mahershala Ali not want, did he not want to be committed to it? Could they not work it out schedule wise? It's like, I've always wondered why they got rid of him. Cause he was so fucking awesome in that. Amazing. Yeah. Um, we get a shot of, uh, in back to the trailer, we get a shot of Tyrese Gibson in the trailer as, hmm. uh, FBI agent Simon Stroud. He hunts Morbius. Did you notice on his right arm? There's some sort of like mechanical device. He's been, he's been kind of like upgraded with tech. If it says Stark tech on it, then you know that we finally got a real crossover. Oh, no, I don't think, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's like a Borg arm. It does actually look like a Borg (laughs) arm. With the tubes coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going into his flesh. Yeah, I didn't notice that the first time I watched it. I haven't paused on that scene right now. Yeah, and, uh, yeah it does look. Um, it doesn't look like a prosthetic. It almost yeah, it's like a like it's um something you would slip over your arm, like yeah, an attachment. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we then get Matt Smith. He plays Loxius Crown. He's going to be the villain of the film, and um, he was once what's my- his name? Loxius Crown. It's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Name. <laughs> yeah, who's like has their baby and they're like, you've got a wonderful baby boy, and then you hold it, and you're like, crowned. I'll name him Loxius Crown, dude. I think it's kind of cool. Like, if your last name's Crown, you know what? What do you name him? Thomas? No, Thomas Crown. You know, <laughs> Bob Crown. <laughs> no, dude, this sounds regal and shit. Loxius Crown. <laughs> it sounds like a uh, fancy chocolate. Reminds me of, like, Face Off when they, you know, Pollux and Troy. <laughs> well, no, you just name him Royale so that when he's in school, they say his name backwards and it's Crown Royale. And then everyone goes, nice. <laughs> <laughs> and he wears, like, one of those fucking, like, uh, purple plush 
<laughs> outfits. He looks like he's literally. <laughs> he doesn't have sleeves. He's just like yeah. sack race every day to school. <laughs> yeah, <that's true. laughs> but this guy, Loxy's crown has the same blood sickness as Michael Morbius. So I think like that's where they're going to see, we're going to see like their friendship. You know, like they both have bonded because they both have the same blood disease. So what will eventually happen is Michael um, will, you know, he'll find this cure and then, you know, Loxia's crown will see like how he's responded to the treatment and he'll probably want this cure as well. But by that time, Michael Morbius will be, he'll know like, oh, I'm, I'm a fucking vampire. I can't be <laughs> turning everybody into these fucking vampires. And so he's still, but you know, Loxius is going to want to fucking be cured and he's going to find a way to, to, to also turn himself into one of these vampires. Um, we get all these action shots at the end and we finally see the face of a fully transformed Morbius into a vampire. And, um, then at uh, the very end of the trailer, we get a shot of Michael Keaton uh, back as Adrian Toomes, the vulture. He says, Michael Morbius. Um, uh, uh, let's see here. Michael Morbius, um, bored with, with doing your complete good man issue, huh? What's up, Doc? So, yeah, it looks like it looks like they're setting up um, a, uh, a Sinister Six kind of thing going on here with uh, showing up uh, Adrian Toome showing up here at the end as a vulture. And he looks hey. he's still in prison. It looks like he's so like this is definitely he's like wearing like that prison outfit that we saw him in. The last time we saw him, white jumpsuit. Yeah, yeah, that's that's like your last scene of the movie, which shouldn't have been like that. Why would you put that in the trailer? <laughs> the, the, like that's, here's the, you got to. Here, here's the thing. There's you've got to with with Morbius. Like th- this whole trailer was trying. It was they were splashing on the screen that this is tied to Venom. This is tied to Spider Man because nobody's fucking heard of Morbius. Like your your fucking normies out there have not read Morbius comics. They've got to fucking show like this is from the same studio that brought you Spider. You got to show Spider Man in there somewhere. You got to fucking show Michael Keaton. You have to. You, I think with with Morbius with this first trailer and getting people any type of any sort of excited, you have to make those connections. And for us, for us that fucking know Aaron, I get it. For us that fucking know like that Morbius is connected to this universe. That would have been cool to just see in the fucking movie. But on the flip side, dude, there's so many fucking normies out there that don't know what the fuck, who the fuck Morbius, they just think it's a vampire movie. Or they would have just thought it was a vampire movie. If you would have just shown this fucking trailer without all that fucking like, oh, you know, from Spider-Man, from Venom, from blah, 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 and like here's Spider-Man is the murderer on the wall, and here's Adrian Toomes is the vulture. If they would have left all that shit out, people would have been like, oh, it's a vampire movie with Jared Leto. <laughs> well, so my issue with it is more so that now we know that Jared Leto is going to get foiled and go to jail. Because, I mean, Morbius is going to go to jail. If you want to connect them, why not just have uh, J. Jonah Jameson show up? We got him at the end of, you know. Uh, is he? Spider-Man. But is he in jail? He looks like he's just walking around. Like he's showing. Like, uh, he, he might be. Saved. He might well, be. Well, look. If. If he wasn't going to jail, then why would Adrian Toomes say, "Oh, got done with your, or all done with your good guy act"? 
Like he's, he's clearly getting locked up. They've got TV, dude. They got TVs in jail. They can see that he's probably gone around fucking killing people and shit. I mean, you got the police after him. We saw that in this trailer. All those fucking uh, you know police vehicles and and people hunting him and stuff like that. I I, I it didn't look like to me like he was in a prison jumpsuit and joining him. It looked like he had either broken in and trying to break him out, or I don't know. I'll bet you. Five dollars that that's the either mid credits or final scene of the film. I don't know why they would give us a mid credits scene reveal here in this movie, like right then and there. Well, like you said, they need to get people in. Uh, real quick, you said Michael Morbius so many times that I've got your mashup. If if those are still happening, uh, you just have Michael Morbius, but it's like Fat Michael Moore, but he's a vampire. <laughs> Michael Morbius. <laughs> That's it. That's I like all that. There you go, Michael Cannon. Make it happen. <laughs> there's, there's the first joke of the night where Brian is a stone silent. <laughs> I, yeah. I just... Oh man. I, yeah, I'm not in, in these trailer breakdowns. I'm not in like the. I'm not in the spot where I'm all like, yeah, giddy and jokey and shit. I'm like, I'm really trying to break these down. So it's like you guys got to provide the laughter, and that surely ain't happening. So <laughs> <laughs> especially not from uh, me. So <laughs> I, 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 I. I think in that scene, I don't think Morbius is getting, I don't think he's in jail at that point in time, as far as like, like they're a, outside the streets of New York. What's that? It looks like they're outside in the streets of New York. Yeah, I think maybe he's a car right behind Michael Keaton, and they don't really uh, have cars well, in prison. They did, well, assuming? when Herbie broke the law, they put the love bug <laughs> behind bars. <laughs> Well, could, could, could it be that it's like some kind of prison work release that we see this scene at? Or I don't know. Like, does, is Michael Morbius, is he, I mean, he's a doctor. <laughs> now I'm giggling about Morbius, yeah. Michael Morbius. Um, <laughs> but like, is, more. <laughs> is, is he like a doctor? Maybe he goes to the prison. Like, does he have, like, is he a, a prison doctor? Like, is he, does he have some kind of, uh, relationship with the prison in that sense and and they're just throwing this in there to give us that connection that yes it's connected to spider-man yes it's connected to this this villain from that first movie whatever i think whatever we're seeing here is 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 a hint that first off it was strategically done by sony to let everybody know that yes this this is connected to spider-man and it's connected to and i think we're 100 percent going to get um I don't know. If we don't get Tom Holland in this movie, we're definitely getting Tom Holland showing up in Venom 2. But I think that this is just more fuel that they're going to be doing something with the the Sinister Six. Mm -hmm. They're setting up the Sinister Six. And as far as I I talk, I teased about like who Jared Harris could be playing. There's... There's a lot of people that are out there that are saying that um, Jared Harris could be the new um, Otto Octavius, the new hmm. Dr. Octopus. Okay. And do you think I we'll love see, that? Do you think we'll see Venom at all? Like, I doubt we'll get uh, Tom something or other. Uh, but maybe we see just the Venom symbiote. You know, like we see him. <laughs> we might get Venom. <laughs> or we just get the post credit scene of fucking Woody Harrelson as Cletus Caspi again. again. They give us the say. <laughs> Wearing his fucking Ronald McDonald wig. I, 
just like, Carrot like top, motherfucker. there's gonna be carnage. And then he's like, get it? Huh? <laughs> wait, huh? Wait, nudge, nudge. <laughs> I think like if we do, if like they, like the police or something might just mention, or like they might show like, Something on a screen with venom, you know, mm-hmm. or something. I don't, I don't a think news that, report or something. Yeah. I don't think that venom is going to show up in this movie at all. I think, you know, there's, there's only so many, God damn it. If they fucking throw all these connections in all at once, it'll just be ridiculous. Well, it'll be the amazing Spider-Man and amazing <laughs> Spider-Man too, where they were like, hey, here's all these things. Well, you guys like this stuff. <sighs> Love us, please. <laughs> so yeah the, the rumor is jared harris could be Otto octavius and i think like it makes sense to have him be maybe somebody you know that's you know think about it like he's um um uh-huh. he's his mentor i'm sure like he's a brilliant guy himself um they had uh harris in uh chernobyl he played a chemist you know, it's not like it's like this is something that he can't do. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I, I would. Jared Harris is fucking Otto Octavius. Sounds pretty awesome. Yeah. I love that yeah. actor. And, and if they're trying to, you know, kind of because Alfred Molina was so fucking good. He was. As, as, oh, as yeah. Dr. Rock. Um, Jared Harris is somebody who could feasibly follow up in his footsteps. Yeah. I can. Yeah. I can. Oh, God. Yeah. Because Alfred Molina was perfect brilliant yeah oh he was great in that role i I love him as as uh doc ock he's just he's great yeah so uh we'll we'll rate it i'm i'm dying to hear what you guys thought about it we'll rate it now did you play the rating system yet uh yeah let me do that real quick thank you (laughs) i'm used to playing it in good pop bad pop and like at the beginning and shit it's all i wrote it down because i thought i appreciate that yeah uh here's our rating system it's not playing that's fucking wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me see if I can get this fucker to play. Hey, we're not waiting. It's actually playing and you're yammering on. I can't fucking hear it. I know you can't hear it, but it's like I had to say something. Uh, hold, uh, yes, Aaron, while we're waiting. Oh, I was just going to say, uh, I looked at IMDb just to see if there was any hint of Jared Harris's character, and it's blank. Yeah. But there is a, a rumored cast of J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson, which would be a nice uh, yeah. nod. Yeah. And there's a guy, there's an actor named Tom Forbes who's just uh, cast as Finance Bro. Oh, <laughs> shit. Bro. His name is Forbes. Anyways. <laughs> All right, let me play this rating system. It's time for more leftover reviews with good pop, bad pop. And I played the wrong thing. I played the, <laughs> I seriously, I played, I seriously played the good pop, bad pop one. Oh no. <laughs> and as it's playing, I'm not even realizing that it's the wrong fucking bumper. I'm just like going with it. Well, here's our. <laughs> Here's, here's our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right, I'm going to start with you, Rebecca. What would you think about this one? 
You know, I'm going to give this a high tasted. I really liked this trailer a whole lot. Uh, I do not know a lot about this character at all. And going into hearing about this movie coming out, I was like, whatever, Jared Leto, vampire, who cares? It's not my thing. But then watching the trailer, I was like, oh, maybe this is my thing. This is actually really interesting. And I kind of like the way that they're doing it. So, and I thought that the, the effects that we saw were great. I don't feel like it gave too much away because I don't know the entire, there are plot beats here. There are plot points here, but I don't feel like they gave the whole movie to me here. Um, yeah, I'm going to give it a high taste. I am intrigued to watch this movie. There you go. High taste it from Rebecca. Neil. Yeah. Um, one thing I noticed when I first saw it that put me off, which I have since come to appreciate more upon rewatch is that the color palette looks a lot like the Venom trailers. Um, it's it got a very similar kind of feel and tone to it, which I thought, oh, they're just being lazy, and this is the color they're going to use for their their universe here. But then now I, I now having rewatched it, it's like, oh, they're kind of trying to tie it together a little bit more. Um, I, I'll taste the trailer. I thought it was fine. Um, it didn't make me want to watch it more or less. So I can't, it didn't get me more excited or, or turn me off. So it, yeah, it's a taste it for me. All right. Taste it from Neil. what did you think, Aaron? Yeah, I'm going to go with a taste it. Uh, I, I didn't feel much either way. I, I feel like I kind of want to see it. Uh, and I, I mean, I have a little more faith now than I did just hearing Jared Leto being cast because, you know, his track record on comic book movies is zero for one right now. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> But once I saw this, I, I uh, have a little more faith. Uh, I think it's going to be all right. I uh, let's see here. As you guys know, like when Venom came out, I gave it a high taste it, and I've retro rated it. I give it a Tupperware. I fucking love it. I thought I thought Venom was just silly and fun, and I saw it. I think three times in the theater. <laughs> so I I really got a kick out of Venom, and uh, I'm. I, I, I kind of loved this fucking trailer. Like I, I, I love, I, yeah, I kind of loved this trailer. I, it was fun. It just looks fun. It looks, it looks like another fun fucking movie. And, and what I loved about this trailer is the fact that we see like somebody who gets like these new powers and it, it's everything that he thought that he wanted. Not only not, he thought he wanted a cure and now he's, he's getting all these new powers and he's doing, conducting these tests on himself. And then at the end of the trailer, we get Jared Harris talking about sometimes like the cure is like, what did he say? He said something about sometimes the remedy is, um, is, is, uh, uh, Oh, does anybody remember what Jared Harris said at the end of it? He talks about, he talks about like sometimes, uh, oh god, now I feel like an like, idiot. Like sometimes the cure is worse than the sickness or something. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. 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 And I, I think that that, I think this trailer kind of, kind of shows that like, yeah. The unwanted side effects of the cure. So it's, I, it looked like, it looked like a lot of fun. It looked like, it looks like a vampire movie. It looks like, um, but, but with, with, like that comic book feel, it felt very kind of like silly and fun, like Venom too, in a way. And uh, this trailer, I'm going to give it a Tupperware because I really want to see this. Like whether the movie's good or not, whatever, like that, like we'll find that out uh, when, when the movie comes out. Like, and this could be a stinker at the end of the day, but as far as like my excitement level for the movie and wanting to see it opening day, like I'm, I'm there. 
It's got these connections to Spider-Man. I want to see what that's all about. It's got the connection to, you know, uh, the vulture. I want to see what that's all about. It got like, it worked. This trailer worked. Like, I want to see these connections. I want to see this character. What's the big picture here? Um, and I got a kick out of him using his powers, the echolocation, stuff like that. And, uh, um, hopefully, uh, hopefully it'll be rated R if not, whatever. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for fucking Morbius, man. I'm gonna give it a Tupperware. This trailer did everything it needed to do to get me kind of like excited for it. You know, I see, I see, yeah, I see those fucking Spider-Man connections and I'm not gonna lie. I'm kind of, kind of excited to see what's, Sony is a wild card. They're a fucking wild yeah. card. Cause like Venom, nobody thought it was gonna work. Nobody thought it was gonna fucking work. And for a lot of people, it didn't work. But on the flip side, it's like it made so much goddamn money. And Tom Hardy was so fucking good in that role. And it's not like the comic version of fucking Venom that we're used to. But, like, for some reason, people loved this version of Venom. So I I don't know. And and I will see what Leto – I hope Leto can fucking, you know, come back, bounce back after, you know, that Joker bullshit. Because I don't think anybody's going to be able to ever accept him as the Joker again, especially after Joaquin Phoenix is just, you know, killing it with the. And my dad sends me a fucking text message. Oh, just watch Joker. Uh, it was amazing. He loved my dad loved fucking Joker, and he's like talking about how Joaquin Phoenix should win all the awards for the Oscars and shit. And first off, I'm thinking, yeah, how many fucking movies you seen this year, old man? What are you talking about? <laughs> you see, you see anybody else doing it? You you watch Parasite, old man? Anyway. But <laughs> my dad doesn't like the subtitles. He don't like to read shit. Yeah, so, but yeah, I fucking, I fucking loved it. So yeah, let's, that's our Morbius trailer breakdown. Let's move on into good pop, bad pop. If you guys are good to go. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's time for more leftover reviews with good pop. Bad pop. All right, good pop, bad pop. Is where we talk about the things in the previous week and our weeks where, uh, that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things. And if this is your first time listening, you've already heard our rating system because Neil fucking reminded me. And you've heard this fuck. <laughs> you've actually, you've actually heard this fucking bumper like three times already because I was playing the wrong goddamn one. So I am all fucked up this show. Um, I watched, uh, here's, I got a bunch of quick things I'm going to talk about here real quick. I watched the season finale, season one finale of Servant, uh, yesterday. And, uh, this is the Apple Plus TV show. Oh my fucking God. This show is incredible. Tupperware the whole fucking season. And, um, it's, uh, Tony Basgallop, the guy who's the guy in charge of this. Yeah, I am Night Shyamalan's name's fucking attached. Yeah, I know he hasn't done some great shit in the past few years, but it's, this is not his, this is not M. Night Shyamalan's baby. This is Tony Basgallop. This guy has brought just an amazing show, um, on Apple, on Apple. And it's not even the best show on fucking Apple TV Plus, which is crazy. It's, a, it's a great show. If you're not watching Servant, I highly fucking recommend it. Um, Oh, I'm looking for, uh, Rob McElhenney's gonna be doing a show on Apple TV Plus. That Mythic nice. Quest. Yeah, Mythic Quest. It's like, uh, Dungeons and Dragons type of thing. I guess they go into a real mythical world or some shit. Looks really good. Man, so. Didn't the trailer for that come out like a long time ago? I don't know if it came out a long time. I, I seen it. It just came out like maybe like two, three weeks ago. I, I want to say I heard about it and saw a trailer like 
maybe a year ago? Uh, I don't think so, dude. I mean, I, I mean, I could be wrong. There might be just be another. No, it is Rob McElhaney, and I remember it. Yeah, it was a uh, Comic Con last year. Okay, okay. So they came yeah, up- they announced a trailer. Really, I didn't know they had a trailer for it ready to go at San Diego Comic Con. Yeah, they did like uh, a, a mockumentary, and it was not funny. Mm. <laughs> it was. It did not look good, but I think it was like very early production. Yeah. So hopefully it's obviously better, but it was kind of made for, it might have been E3 or I think it was E3. That, that might be why I'm, I'm thinking it's a long time ago because E3 is usually March or something like that. Um, and yeah, they had him come out and then they played like a trailer for it and he's like this game designer that's yeah. making, uh, an MMO. That's the whole thing of it. Yeah, it's Charlie Day's like, Charlie Day is also like a producer on it too. Yeah, I mean I'm hopeful that it's going to be great cuz those guys are both hilarious. So I think it was just a bad trailer. Like it just yeah. I don't think they read the room. You know, they like right. brought a trailer for a TV show to a video game convention even though it's about video games like I, I don't know. That's kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um I watched all Jake talked about this last week this show Rammy on Hulu. Have anybody, have any of you seen Rami? No. No, not yet. I watched the whole fucking thing in three days. Um, <laughs> it's fucking incredible. I, th- it's funny. It's, oh God, I fucking loved this series. And we're getting a second season. They're dropping it. Who's dropping the second season all at once on uh, Friday, May 29th? of this year so i don't have to wait that long to get my second season this is a great fucking show i highly recommend this one if you love shit like i'm thinking like curb your enthusiasm and fleabag i think you'll love rami i think you'll love rami it's really good um and mahershal ali is going to guest star in the second season nice oh nice oh great I watched, and I haven't watched this in maybe 15 fucking years. I watched the, uh, the 1990 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Nice. Oh, wow. It's on Netflix if you want to watch <laughs> it. I, and I, here's the thing. And I know it's a beloved movie. I like it. I really like it. Don't get me wrong. I had problems with it though when I was a kid watching it. Cause like I was reading the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comics and watching the cartoon and the origin story didn't add up for splinter the way that i wanted so i had but i love the turtles i love the turtles and i love this movie i noticed though as as an adult watching this that casey jones is mentally disturbed Mm -hmm. there's something fucking wrong with this guy (laughs) like when we were first introduced to him neil he's in a park wearing a hockey mask and just waiting for criminals to beat the shit out of. <laughs> that is not a mentally stable human being. Well, in fairness, he exists in a New York City where there's fucking ninjas everywhere. So <laughs> That is a valid point. No, I get it. Like here's the thing. Like and they make they make a point of that at the beginning of the movie. They talk about how you know, like, crime is overrun, the police are a joke, people don't believe in the police, and, like, you know, we need new heroes and all this shit. But at the end of the day, it's a guy hanging out in a park with a hockey mask waiting to beat the shit out of people. 
right? At the end of the day, it's, and then April O'Neil falls for this guy at the end of the movie. She's got a great career. And now she's going to hang out with this guy that fucking hangs out in the park waiting to beat the shit out of bad guys. They I don't have a know. very lifetime movie romance, right? Where they hate each other for a long time and then it's like, but now we love each other. Oh yeah. And they basically <laughs> yeah. took all fuck, they took like six seasons of who's the boss and just threw him into one movie. <laughs> like we're, we're all waiting for Angela to fuck Tony, you know? Now we Angela. Yeah. Like there's that episode where Tony walks in on her when she's taking the shower and he sees her titties and her, and it, <laughs> And her naughty parts, and and we know that Tony was just like, you know, Angela, you know, we, <laughs> Angela, I can't believe it, and, you know, you know that he was all like all about it, and we we were waiting for them to like to hook up. They eventually hooked up. Didn't they get married by the end of that fucking thing? Yeah, I think they did. Mm-hmm. I like that he just had he adds like a an R to everyone's name, like it just his accent is like Angela. And like Mona, Angela, Samantha, Mona, Jonathan. I can't believe Jonathan, come in here. I can't believe I saw Angela's titties. He's gonna tell. That that's the episode where he talks to Angela's son about her boobs. I remember. Yeah, I remember that one. It was a very special episode. The, everybody, uh, the, Samantha and Angela and Mona got mammograms on that one, didn't they, Aaron? I saw your mother's titties, and one of them looked a little lumpy. We need to get it to the hospital ASAP. Mm. Mm. Oh goddamn! Um, <laughs> it went from teenage ninja turtles to who's the boss. Um, I, uh, oh, the, I watched the season finale of The Circle on Netflix. I fucking, yes. dude, are you watching this shit, Neil? I love it. Did you, did you finish it? I did. Dude, I fucking love this show, dude. And this show is not up my alley at all, and I fucking loved it. Dude, it was fucking great. I am hooked on the fucking circle. Jesus yeah. Christ. Oh my God. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I watch every once in a while, like, I, like, I've watched, like, you know, every once in a while I'll watch like a reality show. Like I, I wait, like if you say, maybe I'll watch the new Survivor or something, you know, every, every few years. But like I don't, I don't watch a ton of reality TV and or reality game shows, but like this kind of like, and I didn't even like the first episode. I just kind of mm-hmm. stuck with it. And then I think like by like episode three or four, I was hooked on this shit to the yes, point where, to the point where like I'm fucking like, you know, fist pumping by the end of the series. Like, yeah, <laughs> <Same> here. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, I got so invested in everybody who yeah. like, was on that show for more than an episode. <laughs> oh, so good. It was so good. Everybody watch the circle on Netflix. It's fucking fantastic. And now yeah, all the episodes, all the episodes are out now. So you can just kind of like, you know, just binge it. Just binge the fuck out of it. I watched Betty White, First Lady of Television. This originally aired on PBS back in August. It's on Netflix now. Betty White celebrated her 98th birthday yesterday. Um, so yeah, this just kind of like goes through like Betty White's history, uh, you know, in, in television. She's been in TV for fucking <laughs> how long? 70 goddamn years or some shit? Just ridiculous. But, uh, you know, interviews with Ryan Reynolds and they talk about her time on Saturday Night Live. They talk about like her on early sitcoms. They talk about her time on Golden Girls. Highly recommend this one. It's a Tupperware. Um, I watched Everything's Gonna Be Okay 
on it's it's on Freeform, but it's also on Hulu. You can catch it on Hulu. Have you guys heard about this one? No. No, not at all. Hulu, Negative. Hulu fucking like pimps this fucking. Show. They've been pimping it all fucking week. I was watching Rami, and every fucking commercial that I got from Hulu was like talking about this. Everything's gonna be okay show. And so I was like, and, and the trailers were kind of cute and kind of funny. And I was like, oh, maybe, maybe I'll watch it. And so I did watch it. And it's about Nicholas, a neurotic 20 something visiting his dad and teenage half sisters, one of whom is uh, on the autism spectrum. Uh, when Nicholas's trip is extended due to his father's untimely death, the siblings are left to cope with not only a devastating loss, but also the realization that Nicholas is the one who will have to rise to the occasion and hold it all together. Navigating autism budding sexuality, consenting, uh, consent, parenthood, and adolescence, family, and grief. The heartfelt comedy follows this imperfect family as they discover the importance of finding happiness in the middle of really difficult moments, one awkward conversation at a time. So, yeah, this is like, this is one of those shows where it's like you've got, uh, you know, like, you know how all these, these family shows, it went from like us in the eighties and we were watching like, uh, all these white families doing white shit. You know what I mean? And then mm-hmm. it went, and then, and then we got shows like Family Matters where we got a black family, but it was still being written by white people. So we got to see black people do white shit on that show. <laughs> yeah. Good, wholesome television. I mean, God damn it. And then, well, and here's the thing. <laughs> Same thing with like the Cosby show. It was, you know, it was just family friendly. The, and, and then now we started to get like in the past few years, we started to get like all these shows about blended families. We got like, what was that show? Uh, Modern Family. And, mm-hmm. and you know, like I loved that show when it first came out and then it just kept going and going and going. And I just, <laughs> That's the curse of the sitcom is like yeah. if they get popular, they don't know when to just fucking stop. They don't, especially the U.S. comedies. You know, they just keep yeah, going on and on. Totally and on. agree. So here's, but we got this one here, and this was this this is this is interesting. It's, you've got this Nicholas, and he he, his dad, fucking, that he lived in Australia. His dad left his mom, and basically got this woman in America pregnant, and the 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 kid had autism. So the dad leaves his family in Australia for this woman in America and to raise this child with autism. Um, and then ends up having a second child. That wife, that second wife dies. And then we've got Nicholas who's visiting his father. And while he's there, his father tells him that he has like this terminal illness and he's going to die. He's got cancer and it's like progressed to the point where they caught it really late and he's not taking any treatment and he's just going to die. And so when he dies, he's looking for somebody to be the legal guardian of his children. And he asked Nicholas to do this. Um, the show, the way it starts though is like, it's crazy. Nicholas is like, I think he's like on, I don't know. He, he met this guy off a, like a dating app. So Nicholas is like on a date with this guy and like all of a sudden he's like, he's like just, they're drinking and talking and he's just pouring his heart out to this guy like on their first fucking date. And he's like, yeah. So like <laughs> my dad like left our family and all this stuff. And the, this guy's mind is just fucking blown. Like it's a lot to take in. 
but they have like this kind of like weird chemistry on this date too. And they keep showing these two guys kissing and then going back to like earlier moments in the date where they're just talking and he's revealing stuff about his family, his autistic sister and his dad and all this stuff. And so I thought it was a really kind of like a, a really cool way to like give us the backstory on these characters by showing us like this date that he's on. <laughs> I, I thought it was really kind of cool just to do that. And then we jump in and we start to finally meet these characters that are involved in this show. And here's the thing. We've got a girl that's autistic and she talks. I know like some people with autism don't talk. Um, I've got a buddy, Jamal, and like he's got a son and his son has never said a word. And so it's like it's really hard. You know, they love him to death, but it's like they've always wanted to hear like their son say, I love you. And so like but for me, like, you know, I hear these stories but I don't have any experience myself like every day with people that are on the spectrum. So it's, so it's like one of those things where I tried to watch that show atypical and it's because it's something so different that I'm not around. It was very unrelatable for me to watch that show. Um, this on the other hand though deals like this girl is on the spectrum but on the flip side, like this, this is such an adult type show. And like, I didn't know Freeform was like this. I didn't know Freeform, this network was like this progressive. Like it deals a lot with like sexuality. There's, um, uh, you know, uh, one of the girls is, uh, the youngest girl is like 14 and she has, she finally gets her period and like, She's, you know, like they deal with it. An episode deals with that. There's three episodes that are out now, but I don't know. I'm all over the place talking about this fucking show. Uh, I, I really liked it. <laughs> it's really good. Um, I'm going to give it a Tupperware and I'm going to continue to watch this fucking show. I, it's crazy to watch this guy, Nicholas, who hasn't figured out who he is and who, where he wants his life to go. And now he's trying to raise two girls, one who feels like she's out of place and she just lost her father and the other who's autistic. And, but she's still like, you know, she has crushes on boys and she's got her own things going on, but she's not like a, when you watch it, she's not very like, um, uh, she's not like a huggy touchy type of feely person. Like it's, and for me not being around like autistic people, like I sometimes find it a little bit unrelatable because I just don't, I'm not around. I'm just being real. Like I'm not around people that are autistic. I like if I worked in a, like a, a school for people with autism, I might have a better under, cause I don't know, like what is the, what is the reputation representation of somebody who has autism? And I don't think like there is like that definitive kind of like representation. So I'm trying to like take this show as like, I'm not trying to take this show as a definitive representation. I'm just trying to take this show as like, this is how this girl with autism is. Mm-hmm. That's probably the, the way it should be taken since autism yeah. exists on a giant spectrum. Yes. There's so many varying degrees of, uh, of autism. So it's, you know, there is no real one depiction or one way to depict right. it. As long as they're respectful, you know, in, in their depiction, I think it should be fine, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's like, I don't know. It's just one of those things where like in past shows where I've seen people displaying autism, it's like if I'm following the person that's autistic, it's unrelatable because I have not been around people with autism. So I've never really been able to 
like connect. But like I can watch a movie like Rain Man on the flip side and like we have, you know, Tom Cruise's character hanging out with Dustin Hoffman and then on the flip side like I like I'm seeing like how he's reacting to Dustin Hoffman. I don't know, it's a weird thing to talk about. It's just one of those things where like I you know, I just I I think most people haven't been unless you have an autistic friend or have like uh, someone who's autistic in your family, I don't know. Am I making sense? Like, it's just one of those, it's one of those things where like, I'm not, I've never really been exposed to it. So sometimes right. when I see it represented on TV, it's unrelatable to me, but for some reason, this show works. It's working for me. Like as to where atypical didn't like, I watched like three episodes. I hear it's great, but I dropped off. And, but for me, I think like this is just, I'm fascinated by this because we've got this young, 20 something year old guy who is trying to raise these two girls, one of whom happens to be autistic. And it's just a weird family dynamic that we're dealing with. He also has kind of like feelings of angst. I, that I don't think that he's dealt with for his father leaving and taking care of these two girls and leaving him and his mom. So like, there's a lot going on in this fucking show. Uh, I mm. talked about this way more than I thought I was going to talk about it, but I highly, re- <laughs> I highly recommend it. It's on free form. So you can download the app for free form or you can just watch it on Hulu and three episodes are out now. I've watched the first two. What's it called? Again? What's it called? I was about to ask that. <laughs> it's called everything's going to be okay. It sounds like maybe the way that the show is presented to you is what makes you be able to connect with it more because I, I've also watched, um, Oh shoot! And you just said it. Atypical. The other sh- atypical. Yeah. I, I remember watching a few episodes of that, and I, my my best friend, her brother is autistic, so I've been around an autistic person for twenty years now. So to watch that show, even though I have a personal connection, I didn't connect with that show because that character's autism is so different. Yes. Yes. Than what. Than what I'm used to seeing that I'm just like, oh, I don't know if this is right. If this is, is this good representation? I don't know. Um, but I, it sounds like the way that this show is presented might be what draws you more to it versus a show like Atypical. Yes. And it's like, I honestly, I think like autism, since it is something so foreign to me, it's, it's, it's almost like it's, it's so unrelatable. And I think, and, but, but on the, I, but like, but like everything else in this show is relatable to yeah. a degree to you. Yeah. And I think that that's what makes it, you able to connect with it more. Exactly. Because I'm seeing, I'm seeing somebody with autism go through some of the things that we had to go through as teenagers, you know, like having, having that first crush or like, embarrassing like uh, a sibling and stuff like that. Like that's that kind of stuff is happening here, you know? Um, and then on the flip side, we get to see like somebody else trying to raise them. And like, how is that going to work where they don't have, they don't have like the, the years of um, uh, he hasn't been a parent. Like, and now he's being thrust into this whole thing. So it's, it's, it's a really good show. Um, I'm actually kind of blown away by it. Um, I can't wait, can't wait to watch the third episode. So hmm. I highly recommend. Sounds really good. Check it out. Yeah, it's called Everything's Gonna Be Okay. And I, I've, been, I've just been watching it on Hulu. So yeah, 
Um, check it out. Um, Rebecca, me and you both saw a movie called Just Mercy. Has anybody else seen this? No, sir. I was going to this morning, but I slept in. That's all right, man. Um, it's a powerful and thought-provoking true story. Just Mercy follows young lawyer Brian Stevenson and his history-making battle for justice. After graduating from Harvard, Brian might have had his pick of lucrative jobs. Instead, he heads to Alabama to defend those wrongly condemned. With the support of local advocate Eva Ansley, uh, one of his first and most incendiary cases is that of Walter McMillan, who in 1987 was sentenced to die for the notorious murder of an 18-year-old girl, despite a preponderance of evidence proving his innocence and the fact that the only testimony against him came from a criminal with a motive to lie. In the years that follow, Brian becomes embroiled in a labyrinth of legal and political maneuverings and overt and unabashed racism as he fights for Walter and others like him with the odds and the system stacked against them. This one is directed by Destin Daniel Cretton. Uh, he's best known for his collaborations with Brie Larson in the uh, film's uh, Short Term 12, The Glass Castle, and, and again here in Just Mercy. Um, this one stars Michael B. Jordan, Jamie Foxx, Rob Morgan, Tim Blake Nelson, Rafe Spall, and like I said, Brie Larson. Uh, Rebecca, what did you think about Just Mercy? Wow, this was a really great movie. Um, this was a movie I had my eye on for a while. I meant to see it when it first came out in the early release, and I just missed it, but I, I caught it when it went to the wide release. Um, I, I'm, I'm just going to give it a Tupperware. I absolutely love this movie. I I, I'm so glad that this movie did not fall into certain tropes. Like it did not fall into making Brie Larson's character, like the white savior of this whole movie. Um, her part's quite small actually in comparison to like Michael B. Jordan. It, this is definitely a vehicle for him. Um, and I thought his scenes with her were, were excellent. Um, but I felt like the best scenes in the movie were Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Foxx. Uh, they were so good together and all the portrayals were so, um, they were so good. I had, I had similar feelings watching this movie as when I watched Detroit, um, which I know you saw also, Brian, that it, it, there were scenes in this movie where stuff happens. Uh, because they are in Alabama, they are in the in the South. This is in the late eighties, early nineties. The the racism is just out of control, and you're watching stuff happen, and I'm like shaking with rage over how these characters are being treated, how these people are being treated, and when you see the frustration on Michael B. Jordan's face, how he's patiently trying to work his way through the system to help these men. Or these people who have not had good representation. Um, oops, I dropped my phone. Um, it was just such a, it was an excellent movie. I, I really, really loved it. And I thought all the performances were super great. Um, so yeah, I, I Tupperware. Yeah, it's, it's a fucking great movie. Um, Tupperware all the way based on a true story. And, you know, I, I uh, fucking, oh, I didn't even, I didn't even mention like, I, 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 as far as like this movie goes, this, you know, you've got a guy in here who is 
100% innocent. Like his whole family will attest that he was basically with them that entire morning. There was no way he could have done this. And, um, he's, how many years did he serve? Like five, six years in prison? I think he served like five to six years in, in prison. Um, yeah, for a crime that he did not commit. Yeah. And here's the thing. It's like, uh, he was, but I mean, like these guys are, these guys are on death row. So it's like, if you don't, if you don't prove his innocence, they were sentencing an innocent man to die. It's, mm-hmm. it, it's scary. It's scary. It's, it, it, it's scary that this actually happened, you know, it, and it was one of those things where like they hadn't found anybody, uh, to pin this on a year after. And so they brought this guy in who's all, who's a criminal and they basically said, well, if you tell us that this person was involved and give us this story, we'll, we'll make, we'll, we'll, we'll send you to a nicer prison. We'll get you off death row too. So, um, it, it, yeah. it's, it, it's, it's fucked up that this actually happened. It was just, it was kind of like so that the, the police force there, the detectives there could like kind of like save face. And not look like complete idiots because like this girl was killed and they, you know, they, they don't have any leads there. And so they just, they, they, they pin the wrong guy. And, uh, Michael well, B. Jordan, like, I just, I thought Michael B. Jordan was fantastic in this movie. Tim Blake Nelson was great in this movie. Tim Blake Nelson just transformed in this movie. Oh. When they showed at the end, like, the real pictures of the people involved in this movie, I was like, oh, shit, they got that guy dead to rights. He looks, he looked just like him. And, and what I, something I appreciated about this movie was that they really delved into the, the stories of these people, like these, these prisoners that were, that were in jail. And, and it's not like this movie went in saying, Everybody on death row is innocent. It's all a mistake. That's not what this movie is saying because one of the prisoners that they focus on, he admits to doing what he did. Like he, he says, I, yeah, I did do it. But then there's a whole backstory of his life, what led to that moment and how in the long run, it was the system that failed him. And that's what I appreciated about this movie. And even with the guy um, who played Ralph Myers, there's a story to this guy of why he did what he did, um, of why he doesn't trust people, of why um, he is the way that he is. So this was this movie was like a real character study, yeah. which I, I totally appreciated. Um, if I had to like pick something to be like, yeah, it was a, it was a little bit long. It could have been a little bit shorter, but like that's the tiniest of nitpicks to this film. I, I think it's such a great character study about these people involved in the justice system on both sides of it. it it's just a brilliant, brilliant and well acted film. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't know. It, it, two hours fourteen minutes, I think, was what it was. I mean. Uh, for the most part, I appreciated everything that they threw into this movie. I love seeing, like, you know, the guys in the prison and talking. Like, O'Shea Jackson, you know, uh, um, mm-hmm. Ice Cube's son's in this. I thought he was really cool. And, like, that that's a big part of this later on in the movie, too, his character. But um, they could have left out the whole fucking part of, like, Michael B. Jordan meeting 
Brie Larson's husband in this. Like, he never, he never yeah. fucking, he never fucking shows <laughs> up again in the fucking movie. Yeah, that, that, they had this whole scene where, like, yeah, they're like having dinner, and then she's got the kid, and they're talking, and blah blah blah. And then it's like you never see him again. Never. Like, that's it. You just never. never see him again. So I mean, like, was that like quote unquote necessary? Probably not. But like, um. Yeah, but this, this movie, I, I loved also the scenes whenever Michael B. Jordan would meet with Jamie Foxx's family. Like, everyone mm-hmm. would crowd into that kitchen, and he'd sit there, and he'd talk to them about what he was going to do next, and here's what we'll try next. And, um, man, this it's such a good movie. I, yeah. I really, I think this is something everybody should see. I, I think if you can support this movie, you should. Sure. There, I, I think that the performances alone are worth checking this movie out i think dark waters in my opinion i think dark waters was a better movie as far as like overall like a a better film Uh i think the story here though is 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 super important as well but on the flip side it's Mm -hmm. like um i love i love fucking dark waters in this movie it's just like you know i love it when especially in, in especially in just mercy when you've got like this this, you know, this corrupt fucking, you know, uh, politics down there in the South and shit. But then you, the, you got fucking Michael B. Jordan who shows up with this fucking Harvard Law swinging dick. Yeah! I fucking, you know what I mean? <laughs> Fuck yeah. Harvard. Harvard, Harvard Law. Are you kidding? Yeah. Harvard Law. Are you fucking kidding me? Shit. I mean, that is, yeah, that's, I love that. I love it when the fucking, I love it when people that have been, um, that have been, uh, you know, blessed with, 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 uh, you know, that kind of education and that, and being, um, that, that come, that, that, that have done big things. Harvard, that's huge. Harvard, you know, sure. and, but then he's representing the little people, you know, and I'm not saying like, but he's trying to represent the people that are on death row that, 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 that he doesn't feel like deserve it or, or, or even, are, that are innocent too. So, and he, re- he represents everyone. It's not like he just like, oh, he's just, he's representing only black people. Like we saw in this, he was representing white people as well. It was everyone. He had a heart for everyone. Mm-hmm. I thought it was, I no, thought, he absolutely did. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fucking powerful fucking movie. And I highly recommend it. Jamie Foxx was fine. Jamie Foxx was fine. But I think like the standouts in this one were like Michael, for me, it was Michael B. Jordan and, uh, Tim Blake Nelson, I think were mm-hmm. really good. They didn't give Brie Larson a lot to do. And I think that's basically kind of like, just like what her character did. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I was totally fine with that. I felt like that fit the story yeah. for her character to be the secondary character, because the, this is really the story of this, this lawyer, Brian Stevenson. And certainly like Brie's character uh, of Ava, she does set up, like she basically gets in touch with him because he's got the federal funding to start this foundation and she wants to, she wants to be a part of it. And she does, you know, she's involved in the setting up of it, but she's not a lawyer. I think she's a paralegal, but they were, really weren't clear on that to yeah. me either. Um, but she's, she's definitely not a lawyer. Do you think she I took felt- that fucking, remember that Suzanne Summers? No, was it? Yeah. Suzanne Summers? No, was it? Her and Sally Struthers. You think she did that Sally Struthers course that you could do back in the day? Remember? You know what I'm talking about? I do not know what you're talking Remember about. Remember Sally Struthers used to do those commercials? Of course. Yeah. She was talking about like you could learn all these things at home. 
This was before fucking like Phoenix, oh, before Phoenix yes. Online, and you could they yes, would yes, yes. yeah, and she would it be like it was by correspondence. You could do a school yeah. by correspondence. Yes, at home. yes, or you could get yes. you could get a degree in a in paralegal or accounting. You know, like that's yes. a- <laughs> I do remember that now. Yes, when you said. When you said Suzanne Summers, like no. thigh master, and I, I was like, "What is the thigh master?" Oh, <laughs> I know. I, I it was Suzanne Summers was the one. She, oh God, Suzanne Summers, Jesus Christ! Don't, even, don't even, oh, don't even get me started. Three's Company, Jesus Christ, Three's Company. What? And then even when she was doing fucking um, step by step, oh my God, those thigh master commercials. That was just like. That was that was that was that was, uh, that was poor man's porn. <laughs> That's poor man's porn. Those thigh master commercials with Sally Struthers. Anyway, but yeah, no, it's not Sally Struthers. Suzanne Summers. I can't get them straight. <laughs> oh man, did we did we lose Aaron? Is Aaron here? Oh, he's well, sorry, I'm here. He's I'm muted. typing. I have a mechanical keyboard, so yeah. I was looking up Suzanne Summers 2020. <laughs> <laughs> why the uh, fuck? Why the fuck was she? Why the fuck? Uh, step by step. Why was she? Why her? Her and Patrick Duffy. This they they literally in that show they met over the weekend. I think like on a cruise or a trip. And they fucking get married and come back home and then surprise their kids that they got married to yeah, like somebody. That, that was the premise. That that was the whole premise of that show. Yeah, that they were basically a whirlwind romance, fell in love at first sight, got married, and then blended their families together. His and dick has got to be huge. Yeah, well, but on that show, they were always like running off to fuck each other. They were, he, oh, he, Patrick Duffy he was both. horny as shit on that show. Oh, yeah. They were both horn dogs on that show. <laughs> and what, which one was, whose parent, or who was Cody's parent, the kickboxer? He was, uh, he, he was like their cousin or some shit. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> was he the cousin or was he the na- Oh, no, yeah, he was the cousin. He was he the was cousin. The- He's part of the family. Yeah. Remember when like, every sitcom had to have a stupid person? <laughs> oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, fucking Family Matters. They were like, we're not done with stupid people. Here's Waldo Faldo. You know, like, Eddie yeah. was Eddie was the original idiot on that show, their son. Mm-hmm. He was kind of an... And they were like, no, let's get dumber. Let's get dumber with this shit. Here's Waldo my favorite, Faldo. My favorite will always be Boner Stabone. <laughs> Just oh god, Dude, he yeah. fucking they found him. He fucking hung himself out in the woods. No. In real life. Yeah, Look that shit up, dude. Life. Fucking uh the actor that played Boner hung himself out in the woods. He um I'm beating myself. Look. He was Walter Koenig's son. Yes. Walter yeah, Walter Koenig played Chekhov on the original Star Trek. That's true. That was his son and he did commit suicide. It's ter it's Incredibly sad because that kid was really talented and he, but he clearly, he went on to do like so voice, pain. he went, he did like voice acting in cartoons, right? He did that. I know he was a guest on at least one Star Trek episode. I know he was in a Deep Space Nine episode. He probably was in maybe another one, but, uh, yeah, he, I'll um, tell you right now, he was, uh, in GI, or he did a voice in GI Joe, yep. a real American hero in 1990. Mm hmm. Uh, and he did a voice, he did a voice of, oh no, he was the Joker in that fan yep. film, Batman Dead End. 
but that's it. Like he, he did Grand Pains for four years and then he was in a couple of, uh, like he was in China, 21 Jump Street for an episode. He was on My Two Dads for an episode. My Two Dads. My Two Dads. So I was, uh, uh, Paul Reiser, the handsome bearded father, mm-hmm. and then Giovanni Ribisi was in that as a child actor. Yeah. Oh, wow. He played the love interest of the young girl that had the two fathers. And back then they couldn't make the two dads gay. So they just, they just, they basically like the two dads, uh, couldn't go do a paternity test like on Maury or some shit. And so they just, that was just a weird show. Right? <laughs> what, what was the, I vaguely remember my two dads. I didn't watch a lot of it. So the mom was a little promiscuous, hung out. You know what I mean? Hung, was it, she, was she, doing these two guys at the same time so the the official synopsis says uh <laughs> the series begins after marcy bradford uh the mother of 12 year old nicole bradford has died the two men who had competed for marcy's affection in key west during the summer of 1974 uh michael taylor paul reiser a successful financial advisor and joey harris greg evigan a struggling artist Former friends who grew to hate one another over their mutual interest in uh, in women. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it's more like grew to hate each other over their mutual disinterest in women uh, are awarded joint custody of Nicole. (laughs) Yeah, because that's a thing that happened. Yeah, Yeah, like (laughs) mom died and she's just like, leave my kid to these weird dudes I fucked in the keys. (laughs) (laughs) Judge is like – Sounds legit. Let's do that. If it's a Key West judge, he's probably drunk and he's like, fuck it, I'm a hundred. I gotta do go whatever. back and watch this fucking show. Did the guys live together and raise her together? And Paul Reiser wasn't the handsome bearded one. He was the nerd. Oh, no, no, uh, no, no. I wasn't saying that. I was oh, saying, God, like, God, you, God. I say, I was saying you have Paul Reiser and then the handsome bearded one. Yeah, the guy that looked like George Michael, aka yes. the, 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 the top, I guess. <laughs> so you're saying Paul Reiser's the bottom? 100%. Oh, 100% he's like he's the bottom. Absolutely. 100%. I don't even really remember this show and I can tell you he's the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, and the girl that played the daughter, she was Stacy Keenan. She was She was in step so by step. Stuff. She was in yeah. step by step. Yeah, she was was she was was she the girl from um the babysitter adventures in babysitting. I'll tell you right now. Uh, or was that a different girl? N- no, she no, was, that's not the same actor. No, she was in a bunch of dumb movies that you'll never have heard of. But you know the the girl TV. that played the girl that played uh, Judy in Family Matters, uh, Jamie Foxworth. Uh, she got into porn. Hold on. <gasps> A fucking what? second right now. Yeah, Judy Winslow uh, got into porn. Yeah, and it's not good. Uh, actually, I'm about to talk about another show where someone got into porn recently. But did you know that her character, Dana Foster from Step by Step, was on a fucking episode of Boy Meets World as Dana Foster from Step by Step? There's really? A crossover. Holy oh my- shit. So step by step and boy meets world are in the same connected universe. They are in a. <laughs> oh my God. There's a extended universe. Fuck you, BMW. Kevin Feige. You ain't doing shit over there there's in Marvel. BMWCU, boy meets world connected universe. Holy fuck. 
Oh my god. You know that uh, Rachel from Boy Meets World, Maitland Williams, is doing porn now. Who 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 is that? So Rachel was uh Eric and Eric Matthews, so Corey's older brother yeah. and Sean's older brother when they lived in uh dorm well they had like an apartment when they were going to college. Yeah. Uh she was their really tall redhead roommate that they both were like in love with and she eventually yeah, ends up yeah, uh, being with Sean's brother. Uh she does porn now. Maitland Ward. Maitland Ward, yep. And I watched it. My blunder. It's Ward. But I watched it. It's cool. Oh, you've got to. Curiosity, man. I'm telling you. You've got (laughs) We're men. We're men. You've got (laughs) Look, I watched uh, Screech's porn, too. And my dog's packing a lot of heat. So I did not not watch the Screech porn. I did. I would not go to the Screech porn. I would not. Come on, man. If you if you hear Screech's dick is out on the Internet, I'm looking at it. I just, at all. Oh man, I couldn't do it. I never did the screech porn. I know it's out there. I just couldn't do the screech porn. It's a weird one, but he's got a big dick. So I don't know, man. Weird. I think I think I was out once I fucking saw Hulk Hogan banging that other guy's wife. You know what Bro, I mean? Hulk, and then Hogan's packing heat too. And then what the fuck? Oh, oh, and then oh god, the the most the the most terrible sex that I've ever seen that was like on video was Gene Simmons. Did you ever see the Gene Simmons from oh, Kiss? No. Oh, he my was, God. He's married to Shannon Tweed. And it's, so. yeah, and it's old Gene Simmons. And, like, it's the most boring shit I've ever seen. It's like, it's like, I guess it's it's sex that's the equivalent of, like, hanging out with your grandparents for an afternoon. Like, it's like, he's got her <laughs> legs kind of, like, throw, like, up in the air, and he's... Move, rocking, like she's on the end of the bed, he's standing up, and he's just rocking back and forth. It's all in black and white, and it is the most boring, sad shit I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, it, it, he has a super cool tan line, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, he's wearing a shirt. Oh no, how sad that. He's probably got oh, socks on, too. No. Uh, how dare you? How dare you wear a shirt? If you're, uh, if you're old, just accept your old body, dude. Yeah, accept your old dad bod. Is it with his wife? Or I think it else? is. I think it. I think it's with his wife. Yeah. Oh, when I was a kid, Shannon Tweed was my triple oh, God, J yeah. jam. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. All right. Let's. Hey, let's take a break. We'll come back. We got more good pop, bad pop. How's that sound? Sounds great. Sounds good. We're back, and we got more good pop, bad pop to talk about. That's what we do on this fucking show. Talk about shit. (laughs) (laughs) We get around to stuff, and we talk about it. Um, Guns Akimbo trailer. Guns Akimbo Mm -hmm. trailer. This is the the, uh, new Daniel Radcliffe, uh, Samara Weaving. Samara Weaving, did you know? 
that she's the daughter of Hugo Weaving. Wait, Agent Smith? I thought she was his niece. Lord Elrond? She is the niece of Hugo <laughs> Weaving. <laughs> Did you know that she's his daughter? Because she's not, and you're wrong, and you're dumb. <laughs> oh, Aaron, I'm... I. The shame I feel right now for not knowing the family tree of the wavings right now. It's, uh, yeah. Oh my color. Someone color me red because I am just blushing. Yeah, I was wrong. She's the niece. I knew, I knew she was somewhere in the family. Somebody fucked somebody and she's a, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, this is helmed by New Zealand director Jason Lee Howden. And uh, his previous projects include the uh, film Deathgasm, which I believe came out in 2015. Have Have you guys seen Deathgasm? I I was uh, looking yes. at you seen it. It's fucking awesome. I've looked this up, and I was trying to think to myself have Have I seen it? I don't think I've seen Deathgasm. So yeah, this is from uh, the same director of Deathgasm. It's about Miles spends his days in a dead end job, pining for his beautiful ex girlfriend Nova. His mundane existence is turned upside down when he finds himself enrolled on a dark net website that forces complete strangers to fight in a citywide game of death so that their gladiatorial battles can be live streamed worldwide to a fanatical audience. Contestants are chosen by a clandestine gang known as Schism, who handicap the weaker contestants to further stack the odds against them. Initially, Miles' lifetime of running from his problems pays off as he manages to elude his first opponent, but when Nova is kidnapped, he must finally stop running and overcome his fears to fight for the girl he loves. So yeah, this trailer came out. I've heard about this movie. We talked about it before. Finally got to see the trailer. What did you guys think about the Guns Akimbo trailer? I'll start with you, uh, Aaron, since you've seen Deathgasm. What did you think about this one? Or we'll start with Neil. Fuck it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. uh, sorry. I, I have my mic muted because my dog barks and stuff, and I clicked where I thought I was unmuting it. And I, just, <laughs> I just clicked a random spot on my screen, I guess, and started talking. Um, I'm all in. I think it looks great. Uh, I think it's going to be like a crank-style, just fucking insanity kind of movie. And I'm, I'm happy to see Dan, um, Harry Potter doing some more interesting stuff. Yeah, what'd you think, uh, what would you rate it? Uh, I'm gonna high taste the trailer. I think it looks really good, but I don't think it necessarily looks like perfect, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, what'd you think, Rebecca? Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with, uh, with Aaron. I, um, I think the trailer looks like a lot of fun. Um, I think it looks, uh, it, it definitely does remind me of Crank. As, as soon as you said that, Aaron, I was like, oh yeah, I, I see that. Um, which, Crank for, you know, it, it, it is what it is. I mean, it's a crazy, stupid movie with lots of explosions and running around and stuff. And, and I don't know, there's something to be said for how fun that can be. And then this looks very hyper violent. This looks like, um, I don't know, this looks like a great chance for Daniel Radcliffe to do something really cool and different. Um, I, I'm I'm all in on this movie as well. I'm gonna I'm gonna give the the trailer a high taste as well. I think it looks just like a lot of fun. Um, it makes me definitely want to go and see the movie. And I, I remember when he was filming this and he was wearing like that bathrobe and those slippers, and people were like, "What is he doing? What is he <laughs> filming?" And, and it's now it's funny to see him running around in it. 
with with these, these guns stapled to his hands. Uh, yeah, this movie looks like a whole lot of fun. What'd you think, Neil? <clears throat> Man, this looks fucking bonkers. I am really. I never. I'd never even heard of this movie or seen anything about it until you mentioned that we were gonna rate the trailer and. This is my kind of movie. I, I fucking love this trailer. I'm going to Tupperware the hell out of it. I am so excited to watch this now. It, it is, it, I mean, <laughs> watching him try and function like putting his pants on or opening the door with these guns bolted to his hands, that looks hilarious. And the, the hyper-violence looks super fun. Uh, I love seeing Murray from... Fly of the Concords being a homeless man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this looks so much fun. I'm really, really fucking excited for this movie. What are you going to rate it? I, a Tupperware. Tupperware. Yeah. It's a Tupperware for me. Nice. Yeah. I'm also going to give it a Tupperware. I think it looks great. I think it looks really fun. It, it's kind of like, yeah, like you said with Crank, I, I would say it's a mix of Crank meets that movie Nerve. Uh, Nerve. Mm-hmm. Yeah which was that Emma Roberts, Dave Franco movie that they kind of have like this, uh, it's kind of like this online contest or something like that. But this just looks like so much better than nerve. Yeah. That was uh, a bad movie. Terrible movie. So like, <laughs> and Samara weaving looks really good in this movie. And I, yeah, I can't wait for this one. It's, it's, they debuted this one sometime last year. And so it does have some, ratings on Rotten Tomatoes. It was like at some at some festival. So it's like at a sixty five or sixty seven or something percent on Rotten Tomatoes. But this one's gonna premiere March fifth of twenty twenty. I will try to post the link to the trailer in the show notes. And if I don't, just fucking go to YouTube. Just go to one YouTube thing, and look it one up. The thing it reminded me of was uh the running man. Oh God, uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Fucking uh Richard Dawson. Yeah. In that movie. I love The yeah. Running Man. That is a great movie. I love that movie. I love the book even more. Do you think yeah, Run- the book's do you, really good. Do you think Running Man was like the inspiration for that Smash TV fucking video game? 100%. Probably. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> Aaron. I just love the idea of like modern day gladiatorial contests played out for the sure. general public. I think it's a cool genre. Oh, it's true though. We People love violence. As much as we mm-hmm. fucking... As much as we're like, ah, you know, as much as we say we don't, and as we say we like we've evolved, we're still fucking. As we're recording this, people are spending eighty five dollars to watch the fucking cowboy versus McGregor fight. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, that one's gonna be a rip off too. I mean, uh, cowboy McGregor's gonna be a decent fight, but the rest of the card is a one hundred percent free card that they're like throw Connor on there and charge people money, whatever. Both of you guys don't want to fucking lose, though, man. It could be like this could be a fucking great fight. So Cowboy Cerrone's awesome because he just loves to fight. He's just a redneck weirdo who like loves to fight and ride ATVs. He's just like total, you know, redneck dude. And he, he's a fun he's a fun fighter to watch. He's very uh, dynamic. He's got all kinds of weird moves he pulls. Uh, so guns. Did- oh, go ahead. Uh, did any of you guys see the second trailer that dropped yesterday? No. Yeah, so it's it's very similar in a lot of the beats that it shows, but there's there's some extra stuff that wasn't in the trailer that dropped on Wednesday. So it, it's kind of it, it fleshes out just a little bit more, but it's also just full of color and life. And was it a red band trailer just like this one? 
No, it's the, okay. it's the uh, I think it's the, the green band version. Okay, yeah. You know what I liked uh, was that they kind of play with the expectation, like when he meets Samara Weaving's character and he's like, wait, why don't we get together and, you know, bring them down? And she's like, mm, nah, and tries to kill him immediately. <laughs> I really liked that moment. Uh, let's see. I watched, um, I watched a doc. I'm not going to talk about this too long. Uh, I'll just let people know that it is available to watch on Amazon Prime. It's called The Power of Glove. It's a uh, documentary about the Nintendo Power Glove. And in an era of Nintendo mania, toy maker Giant Mattel unleashes a bold technological experiment to an eager public. The Power Glove, the first video game controller that allows players to operate Nintendo games with intuitive hand gestures. Despite immense hype surrounding its release, the product is a critical failure, disappointing thousands of children with its subpar gameplay. More than two decades later, however, dedicated fans continue to repurpose the Power Glove for art pieces, hacking projects, electronic music, and more. This one's directed by Andrew Austin and Adam Ward. You can watch it, like I said, on Amazon Prime. And if you ever wanted, wondered like how the Power Glove came into existence, this is the documentary to watch. It, I remember I never owned a Power Glove. I remember it coming out. It was not like on my Christmas wish, wish list. I thought it was interesting when it came out, but it was never one of those things where I was like, I have to own this. And I waited for like the, the response of it. I did use it when I was a kid and it fucking sucked. Oh yeah. It sucked balls. Yeah. It's based on a patented technology, uh, of the VPL data glove. And that was a, it was a wired glove. It was a, they called it a cyber glove. And it was like, it was an input device for human computer interaction. And it was more like a glove. It was a $10,000 glove. And so they were trying to make this $10,000 glove in something that they could sell commercially for the Nintendo for $89.99. So, <laughs> Which is uh, still way too much money. Yeah, sure. exactly. So like, it's crazy though. They do talk about like how it got made. They, they went in and they, they, they talked with a, um, an executive at Mattel and they had her play it with an existing Nintendo game because they wanted to, Mattel wanted to, after they approved this, I'll, hold on, I'll get to that. So anyway, they, she, they had her play punch out with this. They had her put it on and she, they said it was a one in a million fluke that this happened. She puts it on throws one punch and knocks out her opponent in punch out. <laughs> and she, she loved it. She loved it. She said, we're making this fucking thing. And so, yeah, like, so they, they made it and like, it, it's crazy. It's so crazy. Like they knew at the time when they were making it, that they wouldn't have any games developed for it for another year. So they had one guy go through and like put in all the commands so it would work with the current library of Nintendo games. So he went through like 250 games putting in code so that it would work with like Nintendo games that were out at the time. Um, they did talk about its appearance in the movie, the wizard with, uh, Fred Savage, which uh, Christian Slater's in that movie. And, uh, 
uh, Bo Bridges. Yeah, Jeff Bridges' brother Bo Bridges was in that movie. I saw that movie in the fucking theater. And I remember watching that movie in the theater. I wanted to see it not for the Power Glove scene. I wanted to see it because they were showing footage of Super Mario Brothers 3. Oh, yeah. And, and they showed you how to get the whistle. Yes, uh, the they... First, uh, level 3 or 1-3 yep. uh, whistle. They fucking showed us how to get to the warp whistle. Yep. I was just like, holy shit. I fucking... I love that movie. And that movie bombed. That movie fucking bombed. But I loved it. I saw it in the theater and I fucking absolutely loved it. Um, I will give this documentary a high taste it. I think like... I think it's worth a watch. I th- it's a little over an hour long. I, You know, it's not really long at all. So I would give it a high taste. It's called The Power of Glove, and it's on Amazon Prime. So check it out. God, do you remember how chintzy and shitty Power Gloves really were? Like when they were advertised, it was like, you're going to wear a controller and punch it and do cool stuff. And then you you get it, and it's like half of a glove for your hand, and then yeah. you Velcro the top of it, and it's just a fucking controller glued to it. Mm-hmm. Very weird. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's uh, like they they made it look so badass in the wizard. They made it look so incredible in the commercial. Mm-hmm. But I think like if they would have just stuck to games that if they would have stuck to games that utilized the technology, it would have been fine. But like they weren't ready for it. You know, no. they weren't ready no. for it. They, what was that game? Super Powerball. Like that was the only game that they ever released that was actually made for the Power Glove. Yeah. And then, and the same thing with, uh, remember Rob the Robot? Yeah. Yeah. That thing only did one thing or whatever. It had like one trick. There were two games that came out for Rob the Robot. That's it. And when, so if you bought like the Nintendo, I can't remember like, like the, whatever they called it, like the ultimate system or whatever it was that came with Rob the Robot. There were only two games that worked with it. Well, um, let me ask you this. In the documentary, do they talk about uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street segment with the Power Glove? Uh-uh. What? No. Oh, man, that's a bummer. That's Well, it's in the the Nightmare on Elm Street that people think is the worst, but I kind of love it the most, which is Freddy's Dead. It's a, it's not a great one, but he I definitely ne- has a Power Glove on in it, and you would think they'd cover it at they least. Didn't, they didn't talk about it at all. Uh-uh. Scumbags. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Neil, what do you got for Good Pop, Bad Pop? Uh, I got one thing. Um, <clears throat> I started listening to a podcast uh, that started in the end of November. It's called In Bed with Nick and Megan. It's uh, basically an interview podcast show with Nick Offerman and Megan Mullally in their bed is the conceit. <laughs> <laughs> so they get people to come and hang out in their bed. And they talk about stuff. Uh, there's six episodes out right now, I believe. Maybe seven by the time this comes out. Um, so they, the first episode was, was them talking to Bill Hader. And it was, they, their, the subject was, uh, firsts. Like, since it was their first episode, they, they asked Bill Hader about the first time he did something or, or whatnot. And it was really, really fun. Uh, they've had, since had Retta also from Parks and Rec and, uh, Angela Kinsey and uh, Jenna Fisher from The Office. Uh, they had Lisa Kudrow on an episode, uh, Will Forte. And then uh, the most recent one and how I found out about it was they had Karen Kilgariff and Georgia Hardstark from My Favorite Murder on. 
And it's just a fun uh, show, and you kind of learn a little bit more about some of these people. And it's Nick Offerman and Megan Mullally being their usual charming selves. And, and yeah, I'll, I'll I'll definitely give this a high taste. It's it's a fun little hour long podcast that I uh, that I've been enjoying. All right on. Yeah, it's uh, I might I might check that. Do they talk about what kind of bed they're in? Uh, a little bit, and they they have like interactions with the pets, and and they 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 air some of the weirdness with people being in the bed in the first place. Like a lot of people don't want to fully get into the bed while they're clothed because they feel weird about it. So that's kind of funny, and yeah, it's it's just a fun. I, I really really enjoyed the, this this show. It's it's super digestible, and as I said, Nick and Megan are both very delightful people and hearing them just kind of be themselves is always, is always fun. Are you guys at the age right now or are, or at at that point in your life where like, uh, the mattress is like, like the kind of mattress that you have is like super important to you. Like you have to have like, Oh yeah. Really? 100%. (laughs) Aaron, are you, are you there? Are you there? Yeah, I mean, I have a yeah, I have a nice mattress, well, a decent mattress, but I need a. It's pretty old, so I need to get a new one. But as long as I can sleep on it, I don't really care. Oh and I have God. traumatic brain injuries, so I fall asleep like uh, like I turn my brain off immediately. It's pretty awesome. That is lucky. I mean, yeah, I got ejected from a vehicle and was in a coma, but after well, that's that, not lucky. After that, let me tell you, falling asleep is pretty good. Why? Yeah, it's like, uh, like uh, as far as like superpowers go, that's probably the worst one. But like, (laughs) you know, like why can't we have like, like oh, this traumatic thing happened to me, and now I have super strength, or like now I can turn invisible. Aaron can just go to sleep really fast. My fiance hates it because I'll get in bed and I'm like, okay, I'm going to sleep. And I'm like, good night. And I'm immediately. <laughs> oh, wow. That oh, is wow. pretty crazy. It's, it's awesome. And I didn't, I used to have issues sleeping. Like I, I couldn't turn my brain off. And now my brain is like, goodbye forever. <laughs> Just like, oh my God. When I'm suffering from like insomnia, that would like come in handy. Right so. Oh, cause it doesn't happen all the time, but like it does happen. There's no, and it's like the more I think about sleeping, like the more, like yeah, the, more the more I'm, you, the more yeah, can. I'm just yeah. up. So I basically, I throw up like the white flag of surrender. Like I'm like, oh, fuck it. I'm up. And I just start watching TV. I'm just like, fuck it. You win. <laughs> you win. And then I'm watching fucking family matters for fucking five hours. You know, okay. <laughs> I just got recently and it has, it has tremendously helped me fall asleep better because this mattress is so comfortable. It's a pillow top mattress. Yeah. Have you guys ever heard of it? I have. Or, I've heard of them. You have one? Yeah. I have one. Oh my gosh. I don't know why I didn't have one of these before. Pillow top mattresses. It is amazing. Like you have to buy like the deep pocket sheets because the regular ones don't fit it now, but like, it's worth it. Oh my god, it's so comfortable. So you're just thinking about your bed right now, aren't you? I would go lay down in my bed right now if I could. That's <laughs> crazy. Like I'm not. I don't know, man. I feel. I feel like. I guess I feel young and spry enough to where like 
I just need a fuck. It don't matter. I just need a fucking mattress. I just need a fucking mattress to sleep on. Cause like back in the day, I eat fucking my first bed that I bought on my own. Like when I was 18, I moved out. I left with the clothes on my back and I fucking, I bought the first thing I bought was a futon. So I slept on a fucking futon <laughs> for a long time. And so like now I don't know. I'm not, I'm, I'm not at the, I don't have back problems. Thank God. And so I just sleep on whatever, I just sleep on a mattress. It don't fucking matter to me. Uh, I, there, yeah, when you're like a young person and you're like, you know, late teens, early twenties, you're literally sleeping on the shittiest of all <laughs> furniture possible. And then I think once I hit like maybe 28 to 30, somewhere in there is when I bought my first, like I was like, I'm buying a mattress. Yeah. And I bought one and I was like, this is pretty cool. It was still shitty, but then, when I, uh, when I, my fiance and I first started dating, we got like a, what we have now, it's like a memory foam, but it's not memory foam. It's just a similar type of material. And yeah. it's really nice. It, it sleeps pretty well. I fucking, yeah. I bought like a, you could, you could buy like memory foam, but you could buy like a, however inches thick you wanted it to be, like on eBay. And it was just like, yeah. fuck it. So I bought like a fucking like three inch or four inch thick fucking memory foam or whatever <laughs> the fuck. And I just slapped it on top of my bed. And like, I'd never used memory foam before. And so I laid in it and I just fucking like sunk into that shit. It was like fucking like laying in tapioca or some shit. I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> and like I'd get up and I'd look back and I'd see my imprint there and I'd be like, oh my God. And then it pops right back. And, um, but, uh, my ex-wife took it. <laughs> so once we got a divorce, oh my God, it was crazy. Like when we got divorced, and she came back to get her stuff. She brought a bunch of people with her. So I couldn't keep my eye on all of them. And so, like, there was so much shit missing after she left. So much you shit. You should have laid face down on it and imprinted your dick on it. I lost so much shit that day. I lost a TV remote. I bought. I had, like, this fucking touchscreen TV remote. Gone. Fucking gone. She took it that day. I fucking had like one of those carpet cleaners, like those portable carpet cleaners, you know, from Bissell. Gone. That was gone. All my CDs were gone. Fuck you. I got Spotify now, bitch. <laughs> but there's, a, oh my God, so much shit of mine like went up, went missing that day. She brought like all these people over and they were taking her shit. But then they were also taking a lot of my shit apparently. And it's like, it's like, I'm thinking like, where did that one thing go? And oh, fuck, she fucking took it anyway. Um, I saw, I, I watched 68 Whiskey on Paramount Network. You guys heard about this? No. No. Heard, heard about it, but I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. Yeah, it's based on the Israeli television series Charlie Golf 1. This is a military show. It's from executive producer, uh, Ron Howard. 68 Whiskey is Paramount Network's new one hour original scripted series. The show follows a multicultural band of army medics stationed in Afghanistan on a base nicknamed the Orphanage, blending intense drama with irrelevant humor. Together, the medics navigate a dangerous and sometimes absurd world, relying on camaraderie, various vices, and occasionally a profound sense of purpose to carry them through. This is getting destroyed on IMDb. And it, like the <laughs> only people that are fucking responding to this are people that are in the military that are a 68 Whiskey or people that are married to somebody 
that is uh, that their MOS is 68 whiskey. It's it's people that are watching this that are just like, ah, this is not accurate. This is not accurate to what it is to be like in the military and blah, blah, blah. I, I you know, and it, it, I thought the show was fine. I'll give it a high tasted. I, I got a kick out of it. I thought it was kind of funny. Wait, of, is this the one with Tina Fey? No. Oh. Wasn't she in something like that was coming out about the military? Man, never mind. Bye. <sighs> Who's in this one? <laughs> It's a bunch of, it's a bunch of like people that I've never heard of, Aaron. You know what I mean? Like it's one of those shows where it's like all these people that are, there's no one big name. You know what I mean? Like none of these people I've ever heard of. Um, and. Okay. It, she was in a movie called Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. Oh wow. Which is, has nothing to do with what I'm talking about (laughs) at all. It's a military movie. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but it's not it has, this at it all. Has whiskey in the name. Sure. And <laughs> if I didn't know any better, I think you'd have whiskey in your body right now. In my bloodstream. In your bloodstream. Um no. It I think I think the show's fine. I can understand why people in the military are kinda like upset with it because they don't feel like it's a true representation. I saw one review on it where like they're uh, a woman reviewed it and and was upset that they portrayed a certain woman in it as being all horned up and wanting to have sex with this guy in this medical supply room. And I will say that I was in the military. I wasn't stationed overseas or anything, but I do know that Everyone in the military was pretty horned up. <laughs> so, and I'm just saying that from experience, like once I got through basic training and we all went to like our MOS school, like we had gone through hell at basic training and everyone was fucking hooking up. And I'm not even just saying like everyone was fuck. Everybody was trying to find somebody to fuck because we just wanted to have sex because we had been through hell. So like seriously. So I, I don't know. Like you, I thought the show was funny. I'm going to continue to watch it. But uh, if you were in the military and you don't feel like this is a, a representation of it and and whatever, then then don't watch it. But yeah, sixty eight whiskey on Paramount Network. I'll give it a high taste. It. I love Ron Howard. I love fucking uh, Arrested Development. This is not Arrested Development. Believe me. Um, Doolittle saw Doolittle. Rebecca, I know you <laughs> saw this one. Uh, Aaron, you saw it too. I saw it too. Oh, fuck. Oh. We've all seen it. <laughs> We've all seen Doolittle. So, um, yeah, Aaron, since you've already vocally given us your <laughs> rating, why don't you just go with it? What did you think about Doolittle? This is the new Robert Downey Jr. film where he is uh, playing the famed doctor veterinarian in Victorian England, becomes a hermit, hiding himself away behind the walls of Doolittle Manor. Only with only his menagerie of animals for company, but when Queen Victoria falls gravely ill, a reluctant Doolittle is forced to set sail on an epic adventure to a mythical island in search of a cure, regaining his wit and courage as he crosses old adversaries and encounters wondrous creatures. What did you think about Doolittle? Ah, man. So, (laughs) this movie was terrible. I don't know that I've seen a like studio film this bad in a while it 
it was like it had all the parts to be an okay movie, and then they just fucked it all up the whole time. And it was really like – it wasn't very long, but it felt like the longest movie I've ever seen in my life. Uh and I gotta say, I don't know if any of you guys noticed this, but the, the thing that got me the most, that really stuck out to me as horrible was the ADR on Robert Downey Jr. Oh my god. Work. Can like, we talk about that? <laughs> okay, so the thing is, was, did he do an initial accent that was so bad that they had to redub all his lines? Or, or did he make a choice like, I could do it better? Like, let me- oh man, I wish I knew, but like, that accent was Scottish, Welsh, Irish, and British all at the same time, and he whispered everything yes. he said. He kind of took like, this whole movie, and I was like, what the fuck are you saying? I couldn't understand half of what he said, and to the point that like he's giving exposition, and you can't understand it. So it's like I I I can't even follow the quote unquote plot of this movie because I can't hear what you're saying. It was terrible. Uh, so I Tupperware this, by the way. <laughs> uh, it's a toss it. It's a super toss it. But I uh, yeah, I'll jump in here real quick. I'll give it. I don't know. I, the kids in my audience didn't even seem to react. There was like this idiotic couple behind me, like these older people, and they would laugh at everything fucking stupid. You know what I mean? Like every fucking stupid thing that happened in this movie, they would laugh at. If somebody, if like a gorilla hit somebody in the face, they'd be like, ha ha ha, and they'd laugh. I was getting more annoyed with them than anything. But, I'll give this one a low taste that I thought it was terrible. And I heard like some of the biggest problems were with the reshoots, like all the stupid shit in this movie was added in the reshoots, like where they give the fucking dragon a colonic, like that whole scene was like, the design on the dragon was actually really cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Honestly, here's the thing. I think like if they would have done this movie, when the movie starts and you get that animation, that beautiful animation, and it's it, everything seems very whimsical and fun, I was like, that's awesome. If the whole movie was that, I would have been all on board with this fucking yeah. movie. But, like, once yeah. it starts going into, like, live action – and here's the thing that doesn't make sense to me is, like, they talk about at the beginning of the movie, like, he, like – treats all these animals. People would bring their animals into him. He could speak to animals. He'd treat them. He'd heal them. And then his like wife goes on like this fucking adventure. She gets lost and dies at sea. And then he becomes a hermit and hates people. Well, I was telling Jake, I was telling Jake, I I messaged Jake. I was like, yes, I do the do little. And we, we talk about movies on the weeks that he's not on the show. Cause I'll tell him what I thought about <clears> it because it doesn't matter at that point. But I told him, I said, yeah, so like, I told him that whole thing, like, you know, she's lost at sea. And then for some reason, he hates people now after she's lost at sea. I said, it makes sense if he hated water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, what was weird too. Uh, he goes to like the bandit island and it was actually kind of cool to see Antonio Banderas. That's one part I actually really liked and like kind of the design of his, uh, clothing and all the, the kind of area they're in. But like, he's like, you let me my daughter leave and now she is dead. And I'm like, bro, you guys are like the same age though. 
<laughs> yeah. You're not mad that a 60 year old dude was <laughs> And they didn't even try to age up Antonio Banderas. <laughs> no. They're like, he's got gray hair. That means he's old, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you think, Rebecca? What are you going to rate this fucker? Uh, uh, this movie, I, I, as, I, I agree that if the whole movie had been animated, this would be a very different discussion. Um, This movie should have been animated, and I think it would have done better as like an animated series for kids, like a half-hour series. Dr. Doolittle goes on different adventures. I think that would have been a great vehicle. You could still have RDJ doing the voice of whatever that voice was that he was doing. (laughs) Um, Would you want to? No, I think it's that (laughs) At that point, you tell him, just do a Kevin Costner and just don't even try an accent. Like, yeah, just, yeah. just be yourself. Because the whole thing is, right, RDJ is super charming. But his charm is not seen in this movie. I did not feel that Robert Downey Jr. charm in this film. And I thought, like, okay, maybe, like, really little kids would like this movie. Like, maybe four- and five-year-olds. Because it's so silly. Like, there's... It's just everything is a silly joke and the plot doesn't make a lot of sense. And how old is Queen Victoria supposed to be? She looks like (laughs) she's 12 years old. He gave she but she gifted him the animal reserve and he's been there long enough to grow a Gandalf length beard. When was she a was she a baby when this happened? And they they seemingly sailed around the world 40 times and did a bunch of adventures. So like. 20 years went by and so did she do it when she was like six? I, crazy. I, unless, unless you have really little kids who just like moving images and bright sounds, uh, uh, and uh, bright sounds, loud sounds and bright lights, like, this is probably a good movie to watch for free on streaming, but otherwise I toss this movie. There's really, there's really nothing that I enjoyed enough to say I would see it even Again, like the animation was gorgeous in the beginning. I also like the Antonio Banderas stuff. I thought that that was great. And but then to make him a widower in the beginning of a, of the movie, what a fucking downer for the whole movie. Like it, I don't know. I just didn't like it at all. And what a shame because it could have been something good. And I hope they never make another Doolittle movie because oh, it's not. not this. This movie's losing money big time. Yeah. It, 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 I, I hope that the, that the that this is just the end of the Doctor Doolittle franchise. Sure. Yeah, like this was a uh, hundred seventy-five million dollars to make, and it's 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 gonna it's not gonna make that back. Lose not a in ton any of ways gonna yeah. back. What'd you think, Neil? Big fan. <laughs> it's um, no cats, but you know, <laughs> it's definitely not cats. Um, no, I I grew up reading the Doctor Doolittle stories as a kid, and I fucking loved them. I was not a fan of the Eddie Murphy version because it wasn't the stories that I grew up with, with this dude from Victorian England uh, treating animals. And so I I was actually kind of excited to watch this because I did like the story and it was more faithful to the books than the previous iteration of it. And I do have to say that I thought that Craig Robinson, Jason Manzoukas did great voice work. As the dragonfly for Jason Manzoukas and the squirrel for Craig Robinson. I thought Michael Sheen really chewed the scenery nicely. The rest of the cast was fucking terrible. 
both live action and voice over. And this movie was, it was so inconsistently toned and, and like paced. And I don't know who it was for. There were some kids in my theater who loved it. There were some older people in my theater who loved it, but I did not. I, I tossed this movie as well. It's not good. Um, yeah, it's just a bad movie. So, okay, real quick. I love Jason Manzukis. Like, I, I think he's one of the funniest people alive. But why is everybody that's an animal, why do they all have American accents? <laughs> why not? <laughs> Who the fuck cares? The movie sucks. I mean, well, like, <laughs> Kevin is a squirrel in England. <laughs> he's, like, existing in all England. The only time he's ever existed was in England, and he's only heard English accents. Why Why does he sound American and, like, modern? And why does the one duck make a fucking... Uh, What's the Jackie Chan, uh, Chris Tucker movie? Oh my god. Rush Hour? Rush Hour. She makes a Rush Hour reference. That, that was bad. Yeah. Oh my god, I wanna see Aaron at the Q&A for this fucking movie. <laughs> and, and I wanna Why see, I wanna back? see the creators of this fucking movie give less a shit than you do I right know. now asking these <laughs> questions. Like, who knows? Like, who, like any who decisions cares? on the, and who cares at the end of the day? Like you have like this insane fucking voice cast. They've got Michael Sheen, Emma Thompson, Rami Malik, fucking yeah, yeah. Oscar winner, yeah, Rami Malik, John Cena, Kumail Nanjiani, Octavia Spencer, Tom Holland, Craig Robinson, Ralph Fiennes, Selena Gomez, Jason Mansukas, and this movie's crap. Yeah. So. Yeah, who knows? And one more thing. (laughs) Like, how did the kid just randomly start learning animal language? Like, (laughs) it was dumb. The the craziest shit to me was that he just randomly was like, I think I'm starting to understand it. Like, bitch, if that happened, everyone would know dog and everyone would Uh, know. I hated, I hated the fact when he was, when he was talking to Robert Downey Jr. about it and he was like, so when, uh, the squirrels go, that means that they're saying, uh, uh, you know, I'm just like, God damn it. This is fucking stupid. Oh my and God. Shut the fuck up. If you were Dr. Doolittle, the literal only human being in the history of human life who understands animals and a child was like, bruh, I think that I get it now. You'd be like, holy fucking shit. Fuck you, There's another fucking person who can do this. Jesus Christ, can you please help me fucking make the world believe that I talk to animals? Instead, he's like, Yes, I believe it because uh, you might hear on my talk. <laughs> That's so bad. Uh, can I tell a quick story of me motherfucking everybody at the movie theater before the movie started? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> this is the best part of my whole Dr. Doolittle uh, experience. So... I, I go to, I have AMC stubs, which I love, uh, and I, so I go to, uh, an AMC right by my house, and, you know, everybody and their mother buys their tickets online now, cause if you're reserving seats, you might as well do it at your house, right? So, there's a line, because there's just one girl, normally they have someone selling tickets in case you're like, kinda there late and you're just gonna buy a ticket, whatever, and there's someone just scanning your, your app tickets, like, just to let you go, well, I guess they were short staffed. So I'm waiting in line, and this dude, first, this younger dude walks up and he's like, oh, hell no, I'm not waiting for this shit. I already bought my ticket. And I'm like, yeah, same, dude. We're all waiting for the same shit. And he's like, nah, I'm not just going to wait. I'm going to make her get a manager. And I was like, 
I mean, okay, Karen, good fucking luck. <laughs> so he goes and does that. And then this old dude and his family walks in. And this old guy looked like Jeffrey Tambor, uh, if you know that actor. Oh, yeah. Arrested Development. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he looks like the brother with hair uh, on Arrested Development. Uh, and he's like, already got my ticket. And he goes to walk by. And I'm like, bro, fucking same. Everybody already has their ticket. It's how movies work now. Relax. And so he just starts walking, and then his daughter and his wife walk by me, and I'm like, you know what? Fuck you, fuck you, and fuck everybody. And so they turn around, and they're like, what's wrong? And I'm like, we're all waiting in the same fucking line, you dumb assholes. Like, <laughs> what do you think is going to – do you think we're just standing here for our fucking help? And so then they they come back, and the guy got a manager, and she started scanning tickets, and he's like, see? I got a manager. And I'm like, well, what the fucking do? And I go inside, and then one of the ladies that was in the line behind me was randomly seeing Dr. Doolittle, and she was apparently drunk out of her mind. And she was like, so vulgar. Can you believe it? And she's walking in. And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> I just got – I'm like, who – we used to have to wait in real lines to buy movie tickets. Mm-hmm. Like, did you guys yeah. forget what a line is? It's not that long. It was like two minutes. I don't know. Yeah, people yeah. get antsy. It's, it's, it's like, what are you going to miss? The fucking uh, trailer for the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, you son of a bitch? <laughs> really? Dude. Are you fucking – are you going to miss the Peter Rabbit 2 trailer? Oh, God. That's the trailers that you're going to get before fucking Dr. Doolittle. You're gonna miss, you're gonna miss Sonic the Hedgehog and you're gonna miss Peter Rabbit 2 fucking, uh, what's it called? Flopsy Easter bullshit. I don't know what it's called. Dude, and then did you guys get the Emma trailer? Just like this random. That was weird. Yeah, just a random period piece. Yeah. Anya Anya Taylor Joy. What, what's that, Rebecca? I said maybe because it's a period piece, just like Doolittle is a period piece. That's the only reason I could think of because it's not a kids movie. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. It's like, is it, is it, What's it, what's the rating on it? It's, it was weird because they were like, they were like putting up the like quotes and like hilarious. And I'm like, I have not even smiled at this. It just looks boring as shit. I think, I, I think it's, I, I don't think it's rated R. I mean, it's, it's no. a Jane Austen adaptation. I can't imagine it. Being oh, it's rated not going to be rated R. And they're not going to play a rated R trailer in a fucking doolittle. No, no, no. I mean, no, of course, but the, the trolls trailer also looked insane. Like, I oh my watched God. The trolls movies, but I was like, are children just having seizures the entire time that the movie happens? <laughs> that movie. God yeah. damn. Yeah, people, and I don't know, people in my theater were going nuts for that fucking trailer too. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Very uh, strange. Um, Astro is great. You got Sam Rockwell, Anna Kendrick, Jamie Dornan. Oh my, Sam Rockwell was in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in 1990. Yes, he was. I couldn't fucking believe it when I was watching it. I was like, and he played head thug. He was the head thug. <laughs> <laughs> What if he was just the thug that sucked all the other thugs' dicks? <laughs> I know, and that's why they called him. They called him head thug because he sucked cock all day. <laughs> They're like, get the head thug in here. I'm stressed, and he's like, why? <laughs> <laughs> fucking yeah, it's like they can't, rock steady. They called him cock steady and bebop. Just fucking God. he wouldn't he wouldn't focus on your dick too long. He was just bebopping all over the place. It's like, no, get back here, suck my dick. <laughs> God damn it, Bebop. Will you at least send Head Thug in? Send Head Thug in. God, I, somebody. Like, he does the classic Flintstones line. Eh, 
It's a job. <laughs> yeah, it's all living. Somebody finish me. Jesus Christ. That's all I want. Hey, um, uh, I watched a movie this wait. week on Shut Shut the fuck up, Aaron. We're moving on. That's not no, me. no, no. What did what did you rate uh Doodle? Me? I gave it a low taste it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I gave it a low taste it. I don't know. I think for a kid's movie, I'm, I'm rating it a low taste it for it, for it being a kid's movie. Like, um, you know, it's just, it's just, it's a dumb kid's movie. Right? I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know what I was expecting. It was garbage. <laughs> um, uh, let's see here. Yeah, I watched a movie on, um, Shudder this week. I don't, Rebecca and Neil, I don't know if you got to see it. Did you get to see Tammy and the T-Rex? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I watched it. Okay, this was originally released as a heavily censored PG-13 film uh, huh. with Denise Richards and Paul Walker, and it's been restored to its uncut version with gross-out gags, courtesy of FX wizard John Carl Buschler. And so this is the first time we've ever, I guess we've ever gotten to see this with like the full kind of like R-rated uncut version. Um, and it stars, like I said, Paul Walker and <laughs> Denise Richards. And I'd never even heard of this fucking movie. And then like Shudder sends me like this email saying like, oh yeah, uh, Tammy and the T-Rex. And I'm like, oh my God, I've got to fucking watch this. <laughs> and, um, I fucking loved it. I fucking thought this movie was hilarious. I, I get, it's like, it reminded me, like, of, like, growing up, like, watching, like, those shitty movies, like, when I was a kid. Like, it was, very, it felt very trauma, in a oh, way. Yeah. In a I way. And I fucking loved it. I laughed my ass off. It's, it's very dated. It's very dated. There's some shit in here that's pretty <laughs> offensive. But again, it came out in 1994. And so, like, a movie starts off, you got Denise Richards and she's, um, you know, doing her fucking, she's a cheerleader, right? And she's doing her cheers and shit. And then fucking Paul Walker, he's interested in her and he walks in, he's got like a cutoff shirt and shit. And he's like, check out my fucking abs. I'm Paul Walker, bitch. And then there's like this other guy named Billy who's kind of like the, you know, he's yeah, Billy the badass. He like, He's the badass of the town that wants to fucking, he loves Tammy and they used to kind of date, but like she, Tammy's done with Billy and Tammy wants to get with fucking Paul Walker, but Billy still is in love with fucking Tammy. So Billy starts to fight Paul Walker and then there's this fight that they have and then (laughs) Billy grabs fucking Paul Walker's fucking what we got here he grabs his balls that's where i'm going neil he grabs his fucking balls and he starts squeezing them did you guys notice who the fucking cop was who said that he the cop the the cop was the hobo from back to the future and he says yeah what we got here is a testicular standoff and then on the flip side though (laughs) there's this fucking scientist who fucking makes this animatronic Tyrannosaurus Rex for no, for, I don't know, for whatever reason. <laughs> because science. And so then. have a reason back then. <laughs> so then fucking Paul Walker sneaks into Tammy's room. Did you notice at the end of the movie when they had the cast and they were giving off all the names, they spelt Tammy wrong and they spelt it. Sure it did. They well, spelt like it. There was, a, there was like a, the titles. Card said Tanny and the Teenage T Rex. 
But it's called Tammy and the T-Rex in the I poster. Know. I was really confused. Like, what the fuck is this? Is Tanny? But at the end, it was Tanny. T-A-N-N-Y. Yeah. It's so weird. But then, okay, so fucking Paul Walker sneaks into Tammy's room. And then these girls see that he sneaks into the room and she tells, they tell Billy. And then Billy shows up with all his badass thug friends just walking into her house and pushing her dad out of the way like he's a little bitch. And then (laughs) fucking they take, they chase down Paul Walker. They take him to a wildlife park that basically just has a fence and there's like, Lions. It's called Wild Animal Park. Wild Animal Park. And it's just a (laughs) fence. And behind the fence is like fucking lions and fucking cougars and leopards and panthers and fucking all these zoo animals and shit just all together. And they leave him in there. And he fucking gets mauled. Paul Walker gets mauled by a lion. And then... They remove his brain because he's with a jigsaw lumbotomy, and then they put his brain inside the animatronic Tyrannosaurus hey, Rex, and he <laughs> goes around, he goes around killing all the people that fucking hurt him, and I fucking loved it. I Tupperware the fuck out of this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. What'd you think, Neil? I loved it too. It definitely reminded me of a trauma film. Uh, especially like the first half with that, with the style of humor they were doing was just that really like ridiculous one liners after one after another. Uh, like, and like the gore was was super fun. Uh, There's a couple of lines that I fucking absolutely died at. One was when uh, Paul Walker was up in her room and they're making noise because you know they're dumbasses. And her dad is like, "What was that noise?" And she's like, "I knocked my dictionary over." <laughs> <laughs> what? Or when she tells off Billy, um, she's like, "I don't want to see you for the rest of my life, ever." Yeah, that was funny too. Yeah. <laughs> and when they ride off into the sunset, like her on his back and oh my mm. God. I loved when she played a game of charades with the T Rex. <laughs> oh my god. To figure out what he was saying. The the hands that they use when oh, about, wait a minute, how about the scene where they were trying to find a new body for him? Yeah. Holding a body. <laughs> what about this one? Yeah, and they're like, in a fucking morgue. Holding up bodies, oh and he's like giving them the thumbs up or the thumbs down. It's as a T Rex. It's fucking. <laughs> it's hilarious. This shows. This fucking movie is fucking hilarious. And in the beginning, it didn't it seem like Paul Walker was like coked out of his fucking mind. <laughs> he was acting just like Paul Walker from Pleasantville. Like that, he only had like one speed back then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Paul Walker, and like he's like like. um he was like, it's like he went to like the Keanu Reeves, Bill and Ted school of acting, right? Like he was like, he was like Ted Theodore Logan all the time. Uh. Yeah, no, he, he, you're absolutely right. He, 
this was like it was like he went to the Zach Morris school of acting because he really was like channeling a lot of Zach Morris in parts to me. I felt like um I think we could all agree that like Velocipaster is the superior dinosaur person movie. But this movie, you do have to take it you do have to remember it was made in the nineties. And there are there are things in here that are very offensive now. Um, like, uh, Byron, the, the black <laughs> friend, who's also gay, I guess. Um, yeah, it's, uh. Yeah, they, it's there's like offensive. one point where they're like, yeah, don't bend down next to Byron. It's like, yeah. like, oh yeah, cause like all gay guys want a fucking elderly mm-hmm. policeman. Shut the right. fuck up. Get the fuck. But it was, it was yeah. made in the nineties and like, you know. Exactly. The, yeah. I think, and even on IMDb, that character's name, that character's full name is Byron Black. That's huh. his name. No, but and it's name. referenced in the movie too. They called the, yeah. they called, uh, oh, his yeah. father Sheriff Black. Yeah, so it's like. I thinking eh. I was very uh, on the nose. Yeah, yeah. There, there's that. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of really gross, toxic masculinity stuff in this. So I mean, like, yeah, watch it with a grain of salt. Remember, this was made in '94. Uh, I, I also <laughs> I I also talk about this movie because I think it's if you're fucking offended by a movie called Tammy and the T Rex, <laughs> you can go fuck yourself. I, Oh, First off, it, seriously, if you're like, oh, my God, this didn't live up to my expectations and the toxic masculinity offended. It's called Tammy and the T-Rex. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Get over it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I know. I know. I still talk about this movie. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> it I is. laugh out loud on a lot of parts. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh God, Aaron, you gotta watch this fucking movie, dude. Yeah, Aaron, you gotta check it out, man. It's hilarious. It's on Shutter. I, I have Shutter. Yeah, yeah it's on Shutter. Go watch it. Yeah, watch. it's on Shutter. It's called Tammy and the T Rex, and I fucking had a blast watching this movie, and I laughed my ass off. Like this is like the kind of shit that like. I don't know, like, you'd fucking grow up watching, like, you'd be like, oh, there's Gilbert Gottfried, and it's up all night. Like, oh my god, this movie's fucking great. You know, and I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought it was hilarious. Um, Did you guys ever see Freaked? Uh, It was like a trauma-esque movie. It was early 90s. I saw it in 35mm last year, and um, Brooke Shields is in it, of all things. Uh -uh. It's about like a freak show where the they're using like some kind of chemical to make actual freaks. Hmm. It's a funny one if you ever get a chance. It just this is what it sounded like to me. I'll look for it. No, I've never I've never watched it. Rebecca, we saw Weathering with you. Yes, yes, we did. Aaron, did you get a chance to see this one? No, I have been doing a bunch of stuff all week, and I, I didn't have time because it was only playing on Thursday and oh, Friday. Yeah. And I was seeing Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys yesterday, and then I saw oh, Doolittle nice. on Thursday, so I saw the way better movie, obviously. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Weathering with you, the uh, highly anticipated new film for director Mikado Shinkai and producer Genki Kamawara, uh, Ka- Kawamura, excuse me, uh, the creative team behind the critically acclaimed global smash hit Your Name. Uh, I saw Your Name in theaters a couple years ago. I fucking loved that movie, so I was definitely looking forward to this one. This is about uh, the summer of his high school freshman year. 
uh, Hodaka runs away from his remote island home to Tokyo and quickly finds himself pushed to his financial and personal limits. The weather is unusually gloomy and rainy every day, as if to suggest his future. He lives his days in isolation, finally finds work as a writer for a mysterious occult magazine. Then one day, Hodaka meets Hina, on a busy street corner, the bright and strong-willed girl possesses a strange and wonderful ability, the power to stop the rain and clear the sky. Uh, I watched the dubbed version of this one, um, which started uh, starred the voices of uh, Riz Ahmed and Allison Brie. Um, what did you think about this one, Rebecca? Yeah, I also watched the dubbed version. I wanted... Um I wanted to watch the subbed version, but it, it it just wasn't playing on that night that I could go. So um, I also watched that that same version. This movie, um, I'm surprised how much this movie affected me. I had moments where I was openly sobbing in this movie. Like it was, it really touched my heart in a lot of ways. Um, the animation, of course, is just it's just gorgeous it's so beautiful um the voiceover work and again you know i heard the english voices not the original japanese uh voices but um the voiceover work i thought was excellent um and the music oh my gosh the music in this movie so beautiful and did, did you stay for the for the q a afterwards i did yeah okay I, I liked how the director talked about how he worked on the music for this movie with the band, um, that he basically sent the script to this band that he had worked with previously and said, you know, this is my next project. I want you guys to score it. And then they started sending him, you know, songs and music and he basically let them score the entire movie. And it all came together very organically between the two of them. And it really shows because at key moments, the songs that are are playing are so beautiful and they had the english translation on the screen which was um so great so you could really get the full impact um i th- this movie is absolutely a, a tupperware for me it's just so what a great experience um my theater was packed so many people went to go see the, this movie on on the night i went and um the story is so timely talking about like weather and climate change but then it's it's so much more than that it's so much more it's about sacrifice and it's about what you do for the people that you love and knowing that sometimes it can it can hurt you if you help other people but the joy that you get from helping people was enough for this girl it's just so Tupperware, 100% all day, every day. I can't wait to own this movie when it comes out. It's so good. It's really good. Um, yeah, it's, uh, basically you've got this, this, this guy, Haruka, he runs away from his home in Tokyo, runs away from his home, goes, moves to Tokyo. He's 16 years old. Did they ever really reveal why he ran away? Problems, I'm guessing problems at home, of course. Yeah, to me, it was not clear. It was just, I think there were like, quick flashbacks that happened um i think there was like a flashback of like maybe somebody hitting him or arguing and but it was never like expressly said yeah so he runs away from home moves to tokyo really has no way of kind of like getting a job and he's not of age to get a a job and he's posting on the internet like you know yeah i I need a job you know 
meets this guy, chance meeting, meets this guy and starts to work for this guy the in Tokyo and starts to write stories. This guy writes stories for like, you know, uh, mysteries of the unexplained stuff like, you know, like alien encounters and just weird stuff mm-hmm. that you would read in like, you know, Sun or like the Inquirer and shit like that. So he starts to write stories for this guy. And um, there's a story about the Sunshine Girl, and it's apparently like in in mythology. There's a there's a girl who can, uh, uh, if it's raining, uh, these Sunshine Girls can uh, bring the bring bring the sun, and uh, you know, the rain uh, will go away. Um, ends up encountering what's called a, a real Sunshine Girl, and uh, and so they start this business called uh, Weather for You. Where people, if they have like a certain event or they just want it, Tokyo is just going through like a, it's been like a month, two months where like, it's just been nonstop rain. And so like, you know, you've got people who want to have like a uh, outdoor kind of like yard sale or something like that. And they can't do it with the rain. So like they purchase clear weather from this sunshine girl. And so, like, they put it up, and they don't know if people are going to respond to this or not. And then all of a sudden, like, somebody wants they, somebody somebody wants to use their services, so she shows she shows up, and then like clears up the weather for them, and it starts to catch on. It starts to get like you know media attention as well. Um, but what you end up finding out is that uh, when the Sunshine Girl gives you that great weather, there's a price to pay at the end, and so. Um, it's, it's a beautiful fucking story. It's a, it's a great fucking movie. It's a beautiful fucking story. The ending blew me the fuck away. I can't believe that the <gasps> director went with the way that he went. I can't believe it's ballsy. It's ballsy. It's not like, it's not like some of the other shit that we see in other movies where like the director just went balls out and it, it was, it was incredible. And I loved your name. I loved your name. I thought your name was fantastic. Saw that one in the theaters and I loved your name. And then like, I will say this, I, I won't say a lot and it's not a huge spoiler, but the director did say that the characters from your name make cameos in this movie. And I didn't notice it until I fucking like had him, like he's talking about it, like how they cameoed in this. And I was just like, holy shit. I tupper with the fuck out of this. It's a lot of fun. I love these characters. I fell in love with them. This is a fantastic movie. It, it it's wide release now, so you should be able to find it hopefully in the theater, uh, in the wide wide release. And it's called Weathering with You. So I highly recommend this one, Tupperware. It's amazing. Liked it. Too. Yeah, I need to see it. You sure. need to see it, Aaron. It's really good. It's really fun. Have you seen your name? Not yet. No. Jesus Christ. Get on. It's good. It's really good. Your name's good. This is really good. And it just proves that there's other studios other than Ghibli that can make fucking great anime films. Yeah. Yeah. He, he talked about the, the director talked about that at the end too, that when he started coming up is when Ghibli studios shut down and uh, there were a lot of, um, artists, there were a lot of animators who needed work and his studio offered a lot of them jobs. And, when he talked about how, because there's a lot of obviously because this movie talks about how it's it's raining so much in Tokyo, there's a lot of scenes with raindrops. There's a lot of scenes with you know rain falling and puddles and all that. He talks a lot about how that was how much work went into animating 
the rain, how water works, like the reflections in the puddles, when you see drops like going down a window pane or going down an umbrella. He talked about how much work went into animating this movie. I feel like having seen that interview, I want to go back and watch this movie again and just look at the at the drops. Like I just want to watch these water drops. I feel like I have a brand new yeah perspective on. I them just want I want to I want to take a shower with the director. This is what I want to do. Oh well, that I won't stop you <laughs> so, as long as you're both into it. It's all good. Yeah, no, if he's consenting. <laughs> I don't want to force myself into his fucking shower, but if he's down with it, and we can wear fucking shorts if he's cool. But, you know, I'm, I want to have a whole talk about water while I'm bathing with another man. I mean, that seems just fine to it me. It sounds fun. Good it time. sounds like a great time showering with another adult man and talking about water. <laughs> <laughs> Neil, you want in on this? Conversation. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh fuck! I was gonna say something else that didn't involve that creepy shit. Hold on, I can't remember. I can't remember. Oh, um, Aaron, but isn't Studio Ghibli's back up and running? Isn't Miyazaki making another movie? Is that still happening? I hadn't heard. I thought he retired. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I swear, I swear, like, last year I heard that he was making another movie. I swear. This is, oh, my God. I it while I was typing. Hold on. It's called How, well, it says, How Do You Live 2020 coming out, new Hideo Miyazaki, or Hayao Miyazaki movie. Yeah, and How Do You Live. You're correct. Yeah. That's crazy. He he did the classic movies like uh-huh. I'm retiring and then he's like JK I'm back. Yeah. I I thought he was coming out with something new. So I don't That's know. Awesome. One last He's up there in years though, right? He's uh, 79. Be, yeah. He don't look it. He looks like early 60s. He's got white hair, but he's he looks great. He's fucking that ancient Chinese fucking recipe of pearl cream, man. He's rubbing that shit on his <laughs> face. Do you remember that fucking you remember that infomercial? Remember that no. ancient Chinese I do. ancient I Chinese do. secret, ancient Chinese secret, that fucking pearl cream. I know he's Japanese, fuck off people. No, I, I I remember cuz they used to like say we take real authentic pearls and they yeah. would show people like grinding <laughs> down what was supposed right. to be real pearls into a powder and then they would mix it and then it would turn into the cream. And then you see like these ladies putting it on their face and smiling. Like, and they called I it remember that. pearl cream. Yes, pearl cream. It was pearl cream. And yeah, it, don't judge me. Fucking Japanese people can use the ancient Chinese secret too. Don't you're the fuck. You should be ashamed of yourself for not thinking that fucking Japanese people can use pearl cream. You're the fucking problem. It's everybody. Yeah, fuck you, <laughs> fuck you. You're the you're the with his own. It's bullshit. It's bullshit, Aaron. It's bullshit, man. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, you're bringing up fucking some ancient Chinese secret, but you're talking about Miyazaki using it? Yeah. You bet your fucking ass. You bet your fucking ass he could fucking use the ancient Chinese secret of pearl cream and rub that shit on his fucking face. <laughs> you bet your fucking... You're the you're part of the problem. Jesus Christ. That's fair, you know? Anybody, anybody can use Ginsu knives, right? That's true. 
Jesus. They can, uh, they can cut cans. They can fucking cut through a goddamn bowling ball, Aaron. My and, favorite. Is and who knows, like how like how many times have you wanted to cut a bowling ball, right? And you know, every day, every only. goddamn day. I, I just want to go. Every day, I'm like, where is my bowling ball? Now? I just want to go into bowling alleys and stab bowling balls all day. <laughs> I just always like when they're like, and look, it can cut tomatoes. And like, I know that it's more like that they're sharp enough to not squash them, but like tomato, I could karate chop a fucking tomato. Dude, but it's the way that it cuts the tomato, dude. Like if it can cut. It's worn down by the rusty nail, Aaron. That's the point. Dude, if it can cut through a fucking bowling ball, imagine what it can do to your tomatoes. It can shred them. Immediately. <laughs> I watched um, The Deadlands on Shudder. This is uh, this is actually going to premiere on Thursday, January 23rd. They're going to drop two episodes. Uh, I've seen the first three. The Deadlands is a supernatural fantasy adventure series set in a mythical Aotearoa, New Zealand, in a time... I can't pronounce that word. I did the best I could. New Zealand in a time before time. A dishonored warrior... Waku Naku Rao dies, but his ancestors in the afterlife send him back to the world to find redemption and honor. There in the world of the living, he is aided by Mihi, a determined young woman, and together they discover the world has been disrupted by forces not of the living. Someone or something is preventing the dead from entering the afterlife, and now the dead are thrown back into their decaying bodies to hunt the living. The Deadlands is the first genre TV showcase of Maori mythic storytelling and martial traditions created by a mainly Maori cast with significant Maori involvement at all levels of the production. It's created by Glenn Standring and it stars um, T. Kohei Tuhaka as Waka Naku Rao and then Kali Kope as Hini and then Darnine Christian as Mihi. Um, this is like, uh, this is, it's a, it's a Shudder original, but it's also being, I think like, uh, TV New Zealand is also playing this as well. Um, but if you're in America, you can watch it on Shudder. It's going to premiere on January 23rd. I, I was very interested in this show and I was like, okay, I'll, I'll check it out because I was sent screeners. So they sent me the first three episodes and I watched this and I was like, you can compare it to zombies. You can compare like what they're fighting to zombies. So basically like there are people that die. They're sent to the, they, they can't go into the afterlife. Something happened. There's a breach about the doorway that takes you into the afterlife. Something happened. And so like they are sent back into their dead bodies and they're angry and they're hunting the living. And so it's kind of like a zombie story, but it's like, it's zombies without doing zombies. It, 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 they've done something very fucking cool here with this Maori mythology. And I will say that the two main characters, um, that play uh, Waku, Naku, Rao, and then Mihi, like their interactions together are really fun. Like they, they, they hate each other, but then they kind of like, they, they need each other. And, but then like when um, Waka 
talks to like his mother in the afterlife. Cause like, that's a thing that happens. Like he'll talk to his mother in the afterlife and, and she'll tell him that he, the gods are asking that he kill Mihi, and that'll make him strong. And that's what he needs. The gods are demanding that he kill Mihi, And so like, that's, that's a part of the show is like, there's like this, uh, uh, they're working together, but on the flip side, like he's always being told by his mother to kill this woman that he's working with. Um, this, I, I, I can't give too much away. I can give a little bit away, I guess. I, I'm not embargoed anymore, but I, I'm going to Tupperware the fuck out of this show. It is so goddamn good. It's really fucking good. And like, Aaron, you said you have a Shutter account. I would highly recommend this. It's really yeah. fucking good. It's called The Deadlands, and the first two episodes will drop. I'm telling you, watch the first two episodes. I, it is a very fucking good show. Like, if you are, like, burnt out on, like, The Walking Dead, this is zombies without doing zombies. And, like, the Maori mythology and the, the, I think it really comes down to, like, these two main actors. They work so well off of each other. Um, They've done such a great job here with, with these two actors. Um, and the makeup is really good. Like you've got like the main character. He's got like these carvings on his face. It looks real. It looks legit. There's this whole fighting, um, this whole like Maori fighting style that they have. And like these weapons that they use are, are something that I haven't seen before. Like they've got like this, uh, he fights with like this. It almost looks like a, a flat paddle, but it's a blade. It's a weird, Kind of like it, it's almost like a weird machete. I don't know what's even, what it's even made out of, but um, I I love this fucking show. I can't wait for future episodes. I'm gonna have to wait mm, about three weeks before I get a new episode of this one. But I'm loving it. I think it's really fucking good. It looks really cool. I'm kind of just looking at pictures and you know going through that, and it looks really awesome. Yeah, the the main dude is a badass. He's like the best. He's like the, he's like the fucking, um, the, the strongest warrior that the Maori have ever had. He's like the strongest fucking warrior that they've ever had, but he's dishonored. He did something so bad. I don't know what it is. He did something so bad that like fucking the afterlife, like his ancestors won't accept him. But if he, if he fucking fixes this breach, that will bring like um the dead that will give them peace then his ancestors will accept them again but this, um yeah go ahead was this a movie before it was a movie and it was by Glenn Standring and apparently the movie did not do too well and i guess that there were some things in the movie that people did not like i don't know if it was like people of um of of uh, of Maori backgrounds did not agreeing with like with what was depicted in the movie, but the movie did not do too well. Um, and so like, I guess this guy is getting a second chance at this story and is doing That's it cool. in a series. And I've been super impressed by this show. I, I'm, I'm kind of, I, like, I, I honestly thought that I was just gonna watch this show and shrug it off. I was gonna watch one episode and be fucking done. I knocked out three episodes back That's to awesome. back to back. I thought it was that good. 
it's really good. And I think it really comes down to these main two actors and kind of like the chemistry that they have with one another. Um, he's kind of like training her. She's kind of like a protege. He's kind of training her in like fighting. But on the flip side, like he's always got his mother in the afterlife telling him to kill her, drink her blood. It'll make him stronger. Crazy. Yeah. It's nuts. <laughs> it's fucking nuts. I think the mythology here, this Maori mythology is so interesting. I think it's very interesting. And I, this is a cool, refreshing new way to tell a zombie story. This is not your George A. Romero zombies. This is not your Robert Kirkman zombies. This is like fucking, this is a completely new, like, like there is a reason it's not some fucking like virus outbreak and we'll never find out why zombies came to be. This is people that die, can't go into the afterlife. They come back into their decaying bodies and they're angry at the living and they just want to fucking kill them. And it's, it's pretty badass and it's violent and they drop F bombs. Like this is a good fucking show. I like if you don't have a shutter subscription, I think it's like five fucking bucks. And this is one of the reasons to watch it because dead, the Deadlands on Shutter, when this premieres, I'm telling you, this is a sleeper. This is a fucking great show. I, I enjoy Shutter for five bucks a month. Like, yeah. I, I get a lot out of it. I do too. I do too. Like not everything's great. Not, and I, no. you know, but for the things that I do, like I am, dig- Rebecca, I think you dig this show. I think you would dig this show. That was pretty cool actually. And this- I'm not like a huge zombie fan, but the way that you're presenting it uh, sounds like something I would at least check out. Rebecca, I know you fucking love, you know, fucking, and I do too, badass fucking empowered females that are kicking some ass. Sure. And Darneen Christian as Mihi is fucking awesome. And she's, That's and she's, awesome. and she's learning from this dude, this amazing warrior, Wakanaku uh, Rao, and she's learning from him. And it's very cool. It's a cool relationship that they have. It's a very, I don't know. I think that's what this show, that's what makes this show work to me. Not like, I guess the, the mythology is cool, but you've got to have two actors in here working off one another that, that make this show interesting. And I think like these two actors are just killing it. This is, this is, this is, this show's dope as fuck. I highly recommend the Deadlands on Shutter. I Tupperware the fuck out of it. So, um, I'm, I'm like, see, that's a bad thing about getting screeners for this shit is like, now I've got to wait like three, four weeks before I get a new episode and I'm <laughs> dying to get the next one. Cause I really loved this. Yeah. Uh, once it's out, I'll definitely watch it. Uh, I got one more thing that I'm going to talk about and then I'll pass it off. I know Aaron. Rebecca, you guys probably got some stuff to talk about. I saw Bad Boys for Life. This is the new, uh, this is the third entry in the Bad Boys series. Marcus and Mike have to confront new issues, uh, as they join the newly created elite team ammo of the Miami police, uh, Miami police department to take down the ruthless Armando Armas, the vicious leader of a Miami drug cartel. It's directed by Adil L. Arby, who's directed, uh, episodes of Snowfall on FX. I've heard good things about Snowfall. I haven't watched it. I watched um, some of the first season mm-hmm. um, a while ago, and I just never went back to it. Not for that it was bad. I just did so much to watch, and it, it, it was a good show. Like, I remember liking that first season, and 
I always think every time I hear anyone talk about Snowfall, I always like, oh, I gotta get back to that show. It's at least what I saw. I, I would give it like uh, I would give it like a high taste. It's a very interesting premise, yeah. and it's, it's a period piece. It's a yeah, it's it's a good show though. I've heard really good things about it. Um, this yeah, the, this of course is the third entry into the Bad Boys series, and this one stars Will Smith and Martin Lawrence, and it's not directed by Michael Bay. This is the first Bad Boys movie not directed by Michael Bay. And I think that that was a great decision. Because you have, it's different. I mean, we're not in the, we're not in the late 90s. We're not in the early 2000s. And these characters are older. And I think that we needed a director here who's going to be able to kind of like show that these characters have aged and that they've grown. And to give us a real story here, right? I mean, Michael Bay is, Michael Bay is great at doing action. He's not great at story. Okay. Like let's, let's be honest with ourselves. And I think we all know that Michael Bay can give us some like bombastic fucking action, some great fucking action. But on the flip side, story is lacking when it comes to Michael Bay. Um, that being said, this is the first fucking incredible action movie of 2020. I had a blast watching this movie. Will Smith is fucking incredible in this film. He is so good in this film. It, it, it it's like, it's like that old, it's like that old Will Smith. Like you can tell, like he's, he's aged. He's not, he's not fucking, you know, fr- fucking, he's not the fresh Prince of Bel Air anymore. But he, I, this is a great movie. This is a fantastic action film. There is some spectacular action in this movie. There are twists in this movie. And it really kind of, sh- you know, it, it, it has that story of like, you know, um, they are older and they've got to accept that they're getting older. You've got Martin Lawrence's character who kind of like wants to just, he just wants to retire. He doesn't want to be bad boys for life. But Will Smith is like, he's still driven, still holding on to the past, still trying to be young. Uh, God damn. He dresses so goddamn good in this fucking movie. I was looking at his, I, he had a suit on. <laughs> he had a suit on. And I was just like, God damn, I want that suit. That is a sharp ass motherfucking suit. Like it would change colors like in the light. It was, it was, it was like, you ever see those fish in the water and like they, like when they, when they, when they move, like their gills turn like, like the way the, like light hits their gills, like it changes colors. Like it'll go from like blue to maybe a pink and a purple. You know what I mean? You have no idea what I'm fucking saying right now, do you? Like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. almost like an iridescent. Yeah, Will Smith wears a suit like that, and I was like, God damn it, I love, that. I love that suit. <laughs> that suit is sharp as shit. You know who wore a suit like that was Jared Leto's Joker. Yeah, this was like a candy pink. <laughs> Let's try to keep this upbeat, though. You know, <laughs> but. Bad Boys for Life is a fucking Tupperware. It is really funny. Martin Lawrence and Will Smith have great chemistry in this. Will Smith is fantastic. Martin Lawrence's facial expressions are fucking hilarious. 
and I I really enjoyed this movie. My audience had a great time. I laughed out loud. I fucking I I seriously laughed my ass off. There's a a bunch of scenes in this movie that are just fucking hysterical. Um, a lot of there's a scene on a plane that's pretty funny. Um, I. I Tupperware the fuck out of Bad Boys for Life. I think it was really good. Will Smith is fantastic. Um, Bad Boys 4 is happening. They've got the same writer who worked on this movie, Chris Bremner. He's going to be writing Bad Boys 4. That's happening. The Hollywood Reporter reported that this week. And then also, he's also writing National Treasure 3. That's fucking happening. We're getting Nicolas Cage in National Treasure 3. That's happening. Holy shit. That's fucking happening. Mm. So that's Those all. Those are I'd... definitely guilty pleasure movies for me. The National Treasure movies—they're good. I think they're yeah. good. I think the first two are fucking good. And honestly, like even Bad Boys, Bad Boys one and two are fucking really good movies. People yeah, can, they're fun. People can shit on Michael Bay all they want to, but honestly, if you go back and watch those old Michael Bay movies, they're fucking fun. That's like '90s. That's like '90s time capsule bullshit. Like The Rock and fucking Armageddon, all that shit. It's they're fun movies. Um. I think, I think they're, I think like Michael Bay, like his movies are made for like teenage boys. <laughs> so, but, oh, yeah. Yeah. but, um, yeah, I thought, I thought that this one was, uh, was really good. I thought it was a really good action movie. This fucking, the, the villain in this movie, goddamn, like they show him doing like, um, some martial arts moves and fighting at the beginning. And I was just like, fuck, sign this guy up for a John Wick film. Sign this guy up for a fucking raid film or some shit. This guy is fucking incredible. But, um, Aaron, what do you got? Uh, I haven't been doing much. I've been watching a lot of anime. I got caught up on Demon Slayer. Have you finished the season? I finished the season. Yes. I, I really liked it. Uh, it definitely, like, there was a couple of points where it slowed down a little bit for me and I kind of got annoyed at some of the characters, uh, namely the guy with the orange costume. But they, it, dude, dude, when they show him, the, the, I know, the guy that fucking whines and goes crazy over girls, but like when they show him and he fucking like goes into that tr- state that he goes into, that's, oh, yeah. That shit was cool. Yeah, it definitely, like, once he goes and he blacks out and then yes. he's, like, actually good, he's awesome. But my favorite character is the guy with the boar head. Yeah. He's so good. Yeah, very cool. Like, I, I love when at the, that last episode they're getting their new swords <laughs> and the one dude's uh, blacksmith's, like, super pissed and, like, beat him up. And then his is like, well, I'm new and I've made you these new swords. And then he fucking starts breaking them, like, chipping them with the rocks. So it, would, so it would look, yeah. like, all jagged like he had it on his old sword. Yeah. Yeah. And I like how that that, that sweet old woman... Is so nice to him, and he fucking yeah. wants to fight her and kill her and all this shit. Uh, so I watched that. I really liked it. Uh, and I just finished uh, Fire Force as well, which oh. I also really enjoyed. I need to get back on Fire Force. I think I got like four episodes in on that one. It was it was really cool. Have you been? I, but I've been I've been trying to finish Vinland Saga. So I started that as well. Yeah. Uh, during my recovery, and I got like twelve episodes. Or, Maybe eight or nine episodes in, and it's really good. It's fucking so good. But Fire Force, uh, how many episodes did that go in the first season? I think the same, like 26 yeah. in the normal anime season. Yeah. Um, 
It's real good too, but I, I need to finish Vinland Saga. Now that I think about it, I it's just I don't watch Prime a lot, so yeah. And when I get on, I end up going to Shutter anyways because I'm always in a horror mood. Yep. So, um, but yeah, I've been watching that. Um, you mentioned uh, M Night Shyamalan yesterday earlier. Yeah. Okay. Uh, earlier, and I I saw a random YouTube video that was someone uh, trying to build a case that signs. The Happening and After Earth are a trilogy, hmm. and if you watch it that way, uh, The Happening is less shitty because it's – the way he said it was Signs was the alien race coming here to begin testing of a chemical weapon that then they unleash in The Happening and then After Earth is after that obviously. And that's why in After Earth you have to have no fear uh, like because – what triggers people to kill themselves in the happening is fear. So it's it's it was just an interesting video. I mean the happening is a terrible movie, so is yeah. science and so is fucking after it, so um fuck M Night Shyamalan. Huh. Um, I don't know. Dude, watch Servant though. Like I'm not even kidding oh, yeah. you. Like uh I don't know. If you can if like yeah, if you can get like a free week of that Apple Plus have you watched anything on Apple Plus TV? I don't have it. If you, I, I know there's a deal, like, if you fucking, like, uh, upgrade your phone and get a new, like, uh, iPhone, they'll give you a free year of, uh, Apple TV or some shit. Okay. But, um, yeah. I pay, like, five bucks a month for it. But you can get, like, seven days free. For All Mankind, it was my f- favorite show of 2019. It's incredible. Um, and then, uh, Servant is incredible. And I'm still watching – I'm like two episodes behind on the Octavia Spencer Aaron Paul show, uh, truth be told. But I think Apple – I think Apple TV Plus is pretty legit. I'm, I've been more impressed with that than fucking all the shit that I've gotten from Disney Plus so far. Sorry. Sorry, everybody. I mean Disney Plus – like Mandalorian's awesome, but like I need more. I need more original sh- – uh, fucking the Jeff Goldblum show got – Renewed for a second season. So we'll, have, we'll get to watch Jeff Goldblum next season talk about lamps or something. I mean, <laughs> you know, goddamn. Uh, Jeff Goldblum talking about fucking, I'm, I'm going to talk about, uh, igloo coolers for season. Like, come on. <laughs> give me a fucking break. Are you kidding me? Not two episodes Ooh, let's, season three, uh, a whole, a whole 30 minutes on cupboards. Oh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, I haven't watched any Disney Plus after Mandalorian. I have, I'm, I don't know. I, I watched, uh, I watched one episode of the Jeff Goldblum thing and I watched The Rocketeer and that's it. <laughs> and then The Mandalorian and that's all. Yeah. I, uh, I just, I, I play a lot more video games than I do watching stuff. So I have trouble, like, that's why I watch a lot of anime, uh, cause I can do, they're like 20 minute episodes. So I watch them. On my lunch break, and I usually watch one when I get home, um, just to get ahead. Because I'm also caught up on My Hero Academia, which is oh fuck, great. I'm still I'm still making my way through season two on that. So oh man, it's yeah. If it didn't grab you by then, you might it might not be the type mm. of show you're into because it's definitely no. I fucking love it, dude. It. It's just I fucking I, I there's so, dude doing this show. I have to watch so much shit. 
And then on the flip side, I'm like watching <laughs> Family Matters. So. <laughs> uh, no, I love My Hero Academia. I do love it. It's just I just I do need to catch up on it. Did you watch? Did you watch? Um, um. The Neverland show, what was it called? Oh, um, Promise Neverland? The Promise Neverland on, and uh, it was on Hulu. I'm like, I'm like four episodes in. It's crazy. It's fucking really good. Yeah, I'll finish it. I just, I, I was watching, I don't like to be week to week, so I yeah. usually try to wait till they're done, but then, you know, now I'm like caught up to my hero, I'm caught up to Fire Force, and I'm kind of bummed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I need to I, fuck, I need to get back on Fire Force. I, I was blown away by Fire Force as far as like, all of a sudden, like, these people are just, they kind of just, like, what is it, like, what do they call that shit? Fucking spontaneous, uh, spontaneous combustion. combustion. Yeah. And and so, but it's, like, it's, like, real people that turn into, like, instead of spontaneous combustion where you just burn up and die, it's, like, spontaneous yeah. combustion where they turn into, like, these fire demons. And then I was really kind of, like, it was emotional, like, when you had, like, that old man talking about, like, you know, thank you for putting my loved one out of their misery. I was just like, damn, that's that's powerful shit. Yeah, and then they do the latum, the little prayer. Yeah, uh, it's it's good. And it, it uh, if you want, I mean, if if you have interest, it's now the time to finish it because it's done for the season, so you mm-hmm. get the whole thing. And it yeah. it goes in some crazy directions. They there's a lot of really cool characters you get introduced to, and you start to see a lot more of like. There's a lot going on in that world. It's not just that the firefighters are all one unified force. There's all different chapters of it, basically. Like they're what are they called? It's they're number eight, but they're uh, it's units. They're the different units, and each unit is uh, separate from each other, and they're all doing weird shit and they fight. It's it's cool. I'll check it out. Yeah, I gotta finish Vinland Saga because I'm like really into that right now. And then once I do that, I'll I'll start. Fire Force, because I, I did like that show. But uh, let's take a break. We'll come back, and we'll, uh, we're will we going to skip news, and we're just going to jump straight to Marvel news. Okay. Because oh, cool. I, I want to wrap this shit up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. We'll be right back. Hi. I sound like Morgan Freeman. I bet most of you do some online shopping with Amazon. It's just so easy. I myself logged in today to buy adult diapers. No, I'm not embarrassed. I have zero shame. And I really don't give a fuck what you think. I'm at that age. You'll get here too one day. And don't think that you won't, you naive asshat. One day you too will be just like Jamie Lee Curtis and shitting your body weight and Dan and yogurt, and the next thing you know, you'll be on Amazon ordering adult diapers saying, holy shit, that freckled face fucker was right. Anyway, the whole point of this is to tell you that popcultureleftovers.com has an Amazon shopping link. What that means is when you click on the link from their website, it helps the show. It doesn't charge you extra at all. You just shop like you regularly would, and Amazon takes care of the rest. It's easy and convenient, just like these diapers. I literally blew up this diaper while recording this ad. Hashtag truth. 
All right, we're back. Hey, Rebecca, I forgot. Uh, I, I know you had good pop, bad pop for uh, you've been doing a rewatch of Star Trek Discovery. Star Trek Voyager. Oh, Voyager, my bad. Fuck. No, it's all good. Uh, yeah, that's uh, it's not anything that's super new. Actually, uh, Voyager just celebrated its 25th anniversary of premiering. Um, so yeah, I've been doing a series rewatch. I'm just starting season four. Um, so this is when the character Kess leaves the show and they pick up seven of nine and um start transforming her from a Borg back to a human. Um yeah, you know, this is um this is one of my favorite uh Trek series. I, I love TNG, I love original series. I also love DS9. I I know not everybody does, but um Voyager's a lot of fun to revisit. You know, there's a lot of um there's a lot of great scenes with, you know, Kate Mulgrew as Captain Janeway. And um, there's a lot of fun they can have with, like, uh, you know, brand new aliens in the Delta Quadrant. You know, and so for anyone that maybe doesn't remember completely the premise of Voyager, this is when uh, the USS Voyager gets thrown or gets pulled into the Delta Quadrant by a um, by an alien entity called the, the, the Caretaker. And there are 70,000 light years away from Federation space. It's going to take them 70 years at maximum warp to get home. So it's the story of them trying to get home. What, one of the things, and I know Neil, you've been watching the series too, but yeah. like w- w- one of the things that people complain about, and I think now on this rewatch, I do st- definitely kind of start to agree with them is, um, there's so many side missions. There's so many, <laughs> let's stop and explore this nebula. Let's stop and explore this planet. Let's stop and explore because they are Federation and they are, you know, Star Trek people. So they're going to investigate, but it, it really holds them. It, it really definitely plays into the, how believable is this that they, you know, they're so anxious to get home, but they're just like sort of taking their time to get home. But, um, I still love the show and, you know, I'm so excited about Picard. I just been like watching a lot of Star Trek, but yeah, I think you're, Same you're ahead here. of me, Neil, in, in your rewatch. Yeah. Uh, Voyager has always been my least favorite of the Trek shows. Um, okay. and I'm appreciating it a lot more this time around, uh, because I do have a focus on certain episodes that I'm, that are more seven centric, uh, in the later seasons. Um, because she is going to be on Picard and there's a lot of really fun stuff in here. Uh, and I, I one thing I've really been noticing that I am appreciating this time around is, uh, the camera work I think is probably the most advanced out of all of mm. the Trek shows. There's a lot of really nice low angle shots. Um, and they do a lot of really interesting, uh, stuff technically, uh, for making a show, which I am really, really appreciating this time around. That's cool. Yeah, I um I have to say like the idea of Seven, like how they get her back or how how they get her from the board mm-hmm. ship and then they disconnect her from the from the collective and then she's basically become starts to become human and you know, from like season 4 on, it really the the, the focus of the show, a lot of episodes focus on Seven of Nine. Mm-hmm. Um which, you know, years later, you know, you read about how like Kate Mulgrew really did not get along with Jerry Ryan. Um, 
mostly because she was like, I'm being replaced as the focus of the show by a younger woman. and Which she was. Which she was. And, you know, Jerry Ryan was like, I'm just here to do a job. Like, yeah. you know, it's nice to know that here, you know, 25 years later, the two actors have both said that, you know, it's been so long ago, they've absolutely made up and buried the hatchet and they're, mm-hmm. you know, get along much better now. And, um, but yeah, you know, the, I, and I always felt like it was such a shame that they, they didn't pursue the Janeway Chakotay love story. Like they really yeah. hinted at it in the early seasons and then they really, it just went nowhere. And then seven came on board and everybody wanted to, you know, everybody <laughs> was all about seven and her big boobs and her tight cat suit. Like that's what it was all about on that show. But yeah, yeah I, I get it. You know, they, they, they poured her into that, that suit. And even, even I used Jerry to call Kyle, her, I used to call her 60 of nine. Okay. <laughs> of yeah. course you did. <laughs> no, even, I mean, even now, Jerry Ryan said that she hated those suits; that they were so tight, she, she she couldn't barely breathe in those things. God bless um, her. God bless. <laughs> <laughs> she uh, she was married to a uh, a politician mm-hmm. who got in trouble for trying to get her to have group sex and. Yep. Shit like that. Yeah, he did some pretty gross stuff uh, yeah. without her consent. Like that was yeah. the thing. She was like, "No, I'm not into it." And he was like, "Cool, cool, but what if we did it anyway?" And uh, <laughs> he should have got. Yeah. With, he should have got uh, with. Uh, he should have been dating that chick from Smallville. Yeah, for real. <laughs> for real. Though. Dude, <laughs> yeah, there's a the great cult. podcast about that cult, uh, escaping Nexium. If you need. Oh, for real? To, uh, to listen <laughs> oh to. Yeah, it's, a, it's like a six-part series, so it's it's a short listen, but it's good. It's fascinating. Oh god, yeah, I'm I'm so fascinated by that whole story <laughs> with that actor, but yeah, um, I I of course you know leading up to Picard getting you know getting getting sort of my fix of Seven of Nine, uh, her her progression of her character from the beginning until the end of the show. And I cannot wait to see what they have in store for her, her storyline, you know, in Picard. Um, I think it's really interesting to put her in the show. And um, obviously there's going to be a lot of Borg stuff in Picard. Uh, you know, they, they've made that clear. But so to have her in it and being such a badass, like, I just, oh, I can't wait to that see That shot it. of her with the two guns, man. Dude, oh. I, I could watch that on the loop and call that an episode. Like, that's so good. Like, she just looks great. Um, and ha- how exciting for the cast, like, of, Voy- of Voyager. You know, here we are 25 years later. A lot of those actors who were in Voyager, they weren't, like, particularly Trek fans. You know, like mm-hmm. um, Roxanne Dawson, who played Bellana. Uh, Robert Beltran, Robert Beltran tried to get written off the show like every week. Mm. He did not, he, he basically wow. was like, he took it as a job. He didn't think it would last. Um, and he and was like, did. and then it <laughs> did. And then, you know, so some of those actors were like, oh, this is just a job. But then some of them, like Robert Picardo, uh, Tim Russ, who played Tuvok, big Star Trek fans, you know, and for them, it was like, oh my God, I'm on a Star Trek show. You know, they, you know, it was like super exciting for them. So yeah, really interesting to watch the show again with new eyes and in the light of Picard coming out with seven of nine's character, 
you know, I, I don't think we'll see, like, I don't think they'll bring Chakotay in, which is fine. You know, I don't need to see every character from the, the previous Star Trek series show up in Picard. But I, I'm interested to see what Seven of Nine does. it Because certainly in the trailer, they've shown her it's much more human looking. Mm-hmm. Like, she's really tapped into that. She's much less Borg. Uh, I mean, it's been, you know, a long time since Voyager. So, yeah, um... So I, I'm enjoying my rewatch. I still talk where the whole series. I think there are some outstanding episodes. Like I think the Q episodes are. I I, I love Q. Always. Like I, I I always Q, love a Q episode. John Delancey is a fucking genius when it comes oh, to that character. Yeah, he's a he's another guy who like embraced that mm-hmm. character. Like. And said, this character has become a cult favorite, a fan favorite, and he just leaned into it. And, sure. and just like, yeah. Uh, so yeah, the, uh, there's, there's some really great, there's one where, um, I just saw the one where he tries to convince Captain Janeway to have a baby with him because she wants to like inject new life into the Q continuum. So the whole episode, he's trying to woo her and he's just being, it's so nineties. Like the things mm-hmm. he's saying to her, some of it is super cringy and I'm just like, Oh, gross. But then, uh, it's so cute then also too. Yeah. It's just, it's just great. But, uh, yeah, season, uh, series rewatch of Voyager's going, going along. Um, I don't think I'll finish it before Picard, but I, I'll probably still be watching it after Picard starts that's anyway, so. Been, uh, that's why I've been picking and choosing the episodes. Oh, you're I jumping really ahead. Watch. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like watching, I, I don't know, an episode and then a skipping maybe two and then watching another one. Basically going through the, the synopses of which ones which are, are seven, seven centric because I want to get more of a, a grasp on her character. Gotcha. This, the show. Yeah, I, I I still love it. I still love Voyager. Like now, na- like now, what what would you rate it, Neil? Because like before, it was like not your favorite, but now I mean, it's still not my favorite. Um, it's definitely better now than it, mm-hmm. than I remember it being at when I first was watching it. Um, and especially because I am jumping, I'm skipping the bad episodes, right? Which I know there are many of of all the series. Sure. Uh, but it's, it's definitely, like, like technically, I, I'm appreciating it, appreciating it a lot more than I ever did before. And it's, it's, I think it's the best out of all the pre-discovery series at, at manipulating the camera and, and doing different things with, with kind of the tone set by, uh, the technical, technical aspects. And I, I'm really, really appreciating that aspect mm-hmm. of it. Cool. Yeah, so that's uh, that's what I've been watching. He did. It's all on Netflix too. Like you can watch all mm-hmm. the Star Trek series on Netflix. Yeah, you want to know? Neil didn't even really... Neil didn't even rate it, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's still a taste it for me. There you go. Go ahead. Want to know a really cool fact about uh, Star Trek Voyager? Sure. Sure. When I was in seventh grade, it came out on TV, uh, and we would watch it in my Earth Science class. And I got my very first hand job watching that show <laughs> in science class. That's not a fact. That's an anecdote. It's a fact. It's a fact. Yeah, it shows up. It shows up on IMDb. It shows up on the Wikipedia page. Eric Claude Miller got a hand job watching this episode. Oh my god! You want to know how it happened? I told a girl I had a small dick because I just used to say it to everybody. Because why not? And she just reached her hand in my pants, and I was like, well, I mean, YOLO, dude, you're already there. And <laughs> Captain Janeway was on TV with her deep-ass voice. Oh, boy. 
So if you ever need someone to touch your dick, just tell them it's small. It's uh, they, they're not scared of it if it's if you wow. say it's small. Wow! <laughs> just don't tell anyone about your dick. Hashtag just don't literally never tell anyone about your dick. The more you know, thirty years. Of, <laughs> I think is it, is it didn't the more you know come out in nineteen ninety? It's been like thirty years of the more you yeah. know now. Yeah. Yeah. Great story, Aaron. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> let's move into let's move into Marvel news. We're gonna jump into Marvel news, straight into Marvel news. Um I've got uh a Marvel email here from Ryan Jennings. He says, uh hey leftovers, I saw a breakdown of the Black Widow trailer and noticed in one of the scenes it appeared Natasha was holding vials of pim particles. Uh then today Funko announced the Black Widow pop lineup and one of her pops, she is holding the pim particle. What do you think she could be doing with this? Uh, with this movie taking place before the events of Thanos, I can't imagine it would involve any sort of quantum time traveling. Would be interested to hear what you guys think. So, yeah, um, I, I, I did some research and I looked and I saw, I did see the Funko Pop holding. Are we sure, Rebecca, Neil, Aaron, are we sure that this, that these are pin particles? Is this 100% Confirmed that it's pim pim particles that she's holding. I hadn't uh, seen anything. I I've seen the picture of the Funko Pop. I've seen the pictures that are stills from the trailer. I have yet to read an article or read anything official that says she is holding a vial of pim particles. I I. It looks like a vial of pim particles, but it could just as easily be a vial of vitamin drops. Like I, I don't know what it is. Well, I mean, it could be super soldier serum. Like, yeah, Th- there's that too. Like, it, it could be super soldier serum. If it is pim particles, like, let's just say it is. If it is, I. <sighs> Here, okay, here's my fear. My fear is that they're going to take, and I don't think that Marvel really do this, so hopefully this is not the case at all. Like, if you're going to have pimp particles to travel back in time, what other reason would you have to do that if not to somehow bring Natasha back? No. A different uh-uh. Natasha back or to no. change something in... But I, I don't I don't know what it would have to do with the movie if they are pim particles. If they're pim particles, and here's what I'm thinking: if they are pim particles, like like imagine if pim particles, you know, got into the wrong hands, you know, like and that was part of Ant Man. Darren Cross, the villain, he played Yellow Jacket. He was wanting to sell pim uh, pim particles to Hydra, and. In Captain America Civil War, we find out that Hydra has different factions in Russia, which a lot of this movie is going to be taking place in, Black Widow. Mm. Why would Russia be interested in pin particles? And I'm not saying time travel. I'm saying think about it. They've got these black this Black Widow program. What if you could – get a hold of pim particles and you're training, you know, women in the black widow program. What if your spies and assassins that you're sending out could also 
kill you and then basically shrink and disappear and be gone. Mm. Right? I mean, right. Think about that. Like, I, I, I mean, is that part of this? Um, what I, if they shrunk nukes down and then brought them over here and <laughs> made them big again and exploded them? Think about that. Oh God! What if they could? What if they could take your shitty fucking theories <laughs> and enlarge them into something that would make sense? Like what? No, I'm saying like. They could, I mean, there's a lot that they could do with the PIM cart particles at the end of the day. Um, this movie might be, you know, Natasha just trying to recover, like recover PIM particles in Russia. Try, like they've been stolen. She wants to re- recover them. Will she? Won't she? And I mean, Jake said last week that he doesn't think that this movie is going to affect the Marvel universe as much as Feige says it will. I think it will. I do at the end of the day. I think like a lot of this is going to be stuff that they're going to be dealing with going forward in the Marvel cinematic universe. I think that this could usher in, you know, some big bads into the Marvel universe. Um, I think it's more likely that this could somehow tie into the Shang-Chi movie. This movie might tie into like the 10 ring story. But it also, I mean, if we wanted to go crazy with this, if we are going to go time travel with pin particles, like this could bring in, this could bring in Kang the Conqueror. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, or, or think about this later on down the road, like Russia gets the pin particles and ends up selling them to Dr. Doom. You know, Dr. Doom gets his hands on it. I, I mean, I think that I do think that this movie is going to be a big fucking deal at the end of the day. In the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, it's easy to say Doctor Strange, but the, the, you know, you know, the, in the multiverse of madness, it's, yes, it's gonna be a big movie. Eternals is gonna be big. Did you guys read the Eternals synopsis this week? No. Mm -mm. No. Yeah, it's, it's it's alright. I mean, the, the synopsis for the Eternals film came out and all it really did was kind of like confirm that they're, Villains are going to be the deviants. Okay. So, and and that's part of like the comic, like that's their villains, the deviants. These, it's a race of humanoids that they call themselves the changing people or the deviants, and that's they're kind of like, uh, you know, you've got the Eternals who are kind of like beautiful, and then you've got the deviants who are. You know, they're hideous creatures and they fight against them. So I, you know, I don't, <laughs> yeah, there's not yeah, a lot. As far as the uh, pictures you, you, you sent us of, of the pim particle or whatever that it is yeah. in the Funko pop, it definitely looks like a vial of pim particles mm-hmm. in the picture for the still from the movie. It looks like, I mean, I guess it could be a bunch of vials in a row, but it almost looks like a, just a square piece of, of something or other that happens to be the same color. Yeah. Like, I, that's the thing is like, do we know a hundred percent that these are even pin particles at yeah. the end of the day? It could be, it could be like Russia's version of the, of the super soldier serum. You know, like when, when they tried to make a super soldier serum possibly for like Red Guardian, you know, mm-hmm. like we don't know what it is. Yeah. 
We have no fucking idea. I think it'll, it'll be part of the story though. Somebody is trying yeah. to get whatever those vials, whatever in those vials, it's important. It's important to that movie and somebody's trying to get it and she's trying to stop them from getting mm-hmm. it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a Funko Pop out of it, so of yeah. course it's going to be somewhat important, at least, to the movie. Yeah. Um, let's see here. I don't know. There was a, there was a, they were talking about Moon Knight, the Moon Knight. Did you guys see this article about Moon Knight's working title and storyline revealed? It's, it's, I don't know. This is from The Extend, which sounds like a boner pill. That's... <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. I was trying to drink when he said that. <laughs> Sorry. But there's uh, there, things are already happening behind the scenes with Moon Knight. There's also been rumored names that are up for the casting of Mark Spector. Now Production Weekly has an update on the working title, which could indicate some sort of direction for the series, which within the uh, confines of the MCU. Production Weekly has updated various things that are going into production. The big one that catches everybody's attention is the production title Spectre Corp Productions, from which we get Spectre Corp. It is a company owned by Mark Spectre, a.k.a. Moon Knight. And this is rather important because it hints towards what the story is going to be meaning. The title Spectre Court Productions hints, uh, toward comic, uh, toward the comic book from the comics. It looks like he's going to be a businessman and owns Spectre Corporation alongside. He is somewhat a crazy Batman because he uses Spectre Corporation to fund all his gadgets and things. So that's the big reveal. This is the direction they're going to go with. It would certainly make sense because I don't think they want to just focus on this one aspect of the character, which is just violence. I don't, there's more to the character than that. Like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like the, um, what is it? The, the, the DID, the dissociative identity disorder that they've kind of introduced into the comic books. Like that's a whole thing that they've introduced. Um, yeah. Cause he has three main alter egos. Yeah. One is Mark Spector. One is a taxi driver named Jake. Um, I can't remember the other one, but yeah, DID is definitely a big part of that character. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm still, I can't believe it. It's like, it, we're getting these announcements of a, like, uh, Marvel's going nuts with these fucking, <laughs> with these Marvel shows. We're getting so many announced. She-Hulk, Moon Knight, we're getting a Ms. Marvel, um, and I'm still waiting for like the next DC Universe fucking show. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, you know, like, I, I, I know we're getting Titan season three and that's it. You know, it's like the only, I'm tuning in every Friday to DC Universe to watch the new episode of Harley Quinn and that's it. Yeah. I never got DC Universe. I knew I probably wasn't going to be having anything to watch. I, eventually I'll watch Titans when it's like done, but. I don't know. Till then, it just seems like a wasted money. I yeah. I like at this point, I don't know why I have it, dude. <laughs> I signed up. I like they gave me that like early bird special, and I was like, yeah, I'm saving money, and and then, <laughs> and then <laughs> saving money for shit. I know, and it's 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 been a huge letdown. DC News this week, guys. Um, cast members from Matt Reeves, the Batman, have been talking about their characters in the film. 
this comes from Dark Horizons. According, uh, appearing at the TCA press tour this week to promote the upcoming High Fidelity TV series, uh, Zoe Kravitz discussed her excitement to show off a new version of Selena Kyle, Catwoman, one that will serve as the feminine yang to Batman's muscul- uh, masculine yang. She tells Variety, I think Catwoman Selena Kyle represents really strong femininity, and, and I'm excited to dive into that. I think femininity represents power, and I think it's a different kind of power than masculine power. That's something that's really interesting about Batman and Catwoman. I think Batman represents a very kind of masculine power, and Catwoman represents very feminine power, slightly more complicated and softer, too. I like the idea that you can be soft, you can be gentle, and still be very powerful and still be very dangerous. These quotes suck. Christ. (laughs) Jesus Christ, these quotes are shit. Oh, my God. Who the fuck told her to say this crap? I mean, she's just saying... No. Nothing. She's excited, but she's just saying nothing at the same time. It's one of those nothing. Batman has that. a penis and is very masculine, but Catwoman has a vagina, is a little bit softer and feminine. Well, come on, give me some, give me something better than this. These are just bullshit. This is like not giving away anything. <laughs> maybe that's the point. Yeah, maybe they're like. It's probably one of those things she said it as like just in passing, and they're like, "This is the big quote that for our article." Like, <laughs> she probably was just you know trying to compose her thoughts, and they were like, "This is where her exact fucking <laughs> statements on her character," and now we're all shitting all over. Pattinson said he was talking with Empire Magazine. He said, "I'm surprised he just doesn't come out and say my character's more masculine." <laughs> Mar- <laughs> yeah. And I have hair on my chest in this one. Uh, he goes, uh, the only thing that's more complicated is the rating. As soon as you make something an R-rated movie, you're freed up to do so much stuff. In terms of the character itself, I want to push it as far as it possibly can go. And I think Matt Reeves does as well. You can do crazy stuff with that part. Um... Yeah, I don't know, man... I- I'm really excited for this movie. I am too. I, I'm, I'm excited for it too. Just not these quotes. <laughs> these, I don't know. Like I, I don't like with Zoe Kravitz's quotes. Like I don't get a feel of like what her. I do. I guess I do get a feel of like what her Catwoman's going to be, and it, it sounds. It basically it sounds to me like she's just going to use. It's going to be. It's going to be like the Catwoman that's going to use a little bit of her. Does it sound like to you like she's going to use her sexuality? No, it, it sounds more like she's going to use her power as a woman, not necessarily tied to her being a sexual being. I don't know, man. It's like I don't because he, I mean, women she, obviously have. He's talking. She's talking about like how he's using a different kind of power, masculine power, but she's using strong femininity. Yeah, which that, doesn't necessarily translate into being pure sexuality. It always has when it has. It, it always has with Catwoman, though. It has in in or the maybe movies going for something a little different. I don't see. I don't see anything different from those fucking quotes, though. It's, well, it's hard to. It's hard to. That quote tells me that what she's saying is. I'm going to use my sexuality 
as a woman to get to work against Batman and with him, but I'm not going to be sexualized. I think that's what she's trying to say. Because I do think there's a difference between sexy and sexualized or being sensual and sexualized. I think that she... That's that's what I take from it. But it seems very like they definitely are going to lean into the sexual tension between Batman and Catwoman here. As they should. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, as, as they should. I agree. I think that that's a big part of the character. Um, but yeah, I don't... I, it's, the, the quotes are ridiculous. Like, why say anything if you're gonna say nothing? Yeah, it's like, like, I, I guess I, I, I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot of nothing in these quotes, sadly. (laughs) It's like, she's talking about, like, how she's got this feminine power and it's, it's softer, but it's still dangerous and it's, and it's like, I, I'm still not picking up what you're putting down. Like I don't Where understand. Where did come from? The she was talking. She was doing. I guess she's High Fidelity, the TV series. Um, her mom was in the High Fidelity movie mm-hmm. with John Cusack. I guess she's doing the High Fidelity TV series. She was talking. Uh, she was appearing at the TCA press tour, and these were quotes that she was given. Hmm. And she basically, like. God. And I don't know. I think there's, there, Catwoman is such a strange character anyway to like, it's hard not to, and I'm just, I'm just being honest, it's hard not to sexualize Catwoman because she's in a fucking cat suit. <laughs> Can I just mm-hmm. be, seriously. No, no, but, but you're, I remember, you're wrong, I remember watching, wrong. I remember fucking, I seriously think that fucking Catwoman ushered me into puberty as a child on watching. Oh, dude. Same. I mean, see, dude, there's something seriously sexy about a woman in a cat suit that is, I was a young boy and I was just like, oh my God, what is going on with my penis? Well, especially because <laughs> she's a powerful woman too and she doesn't like, she, she uses her sexuality as a weapon rather than as a, from a place of vulnerability. And it, there's something very, very, very powerful about how she uses what she's been given. Um, and that's, that's definitely very sexy. Well, I mean, I, when you see like, you know, these actors playing the character in the movies and the TV shows and they're purring and they're licking their hands and all this stuff. And it's just like, I'm, I'm sorry. I like, Oh, yeah, it's like cats, the movie. Yeah, no, it's nothing like that. Jellical <laughs> cats, dude. I know. Cats. If you're, I don't know. If if you, oh, oh Rebel Wilson, stop with your <laughs> James Corden. No, they're, they're, okay. A fucking a, a woman in a fucking skin tight leather suit dressed as a cat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. I I get it. I understand. Yeah. I have to feel for these actors a little bit because they're probably asked the same goddamn questions over and over again. And eventually they're just going to be like, ah, fuck it. I'll say something. And then that's the one that gets publicized. Right. I don't think there's anything wrong with what she's saying, but I think it's very vague. There, it, it's all fluff and no substance to what she's is what she's saying, and that's that's the thing. Is like 
So you're publishing this official quote from the actor playing this character in an official magazine on an official blog and blah, 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 blah. But it's not saying anything. So it's like, what, what does it even mean? <laughs> like, it's, I don't know. It, I loved how Anne Hathaway played the character, to be quite honest with you. Mm. Yeah, me too. I think yeah. Anne Hathaway did a, a great yeah, job. If you I didn't look, like the movie, but I liked her portrayal. I love the fucking movie. I don't give a fuck what anybody says about <laughs> No, I don't. I don't give a fuck. I will fucking stand up and be like, I love The Dark Knight Rises. I know everybody hates that fucking I fucking loved it. It's the underdog story. We got fuck, I liked it. I loved it. I, you got Batman, and he's fucking he past his fucking prime. He, he's past his prime. And... You know, he's fucking basically given up. He's retired. And it's, it's that story of like the, the, the washed up guy who's past his prime that fucking comes back, puts a suit on one last time. I, I love that scene where it's like, you know, like he hasn't been in the game for years and you've got new cops on the fucking force that haven't seen Batman. They've heard about him. They maybe seen videos. And then all of a sudden, like, they've enca- they're encountering him. And, you know, like, you've got, like, the old cop on the force telling the younger guy, like, oh, God, that, it's him. It's fucking him. And he's, he's on that fucking bat cycle again. And you hear that fucking, that music that we hear in the Nolan films. Bum, bum, dum, dum, dum. And I'm just like, oh, my God. And he's fucking on the bike and he's fucking back. And I, I love it. I fucking love that movie. Cause it's like, I don't know. It's kind of like, uh, like a Rocky film, you know, like this Rocky, he's always the kind of like the underdog in any fight that he went into, you know, every fight that Rocky went into, he's the underdog. And I felt like that's where Batman was. We're not looking at the fucking Batman that was fucking in the dark night. That was fucking in his goddamn prime. We're looking at Batman. He's fucking way past his prime. And he's taking on like a guy who's like physically so much stronger than him. And I can talk about this all day. It's not going to change your fucking mind. And you're still going to think the movie's shit. But I, I fucking love it. I, and it's, it's, I, this is the most unpopular opinion ever. But Dark Knight Rises is my favorite out of the three. <laughs> it's, a, it's, I know, I know. I love Dark Knight Rises is my favorite. And then I will take Batman Begins as my second favorite. And The Dark Knight is my third favorite. Even though I fucking think Jared, uh, fucking Heath Ledger's, uh, performance, excuse me, as the Joker is incredible. I fucking, as far as the stories are, I know it's, it's blasphemy and you don't have to agree with me and most people well, don't. I think the thing is, the, the thing that people hold on to for Dark Knight is Heath Ledger. So yeah. I, I, I would agree with you there that maybe it's not the best, like they, they the missed first- a couple shots on that movie. Like, uh, Two-Face was completely wasted. Oh God. Uh, like there was no reason to even have Harvey Dent become Two-Face in that mm-hmm. film. No, nope. agreed. First two thirds of the movie are great. Once Two Face becomes a thing, it's no longer as good. Yeah. I hope Matt Reeves the Batman is great though, and I know everybody's freaking out about all the different fucking villains that are going to be in the movie, and I hope that he can make it work. I hope he can make it work because there are going to be a lot of villains in this movie. We're getting Paul Dano as the Riddler. We're getting Colin Farrell as the Penguin. I. I know we're getting Catwoman, and I'm sure that they might even sh- throw in more of Batman's rogues gallery into this movie. I think Harvey Dent, didn't they say, ooh, who was it that they were saying is Harvey Dent? They, oh my god, I just oh, fucking man. read this shit. Yeah, there was just something about this actually the other day. 
Uh, I don't want to type. He right now posted. Uh, didn't Matt Reeves post something about it, or or, or the actor who's playing Harvey Dent posted something on, about it. it? Yeah. I know that uh, Paul Dano is playing the Riddler. Yeah, Paul Dano is playing the Riddler. John Turturro is playing Carmine Falcone, and right. Jeffrey Wright's playing Gordon. Jeffrey Wright's playing Gordon. Oh, and people think Peter Skarsgård is going to be uh, Harvey Dent. Uh, Harvey Dent. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Uh, An interesting choice. Because yeah. he's un uh, he's unnamed his role. Well, there was a recent tweet or something or on Instagram where I think it was the real life girlfriend of whoever's they think is playing Harvey Dent. Like half of this guy's face, they did something with in like this hmm. picture. And so everybody's speculating that this actor's two face. God damn it! I wish I had. I would have paid more attention to that. I'm fucking seven, eight beers in. So I <laughs> have you have you heard that the uh, I guess there's a thing about um, the long Halloween is going to be a big influence on I've, the film. I've heard that, too. Yeah. I've heard that, too. Yeah. Which I mean, if 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 you've got these many th- this many characters in it, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Right. Fuck. Yeah. So, yeah. Maybe we'll do Hush at some point. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be Hush or not. Like, that's been another thing. I, I think it's going to be, uh, yeah. Brian, is it Alex Ferns from Chernobyl? I don't know. That's the other guy they're saying might have, he's another unnamed role, and I just wonder if that jump out at you. No, that didn't jump okay. out at me. Okay. That's fine. Uh, we'll move into Star Wars news. We're going to wrap this shit up. Taika Waititi has been approached to do a Star Wars movie. That's all I have. That's really <laughs> seriously like. Well, well, that's the story. Yeah, that's, I know. <laughs> there's no more to that story. He's been approached. There's there's really nothing else. Like we don't know what the movie would be about. Um, it's we don't know if this is the one that's being produced by Kevin Feige. We we know nothing. But it has apparently that talk has happened. So Taika Waititi has been approached to do a Star Wars movie. I, I yeah. think I, I'm down too, but like, here's the thing. Like, what would that movie be about? Like, it's, I guess the easy thing to say would be like, Oh, just do a stormtroopers comedy. That's not going to happen. <laughs> but what would it be about? Who would it star? Uh, I'm down. Whatever story he's got, I am fucking down for it. Mm-hmm. But in a way, it would like a whole movie. It would feel like I think it would be the most different Star Wars movie than we've ever gotten. It would 100%. be so different. Well, that here's the question, though. He's been approached. Do does Star Wars the people, the powers that be? Do they have the guts to let this movie be made the way that he wants to make it? They would. I, I think. I think at this point, I think at this point they would. I, I, I think that with the relationship that he has with John Favreau and with, honestly, I think like Rebecca, if what happened with Phil Lord and Chris Miller, I think. The problem with all that stuff is it, it's it's tied so closely to the original trilogy that it kind of scared them. I think it scared, I think it scared um, Kathleen Kennedy 
and Lawrence Kasdan. Some of these guys, it scared them quite a bit because it's it's tied in so closely with the original trilogy. If you give Taika Waititi something in the Star Wars universe that is basically something 100% new, that's not like so connected to the holy fucking trilogy that's connected to the Skywalkers, I think that they would give him the freedom to do whatever the fuck he wanted to, right? I would love that. I'll be honest with you. I would love that. I would, you know, like for me, The Last Jedi, I thought was probably the most innovative and interesting Star Wars movie I'd seen in a very long time. And I want more of that. Like, that's what I want more of. I want more of that. And I know I, I, I don't speak for every Star Wars fan, and, and certainly I'm not a hardcore Star Wars fan. I never you know, claim to be, but I enjoy, I like Star Wars a whole lot. Grew up watching it. So, um, but this, but you know, The Last Jedi was something so different, so innovative, so interesting. They took characters that I thought I knew and showed me different aspects of them. I would love to see what Taika could do. He, that Thor Ragnarok, so stylized, so different. The music and the way that he wrote those characters and the way that he used comedic timing and drew it out of Chris Hemsworth. He, it was always there, but like to get it out into a Thor movie and then the way he directed that last episode of The Mandalorian, I want to see him, give him a whole movie, let him write it, let him direct it. I, I can't wait. I, I can't wait for that. I hope this happens. I hope it happens like really soon. <laughs> like I know it won't happen like really soon, but like I would be, I would be there opening night IMAX just anxious to see what he's brought me to yeah. see in Star Wars. I would, I would be invigorated for a Star Wars movie and I haven't felt that way. I didn't feel that way for the rise of Skywalker. And, and I, I'm sorry to say that, but it's the truth. Um, go, going into it, I wasn't excited or invigorated the way I, I should have been. And, but a Taika with TD Star Wars movie, you better believe I'm buying my tickets opening night and I'm seeing it in IMAX and I'm sitting there and I'm watching it with my eyes wide open. I don't think that they would stifle him on his creativity for. This as long as it's as long as they're fucking done with like Skywalkers and solos and all this other stuff that you know I feel like that was like the big reason with Phil Lord and Chris Miller like them kind of like kicking those guys off the project yeah. is because it was like so tied in with you know and 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 the fact that Lawrence Kasdan was there and I think like Lawrence Kasdan didn't like their directorial style and then like Donald Glover just kind of like. You know, like improvising and, you know, them, you know, f you know, just, uh, flying yeah. off the cuff and like doing whatever the fuck they wanted to. Um, I think it kind of <laughs> like drove Lawrence Kasdan crazy because it was his screenplay. And, and I think like if you give, if you give these guys just like new shit to work with in the Star Wars universe, then I think maybe Kathleen Kennedy would like let it be cool, you know, like, and I think, hopefully, I would think that Taika Waititi has kind of, like, proven himself as a Hollywood commodity as far as directors are concerned to, like, let her just back the fuck off and let this guy fucking do what he's going to do. You know what I mean? It's like, it, it, it's, why the, like, if, if you've got fucking, you know, the, a famous chef in your kitchen, yeah, I know how to boil an egg, but, like, I'm not going to, if, 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 if I'm, <laughs> 
if I'm fucking in my kitchen and Gordon Ramsay or Wolfgang Puck's there, I'm not going to fucking like hang over their shoulder the entire time and then give them instructions on shit. You know, the only thing I'm going to tell them is if I'm allergic, if I got a food allergy, that's it. Other than that, make whatever the fuck you want to my kitchen. You're a genius. And like, that's the thing here. It's like Taika Waititi's a fucking, he's a genius. We've seen him take anything and turn it into like, we've had two other directors on Thor and like those movies. I think the first Thor movie is really good. The second one is very meh, but the Mm -hmm. Ragnarok is just, just an amazing film. And Mm -hmm. it, I mean, it's, I think Thor, you know, as Thor love and thunder, we're not getting a Captain America three. We're not getting an iron. Oh, excuse me. We're not getting a Captain America four. We're not getting an Iron Man four. You know, Thor four. But we are getting, yeah, we're getting Thor, yeah. we're getting a Thor, Thor film. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that, you know, Taika Waititi kind of like, you know, uh, re-injected life into that franchise, you know, and, um. Yeah, I, I totally agree. He did a lot, he did a lot for that movie. And then to see, you know, what he did, not only the, the, the directing, for that last episode of The Mandalorian, but like his his voiceover work on IG Eleven, I thought was was very good. Oh god, yeah. Um, well, you know, I, I thought this will be. The, I think I, this is the first time a person of color is going to be working on a star uh, directed a Star Wars film. I know. Happens. I mean, you know, that's huge. We're so close to getting a woman directing a Star Wars film. We're so close, you guys. I can taste it. We're so close. Well, I mean, let's see. What, you know, Deborah Chow is going to be working on a huge fucking project herself with yeah. uh, with Obi Wan Kenobi. So, I, I mean, you got. I think as I think as like Star. Here's the thing. Like Marvel makes sense that we've got female directors and we've got you know different people coming in and making these movies because the Marvel train is not stopping. I think there's been some. Huge bumps in the road for Star Wars, though. <laughs> if Star Wars oh, okay. was as successful right now as, and I'm not saying like overall, Star Wars as far as like its legacy, I think is way bigger as far as like movies are concerned. If you're going back to like what, you know, what the, what, and I'm not talking about the comics. I know the comics have been around forever, but I'm talking about like Star Wars been around since fucking 77 and the fucking impact it's made. On our culture. I mean, the Star Wars is in the National Film Registry for crying out loud. You know, that movie's preserved. Um, on the AFI list. AFI, exactly. I mean, it's huge. But, um, I think if, if Star Wars, like, as soon as Disney took over, I think if, like, if, 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 if it would have kind of, like, blown up and been as big as Marvel has been with, under Feige's direction, um, and to the point where they're, they're confident, like, oh, we can make two, three movies a year and we're totally happy with this. I think we would have got a female, <laughs> female director at this point announced already, but it's, you know, god damn, we've got like, you know, oh, we, here's a trilogy from the fucking Game of Thrones guys. No, they're gone. Yeah. Thank God. Thank God. Yeah. Right. Thank God they're gone. <laughs> but like, yeah. you know, like, you know, I mean, I think it's, I, I, if, 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 if we can get some people to get Star Wars back on track, like, you know, if Taiko Atiti steps in there, get Star Wars back on track, you know, um, if Ryan Johnson is still doing like his films and he gets Star Wars back on track and people are happy with like the, the level of Star Wars stuff that we're getting, 
then then maybe Disney will start to like open this up a little bit more, and then maybe we can get a female director on a movie, which would be fantastic. Deborah Chow, it just she directed she directed like two of the best episodes mm-hmm. of fucking The Mandalorian. Of the Mandalorian, yeah, exactly. And, it's like, and here's the thing: is here's the thing, like. If if I were to watch that episode that she did, like the two episodes that she did or whatever, if I were to watch those episodes, it's not like I would have thought, thought to myself like, "Oh, that was directed by a woman." No, it was just that was just that was just a great fucking Mandalorian episode. Mm-hmm. It had it had not, I had no idea it was directed. You know, if you don't know, my dad, my fucking dad loved the Mandalorian. My dad couldn't tell you who directed one episode from the other. That's just my dad just doesn't give a shit about that. Like he had no fucking idea. And you couldn't tell. You couldn't tell that, like, one episode was directed by a man, one episode was directed by a woman. It's just each of these people had incredible, like, they have their own style, their own voice, and you saw that come through in these shows. Like, the Taika Waititi episode, you knew it was a Taika Waititi episode because of the Stormtroopers and the Stormtrooper comedic interactions that they had with one another. That's signature Taika Waititi. I mean... Each of these directors, you know, Rick Fumiyawa, I mean, he's a great director. I love Dope. You could see what Rick Fumiyawa brought to his episodes. And same thing with Deborah Chow. And we're going to see, like, what she does as the showrunner for the Obi-Wan series. Which, if <laughs> what she did in The Mandalorian is any indication of what she can do working with Ewan McGregor, I think we're in for a fucking great ride here. Like, I I think, like, that Obi-Wan Kenobi series is going to be fantastic. Mm-hmm. I do, too. I think it's... I think you've got Ewan McGregor lined up to do it. You've got Deborah Chow doing the show running. You've got... If they give her the freedom that they've given... That they seem to have given John Favreau, I think... I'm so excited to see what she's going to do with that show. I don't think I'm she's so she, excited. I don't. I hope that she doesn't go in feeling like she's got to be constrained to do certain things. Like, oh, exactly. You, oh, you, you got to fit in fucking Darth Maul in here somehow, or you got to fit in. You got to fit in some fuck. You know, like you got to stay on Tatooine the whole time and babysit fucking Luke because he's going to die every five fucking minutes. <laughs> you know, like fucking do whatever you want to with it. Just yeah, fucking exactly. Yeah. Yeah, give give her that same creative freedom because even even if I even if I hadn't known that John Favreau was involved with the Mandalorian, just by watching one episode, listening to the dialogue, getting the feel of that show, you would go, "Oh man, this feels like John Favreau." Like the, the, you you get that style, you get that feel from it. So, having seen the episodes that Deborah Chow directed. I love the tone that she set and I love the way that she really got some great performances out of those actors for her to now to have a whole show. I would love to see what she could do with that and get the get, get an idea of her tone of her um, capability of her uh, imagination and what she can do. I mean, I would love to be able to go to a theater one day and see, you know, Star Wars, you know, whatever episode or whatever movie directed by Deborah Chow. I, I mean, that would just make my heart burst with happiness because seeing what she's already done. So, yeah, I mean, it's all it's all good news because if they just let Taika do what he what he does, I think it's going to be an amazing film. Well, I mean, you know. I think if it happens. What I think what Deborah Chow is doing right now, it, it, movies are not like I. 
here's the thing. People are tuning into Disney Plus. Disney, I think the Mandalorian's way more fucking popular than the fucking final film in the Skywalker saga. So it's like, mm-hmm. so. Oh yeah. At, yeah. And so at the end of the day, I feel like, I feel like she's not being restricted to just like doing like yeah. a movie. She's able to do a whole series. Good for her. And they're going to give her a budget because we know Disney Plus is not tightening the purse strings. They are spending a ton of money on these fucking series, movie level, uh, almost to a point. It's, it's ridiculous how much they're spending on these episodes. So I think Deborah Chow is, uh, we'll see. We'll see what, I mean, I think it, it could definitely, it could definitely happen. We could definitely see her, you know, uh, after this Obi-Wan Kenobi series gets done. And we've heard, you know, the talk that, um, John Favreau, Dave Filoni and Deborah Chow are going to be like pretty much like the big kind of voices that we're going to be hearing from when it comes to Star Wars going forward in the future. So yeah, we'll see what happens with all that. Did you guys see the Star Wars episode nine stuff? The script, the, the script. Oh, I heard about it, but I didn't really look into it too much just because I didn't know how legit it was. It's pretty legit. It's pretty. (laughs) What's that, Neil? I also didn't care enough to read it. Really? That's true. Okay, I did because I wasn't the biggest fan of the movie. Um, and so, like, I liked it, but I didn't love it. So I was 100% definitely interested in hearing, like, what, uh, Colin Trevorrow and Derek Connolly's take on this movie would have been. Um, this, uh, appeared on Reddit on the Star Wars leaks subreddit and, there was a breakdown that originated on YouTube and the episode nine was titled Duel of Fates originally. And to be quite honest with you, I'm not going to say like this would have, I, I, I'm not going to definitively tell you that this would have been better than what we would have gotten, but there's a lot of stuff in here that I think is better than what we got. And, um, Kelly Marie Trans, this comes from, where did I get this? avclub.com. They, they kind of broke it down. Kelly Marie, Kelly Marie Trans, Rose Tico is given a much larger role and spends a good portion of the film with Finn, C3PO, and R2D2 on a mission to light a beacon on Coruscant that will draw allies to assist the resistance in their final battle against the First Order. Meanwhile, Ray, Poe, and Chewbacca head to a distant planet to find answers that may help Ray figure out what to do about this whole uh, situation. Um, basically, we find out in this one there is no emperor. There is a hologram of him that uh, Kylo Ren finds, but the emperor is not the main villain. Um, the main villain of the movie is Kylo Ren. Uh Zori Bliss is not in the movie. Babu Frick is not in the movie. Uh, like I said, Emperor Palpatine is not in the movie other than a hologram. Uh, he is, yeah, uh, as in Abrams version, Kylo Ren travels to Mustafar, but Trevorrow's script actually follows him there and shows the audience what he's been up to while Rey tries to figure out if she's worthy of being a Jedi or if Jedi should even be a thing anymore, while Kalos searches Mustafar for a Sith holocron 
an artifact that will aid his nefarious plans. He's tormented by the force ghost of Luke who taunts him with lines like, this is where the dark path leads an empty tomb. This falls more in line with what we got from the last Jedi. The rise of Skywalker basically feels like it is just trying to retcon everything that happened in the last Jedi. And this at the end of, you know, we saw that scene in The Last Jedi where, like, Luke says, see you around, kid. <laughs> this follows up on that. Luke, his force ghost, taunting fucking uh, Kylo Ren, this movie, and saying shit like that. This is where the dark path leads, an empty tomb, taunting him throughout this movie. This sounds more like a follow-up instead of just trying to retcon everything that happened in The Last Jedi. I mean, um, it yeah. sounds better to me. At this point, but again, we already have the movie and it's not good. (laughs) Oh, I know. I know. But, but, but people are interested in this, Neil. You may not, you may not be interested in this. You may not have wanted to read this, but there are people that like me personally, I wanted to know, like, what did we miss out on? This movie was going to happen. This script was turned in 11 days before Carrie Fisher passed away. So, of course, they would have had to change a lot of things in this because, you know, General Leia was a big part of this script and it would have to have changed. But at the end of the day, like, what would we have gotten? And so um, here's here's a little bit more of this. Uh, the holocron opens to reveal a hologram of Palpatine, apparently leaving his last will and testament to Darth Vader. Should Luke kill the wrinkly old space wizard, Palpatine says Vader should take the young Skywalker to see, to see Tor Valum, the Sith master who taught Palpatine everything he knows. Throughout Duel of Fates, various characters attempt to reach Kylo Ren and bring Ben Solo back into the light. General Leia remains skeptical, but Ray believes that anyone can change. He tells Finn that his actions proved this. Meanwhile, Kylo tracks down Tor Valum, who turns out to be a seven thousand year old extreme uh, uh, seven thousand year old ghoul described as Lovecraftian in, in appearance. <laughs> a note that should make everyone shriek with grief at the lost possibility of something so fucking cool. Anyhow, Kylo Ren trains with Tor Valum. Listen to this confronts a Darth Vader phantom, loses, and stomps and broods his way over to Rey. There's also a cool bit somewhere in there where the holocron wounds uh, Kylo's face, which is repaired with smelted Mandalorian armor. So yeah, Kylo Ren fights a phantom Darth Vader in this version. Wow. That would have been dope to see. Way better. Well, especially given his obsession with his lineage, you know? And they just kind of drop that. And getting his ass kicked. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, the, I mean, if you guys want to read this, it's all it's on the Internet. I mean, it's the Trevorrow script. Um, and I think MakingStarWars.net, Jason Ward talked about it as well he i guess jason ward says he's read it and he posted his thoughts on it too but uh i mean yeah it, the main villain is um the main villain is uh kylo ren throughout this one that's already a smarter idea which yeah. is yeah. the exact idea that they left that last movie with which is like he's gonna attempt to be the big bad right it would have been a much more fulfilling story to have to deal with that 
They say that Chewbacca flies an X-Wing in this version. The, oh, wow. The Resistance gang steals a Star Destroyer. <laughs> and a droid described as being similar in appearance to Darth Maul is in this one. I don't know about that. That sounds kind of stupid. But everything else sounds kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it, it definitely def- sounds a lot better. Definitely sounds a lot better than what we actually got. Yeah, and I hear at the end, uh, Ben Solo, oh, excuse me, Kylo Ren does not turn back to the light. And Ray has to take him down. Yeah. And maybe we get the answer to Finn's secret. His secret <laughs> is he's force sensitive. I listened to your episode and I was like, Aaron, he's force sensitive. That's what he was trying to tell her. Why would he tell her that while he's sinking into a pit of sand? He's in love with her. That is what That is not what he was trying to tell her. He's not in love with her. Fucking that was what they were building to. That is not what they were building to. He was trying to tell <laughs> he was trying to tell her that he was force sensitive. Why why would he tell her that? What is the point? What makes what it, what's the point of the whole fucking the movie doesn't make sense for the most part, Aaron, but he's not trying to tell her he loves her when they're sinking in you, the sand. Okay, look. If you were a psychic, <laughs> warrior and i was just like a regular dude but like a a minute before we were gonna die or like a day before we were about to die i realized oh like i can kind of feel people's emotions i wouldn't think like as i'm sinking into quicksand like well i'm gonna die better tell brian i it's a bad screenplay man that's all i can (laughs) tell you but he was trying to tell her that he was force sensitive you also don't live in a world where the force exists aaron Clickety clack. <laughs> what was that? Typing something. I was not typing it. It has to be Aaron. Sorry. Oh, I, fuck. I I thought I muted it and I was typing so that I unmuted it to talk and I muted myself. Dude, the, the whole time, the, there was like er, the early rumors, the early rumors um, that I had heard is like the entire time he's trying. And I said this on our spoiler episode before the movie even fucking came out that I had heard that. He, but I wasn't 100% sure that he was trying to tell her something that either it was like he loves her or cares for her. But I also heard that he was trying, like, like the early rumors that he was trying to tell her that Rose was pregnant, that they were going to have a baby. And they, like, that never happened. So, but dude, at the end of the day, like, when, when she dies, he feels it. Like, you literally see it on the screen that he's force sensitive in that moment. Oh. I agree a hundred percent. So like, I think like that's what he's trying to tell her. Like, if, but why wouldn't he tell, like, why, why wouldn't he just say it later? He's like all coy about it. Like, I'm not telling you, Poe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, dude, the, none of like half, Again, back part, trip. part of this movie, like most of the movie didn't make sense to me, to be quite honest with you. So like, I, I don't even know why Poe's, uh, uh, excuse me, why Finn is force sensitive now. That makes no sense to me. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It's not like it appears slowly over time. You just are or aren't. So does that mean because 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 Finn is force sensitive? Does that mean that all the stormtroopers that defected are force sensitive as well? Does that mean Janna is force sensitive? Does that mean all the stormtroopers that were with Janna, her whole group that left, are they all force sensitive? I mean. You can't tell me that Finn's the only force sensitive fucking stormtrooper at that point then. 
I I would say I doubt that all of them are, but I don't know. That it's whole thing, just weird to me did, that why like why do they have to ride horses? Uh, they just blow up that shit from the sky. It's a tower sticking out of a because ship. Because it shooting. looks cool that they're riding alien horses <laughs> on, a, on a fucking Star Destroyer, right? I mean, I don't know, dude. That movie yeah. was... It, it, that, the movie was fine. It was fine. It was Star Wars. It was fine. But it was not... Like, when I'm thinking about, like, when you're closing a 42-year-old chapter, I'm thinking I should get, like, endgame level quality. Yeah. There were people, like, there were people bawling in my theater. Like, I should be bawling by the time I'm done with, like, a 42-year-old story here, right? And it just, I don't know. I don't think that there, dude, I don't know. I don't know if there's any way for them to finish this in a satisfying way, ever. Yeah. It should have just, and honestly, it the Skywalker story should have just ended with fucking... The Return of the Jedi and just called it a goddamn day. I agree as well. Uh, my hope for all of these new Star Wars film projects is that they are not Jedi centric. They are stories within the universe that have no ties to Sith or Jedi or very loose ties to those things. Dude, I would exist. fucking, I would wear Mandalorian army before I'd fucking pick up a fucking lightsaber at this point mandalorian yeah. army is so dope the, like uh fucking beskar metal and all this shit dude beskar metal is metal as fuck me, 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 me. it's awesome i love it <laughs> i fucking love i love this mandalorian shit like yeah they need to they need to step away from jedi and sith and all this stuff and just focus on the other things that are going on in the star wars universe you know yeah yeah but, I don't know. I guess you can say that, but on the flip side, we're looking at Baby Yoda, who's still force sensitive, right? Yeah, I, but it's, it's not the focus of the show. I think that's the difference. Is that yeah, Baby Yoda is still force sensitive, but it's certainly not the focus. I wouldn't say it's the focus of the show. Yeah, sure, it's not the focus of the show, but like same thing goes for Rogue One. I, I loved Rogue One. It's like. We had Chirrut Imway, who was like this blind guy who's talking about the Force and shit. He's not fucking showing you the Force. The only thing we got from the Force in that movie was fucking Darth Vader at the end of that movie, fucking Force choking people and throwing them across that corridor. So good. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. it was that was really good. My favorite Star Wars scene of all time. It was, yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty dope. It's, I mean, it's hard to beat that. It's hard. <laughs> it's pretty hard. Um, let's wrap this shit up. You guys done? Sure. Yeah, it's late. Yeah. It's fucking late, and I'm this. I don't know. Fuck it. I don't know. Why? Why do I do this? <laughs> I don't know. I do. I sacrifice my Saturday nights to do this shit every week. <laughs> he starts weeping. <laughs> It, I mean, it's, it's seriously, this is a life wasted, right? You know? <laughs> it's like, on my tombstone, I want like, like, I want like whatever, like, I just want like everything to look like a wave file. No words, just like wave file. You know what I mean, Aaron? Yeah. You, yeah. And just say however many episodes you get to before you die. Oh, God. Of- 
of nonsense. Oh God! Can you, when when I start to like when my voice does that thing where it changes and I start to sound like an old man, and then then I'm doing <laughs> this shit. You know what I mean? When you hit that old man voice. Hey, oh yeah. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers. Oh God. <laughs> oh my God. When I sound like when I sound like I'm ready to hand out candy to children in department stores that I've never met before. That's when we need to wrap this shit up. <laughs> this fucking guy from the thing that they play before movies. He's <laughs> ninety four years old and he gives out chocolate bars. Oh, that and motherfucker, that- the Hershey's guy. Yeah, Jesus. Oh God, that fucking commercial is <laughs> ridiculous. Oh my God. Yeah, he hands out Hershey bars and it makes people feel good, dude. You're just fucking. You're contributing to this whole obesity epidemic that we've got going on. In America. That's all you're doing, buddy. Have you seen how many grams of sugar are in a fucking Hershey's bar, you son of a bitch? Oh, yeah. That's yeah. all you're doing. You're not helping anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I always think is, like, how long ago did they film this, and is he still alive? Oh, that old man? Yeah. Because I've been seeing the ad for, like, two years, and he was 94 when it started, and they probably had to cut it and do everything and, you know, get it approved, so... You never know, man. I don't know, man. Maybe his force ghost is handing out fucking chocolate <laughs> again. Come <laughs> get a chocolate bar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hate this episode. <laughs> oh, we got it. Yeah, it finally happened. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of it. I don't know. I think you're asleep at this point. (laughs) I am. I'm so, like, my heart's not in it this week. I'm sorry, everybody. No, fuck you. I'm not apologizing. God, I (laughs) I wasted my Saturday night to do this shit, so fuck you. (laughs) Fuck you. Fuck you you for for wasting it. Yeah, bitch, I'm here with you. (laughs) Yeah, me too. I know. Seriously. God damn it. Oh, God. Why did you guys agree to this? (laughs) (laughs) You're, well, part, you're part of the I'm, problem. I'm a masochist. I enjoy suffering. Hey, Aaron, where can people find you if they want to listen to more of you? You can find me on Nerds. Um, it's a podcast that comes out like twice a month at this point. <laughs> uh, and uh, I did do a episode of my former co-host, um, Tony, has a has a couple of podcasts, but I did an episode of Dream Laser um that is like a sci-fi uh writing show so we we write well they write uh sci-fi short stories and then they read them to each other and they're just like goofy comedy ones um so i was on the last episode uh season two episode three and i wrote two stories because i second guessed myself so <laughs> it was fun if you have are bored and you want to hear goofy sci-fi stories about uh moon ogres playing volleyball Go ahead and give it a listen. Moon Ogres playing volleyball. You know what? My favorite scene in Top Gun is the homoerotic scene mm-hmm. of the volleyball guys. That's what I was inspired by when I wrote that part of the story. And don't, yeah, here's the thing, guys. When people use the words homoerotic, don't be offended by that because that's what they're, they want to get gay guys to jack off to Tom Cruise playing. <laughs> that's like, that's what homoerotic is. 
so don't be. Yeah, that's right. That's where you can find me. There's nothing offensive about the word homoerotic. That it's that's that's what they're trying to do. Like they're yeah. So that that's where you can find Aaron doing <laughs> playing volleyball with men. Um oiled up beach volleyball. <laughs> and everybody check Re- Rebecca, you get Picard cast. Yes. Uh we have a back catalog well it's not like a back catalog, I guess. We have a bunch of episodes we released as a pre-show lineup, the essential episodes from TNG that you should watch to get ready for Picard. Both uh, you, Brian, and Neil have been guests on on episodes, which was great. And um, yeah, you can listen to us talk about the the trailers and and all that stuff. And uh, this the twenty third. If you're in the States, CBS All Access is the first episode of Picard. If you are overseas, uh, it's the 24th and it's on Amazon. So uh, you'll get it like just the next day. So, yeah, that's when you can watch Picard and listen to Picard cast for our episode breakdown. There you go. There you have it, everybody. I am done. I am so like, oh, my <laughs> God. I'm Neil. Thank you, dude. You're welcome. Thank I'm, you for having me again. Yeah, I am so fucking done, Neil. I am so fucking... <laughs> put a fork in me. I'm going to bed. <laughs> Fuck this shit. Same. Next week, uh, we'll see you next week with more shit. All right? <laughs> <laughs> we love you guys. Just like all good leftovers say in their doggy bags, thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. See ya! Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations! I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. Like seven million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that makes us happy, like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Gonna toss it, gonna take it. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushovers. Pop culture. Uncool kids. What's to say has already been dead. Leftover. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good. Have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft and the shaft the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushed over. Pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Couldn't it taste? 
Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Leftovers.